welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and you know, I do welcome you as everyone in here to the Hawk's Nest as we've got lots of news to discuss as we always do, don't we? And yes, I'm talking combine action. It has been a glorious week for us. They'd love to cover this kind of stuff as we get into the nuances and details of these prospects. Uh, especially with some of the testing scores and combining it with the game film and stuff starting to kind of marry together in your mind a little bit more clearer. And so it's uh, been a fun experience as always doing that. I'm not as much able to just watch the stuff nonstop like some of you guys are with the marathon kind of watch. I got to just take it snips, snippets and approaches with it, though they did a good job with the presentation this year. But we've got rumors of uh, also the Seahawks' interest in Bobby Wagner potentially returning. Seems a little bit more coming together, a little bit more... Hand, hand a glove on this one. We'll see. There seems to be some, as we know with this, some details to work out, but we are hearing that there's a little bit, maybe some smoke to that potential fire for both sides being interested in Bobby coming back. But today it is going to be a little bit of a discussion here off the top about this combine. And when I ever go into these combine or any of these new draft experiences, I don't know how you guys do this, but from my standpoint, it's as much about how do I improve the process of looking at these guys. How do I get to understand this better? How do you how do you kind of cut through the crap a little bit, if I were to say, to get to really where the, the heart of the matter is on some of these guys? And there are some, I think, some, if you're walking down a labyrinth, there are some kind of dead ends with some of these guys that you can find yourself on or, or getting kind of caught up in certain other things that lead you astray from other items that are important. Of course, for many of you, uh, Bryce Young and his weight are going to be at the top of your minds. Wow, he got to 205. Look, he got to 205. But I think, and it's not just a Bryce Young thing, it's a prospect thing in this draft. The, the one part we want to notice with these quickness and speed scores is oftentimes what they're weighing at in a, or what their height is, what they, what they are from a size standpoint. Because if I have a 5'9 receiver that weighs 167 pounds run a 4'440", that's not quite as impressive as a guy that's going to be six foot, 210 out there, 205 out there running the same kind of time. And you've got to apply this across the board. What you will notice with Bryce Young is I think he probably drank about four gallons of water, then jumped on the scales, and then he proceeded to do none of the drills or any of the 40 times, which is understandable at that point. But I'm going to wager a guess. Let's just say that he's probably not going to weigh himself in on his pro day. He'll just simply do the 40 time. Allah, he uh, he at that point won't have the water weight. He'll be back to his same light and self, and so he'll run his quickest forty time that he possibly can. Again, this is just little tick tricks of the trade that I think these guys are applying at times. As I look at some of these scores, look at some of these guys and what they're actually weighing in at. It's not to apply to everything, but it is something to kind of keep into consideration a little bit. Uh, the corners, just as some general thoughts in this draft with what we're seeing from the combine numbers to me, and then we'll dive into a couple of the players that I think are standing out and really fit to our Seattle Seahawks in, in many respects. Uh, are the corners are fast and twitchy as many of us thought? Coming in, this was going to be a position that everybody thought was going to be the, the deepest as it was coming into this draft, and they certainly are looking the part in the, in the realm of um, just stop and start, quickness, uh, fluid hips. Uh, can kind of do it all. Very impressive players. I still think that you're going to see somewhere in the neighborhood of five, six, maybe seven cornerbacks taken in the first round in total. And that's without maybe a guy being taken in the first seven, eight, nine picks even, which will be very impressive. They are missing a little bit of arm length size. It's not a, it's not a bunch of T-Rexes out there, okay? But they there is a little bit of just not not a lot of pure length that you would like to see out there. 
uh, like we have, for instance, last year with the Tariq Woolen. This just makes his freakishness, if you look at him and his t- scores and his length, all that much more stand out when you look at some of these guys in this draft who do still have some pretty good, uh, you know, speed score numbers, quickness numbers, but don't necessarily have that uh, length length you would like. Uh, the safeties have not necessarily been super impressive. There's quickness there with them, but boy, they are, are certainly uh, some slow times out there from the safeties and what they're bringing that, that definitely is uh, a little disconcerting there. Um, the fast linebackers, we, we, we are seeing all over the board, Owen Popoe, Dan Henley, everybody's running fast times. Very impressive in that respect. It's certainly good for our Seahawks that these guys look better and better as we go along through this process. Even a guy like Jack Campbell, who didn't run the fastest 40 times, still comes back with some really good uh, 10-yard splits and some good short area burst stuff. So that was very impressive to see uh, coming into this combine for a linebacker class that's not particularly good. But you're definitely going to see uh, my hopes of getting like an Owen Popoe in the Fourth, fifth round seems to be a dash at this point with him running a 4-3-9-40 from the linebacker position. But again, you got to look at the weights on these guys, 225, you know, 226. It's a little different when they're running these uh, speed scores at times. Uh, the tight end class still does look very good to me. I think my another guy that, much like my guy Papoy, my guy Darnell Washington is going to probably now elevate himself into potential first-round discussion where he was, you know, more looking maybe a latter half, second round guy coming into this combine and uh, certainly deserving so. He had a kind of Odell Beckham moment in this draft where ran a little out route, jumped up and plucked it with his little two fingers. And you just kind of saw there the catch radius and how big he is and um, uh, everything else that he brings to the board. And then you you throw on top of it that his testing score numbers were really good in this. Um, so all the tight ends were pretty good across. Everything was pretty solid with the numbers. Nobody had any of those, you know, Kyle Pitts-like freakish score numbers, but just good and solid down the line. Maybe perhaps Michael Mayer, a little bit disappointing that with is what uh, pretty kind of, kind of a slowish 40 time from him. The uh, edge class is very impressive. Athletic, uh, gr- good to great length, great get off. A lot of guys down in that, like I said, that 10 yard split zone where you really want to see that quickness, especially from that position really does stand out with these guys early on that you're seeing those numbers come out and it's it, it, they've got it. Um, and they've got it, a lot of them have it a good weight, not just essentially being light guys, but at the at the weight you'd like to see. Um, good size overall. So a lot of the good testing numbers on the edge guys. I know for us, it's not a need coming into this draft, having three guys minimum right now we feel good about, not to mention Alden Robinson and Tyreek Smith coming back. But I'm not going to be surprised if John Schneider is going to address this in this draft somewhere and somewhere early. And in fact, um, I'm going to be running my mock draft 3.0 after I get through the end of this kind of little spiel on the opening part. And uh, in my opening, in that, our first pick off the board in that draft, I believe I have us taking an edge, or our second pick, I have us taking an edge. So uh, it's going to be two mocks. I'm going to run mock one's going to be my mock, which is this is my Brandon special if I got to run the show. And then I'm going to run what I think would be the likely Seahawks mock. If you guys hear a little bit of a drill thing, I've got neighbors today doing the the drill, the whatever they're doing. They're they're making a little arc, I think, over there. Whatever they're doing, uh, you might as might hear a little bit of that in the background. Hopefully not. So let's go to a couple of these guys that stand out. And the guy that was on my thumbnail, and the guy that I want to talk about most here to begin things off. And he's not going to be in either of my two mocks today. But that says nothing of the fact that if you want to look at a guy that increased his likelihood, I think, for being uh, or becoming a Seahawk, all that much more around that fifth selection, that fifth pick, then look no further than Anthony Richardson. 
Um, it wasn't perfect by any measure with this kid, but we knew it wasn't going to be perfect with this kid by any measure. Um, he had some struggles on it at times, a couple of throws on some out route throws, but you know, he still, when he let it rip and pushed it down the football field, it looked really good. And when you look at the, the misses on the out route throws, I've been thinking a lot about this because the comparisons will come in for guys like uh, Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson, or, and I think these are just a little bit of a, a little bit of lazy comparisons because with these guys, you just, with both Lamar and Cam, you have different problems. I was thinking about this for each of the guys where it's, it's just their lower half doesn't really marry their upper half and it doesn't lead to a real clean release where the, the whole body is sort of kinetically working together to get the throws off and a lot of times turns into upper half throws. And with, with Richardson, you see him engage everything fully on certain throws where it's all there and, and you can see him where he just he has to get more of that repetition. This is part of why we say he needs more maturation, more time, but you see him there on those throws locking it in and just on some of those out route throws for instance you see him get a little lazy with those lower half with his feet and kind of get on his tiptoes leaning back a little bit when he doesn't have to be and so uh you do see on the on the tape there are those throws um that do stand out that 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 certainly are impressive that he stands into he lets it rip everything's coming up for it's it's almost hard to kind of articulate this but when the quarterback's doing it right it's up from the feet it's in through the hips as they're exploding up you know opening those hips up and activating the core and it's all coming up like a lightning bolt up through the player as he throws and what you have in guys like cam and lamar sometimes is the <laughs> lightning bolt essentially has to start start from their core and then get up to the arm and and that leads to inaccuracy that leads to loss of power that leads to inaccuracy when you're throwing off platform or off your back foot you know and verse if you have those things engaged now you can make those kind of throws this is what makes patrick mahomes so good is he certainly is a guy that can engage that mechanism in that way all the way up through even on throws where he's kind of falling back and, and twisting away from so richardson was very impressive i thought the throws but certainly what's going to get people's eye four four three forty one five three split 40 and a half inch vert and a 10-9 broad jump so you know nearly 11 foot broad jump on top of that these are 99th percentile numbers for the quarterback position as far as an athlete goes you, you you yes there has been faster quarterbacks perhaps that run their run their 40s quicker but this guy is certainly in those echelons of points of talking about kyler's and lamar's and your cams and all of those guys he's going to fit in there from the standpoint of being that kind of runner with the football now is he a quarterback He's a developmental guy. And as I continue to say with him in watching the tape, it's a guy that has a ton of upside. Yes, there's the bus side that's there as well. But if you trust your organization, you trust your ability to develop quarterbacks, then you shouldn't be dissuaded by the fact that he's going to take some time to develop. You should say, this is what we do. This is what we've done. And so I, I wouldn't be at this point knowing now that those, those athletic numbers, again, what does the combine do? Doesn't fool me inform me about them player. But here's how I personally would on a guy like Richardson and how I view the combine instruct me is like, okay, I, I see the athletic numbers there. I see he looks impressive still throwing the ball. I see they did the RPMs. He's got great velocity. The ball jumps out of his hand. I see the things that I thought I was seeing on tape are kind of confirmed here. You know, the, the speed thing wasn't him just getting lucky in the open field, kind of getting away and run away from guys in the out there in, in a tough conference. It's him run away because he's fast. Four, four, three, that's fast. That's not fast for a quarterback. That's just fast. Either, many of these receivers in this draft are struggling to post these times. And so you have that at the quarterback position now. And now can you develop that along through with a guy who actually has pretty good overall, uh, you know, I guess foundational base to work with from a throwing standpoint. 
You know, there's an easy free and there's a free and easy thrower there to be had if you can just kind of round out the edges a bit. You know, and uh, I I I think at number five now for the Seahawks, it's one of two things. Number one, it's it certainly is at this point if he's the guy that sits there now, or if it's Levis, or it's, you know, obviously I think the other guys are certainly in play if they land there. Um, we can all be begrudging or love Bryce Young, but we certainly can acknowledge if he's there, or Seattle at five, there there may be a point where they love him enough to grab him, and that would be completely easier picking everyone. I think on all the first, of those three guys could go. Okay. I can see why they would be picked there. Richardson's one, the one that's been kind of now the late riser up, I think, and surprising people a little bit by how far up he is going. And there's a lot of people who are like, man, but he's so rough. He shouldn't go this high. But again, they don't, they don't come along like this every other year. They don't come. And again, he's not 24. He ain't done developing. He's not at his end point. He's still into that process and he should have gone back to college, but that doesn't stem the fact that you give him a couple years down the line now here and you might just have potentially one of those guys in this sport, one of the best quarterbacks in the sport. And they are very few and far between. People like to talk like there's a big collection set of these guys. And, and to my account right now, you have Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, and maybe Allen, depending on who you ask right now. I think that they're in their kind of rarefied era of quarterback. There's other good quarterbacks here, but we're talking really great quarterbacks. I think that those are kind of it. There might be somebody else who's probably going to post somebody I'm, I'm missing off this, but I think at least as we're projecting it to go forward right now, that's where it stands. Somebody may somebody else may elevate, but that still doesn't want to change the bottom line that uh, the point still stands that it's hard to find these guys and you have an opportunity to do so. And as many have said about this fifth pick right now, whether you, uh, love or hate Richardson or think he's not ever going to attain that uh, that ceiling, you don't stand at this pick very often to pick this kind of player, to certainly not to pick a quarterback. And you're benefiting having this opportunity because in this draft at this point, it's a, a little bit of a quarterback-rich draft at the top of things by the NFL's consideration. Not made by maybe people's personal opinion of these guys, but at least by the NFL's consideration slash desperation. <laughs> consideration and desperation. Uh, combination. NFL reaching for quarterbacks. That's basically how that boils down. So uh, Richardson, I thought was very impressive. Many of you are going to jump uh, up and down with no- Nolan Smith. I know that four three nine one five two ten yard split, a forty one and a half inch vertical leap, uh, 10, 10, 8 broad jump. Very impressive scores. Very impressive scores. These are not these are not edge player scores. These are wide receiver type scores that you normally get out there. Here's the caution. Um, here's my caution with this a little bit is it's it is 6'2", 238, which is good, but a little little underweight as far as if we're talking an edge guy, right? Edge guys don't tend to come 238. Um, you know, you, you go, you point to me and somebody, this is where the comp for me will be in the issue for me is like what people might do to me as trying to get an advance of this is that somebody will post to my chat and go, well, you love Will Anderson, but look at Nolan Smith and how much of there the scores. Like, well, yeah, look at a little bit of the size difference though the weight difference and what Will Anderson's carrying versus what Nolan is. Now, I will acknowledge, though, with Nolan, if he's running right now a 4.39 at 2.38, you know, and you add 15 pounds on the guy, okay, so now he's a 4.5 guy, you know, or 4.45. That's still very fast. That's still very quick. Um, And certainly this combine's probably, he was a great character guy in his combine interview, too, from everything we're reading about, so that's going to help him out as well a ton. He will be in a guy with a draft with a, not a lot of certainty to it. Even with some of the uncertainty he might provide a little bit, he'll be a guy that will now elevate himself into the first round off of this off this combine performance. Um, if he was a fringe guy at the at the before this kind of went in, and he is coming off a torn pec, 
So there is a little bit of the injury thing with him on that. The other thing with it is there is a lack of production. Um, certainly the Georgia linemen in general do get a little bit of a pass in this respect, no matter whether your name's Trayvon Walker or Jalen Carter or um, this kid this year. They're, they're asked to do a lot of different things on the defensive line and do a lot of dirty work duties and do a lot of like, we're going to blitz and you need to be in your role in the blitz and you occupy this over here. And so there is a little bit of that. You can't deny the fact as well as that despite being 238, he is one of the better run defenders in this draft. Hard to, hard, hard to understand how it is, how it's so, but he does it with a lot of effort and want and will. And again, former, I think, one, number one overall recruit in the country. So another guy that could become more of a Seahawk target coming out of this, out of this combine. And these are the guys I'm going to talk about mainly that are guys that jump out to me as guys coming out that who could be more, I think, of a target. If you look at the uh, historical, traditional um, markers that our Hawks kind of tap into, these guys kind of fit a little bit more into it. They're going to certainly, Schneider's going to love what this kid posted across the board. They're going to love his effort. They're going to love that he's all about ball. Uh, you're talking about a guy at 20 now that might be that 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 guy who people are going, that's a big read. You can't do that. Maybe there are there. I think the thing that'll hold him a little bit back is you look at him for his career. He's played a lot through four years and he's got about like 12 sacks or something through four years of his career. So just again, the production is absent. Uh, Bijan Robinson, I'll tell you, my comp and my comparison for Ladanian Tomlinson should fit all that much more coming off of this combine. I went back and double-checked this on some of the scores, folks, and it's a little bit kind of eerie to me. If you go back and look at Ladanian Tomlinson's combine numbers and you now look at Bijan Robinson's combine numbers and just kind of overlay them a little bit, there's there's some definite bleed-through on this. It's not just what you see from them on the eye test on the football field now. I got the combine numbers that kind of back this up. These guys have the exact same 10-yard split, keeping in mind that Ladanian did it like just a hair below like 5'9", whereas Bijan's doing this at about six foot tall. Exactly the set, the same elite 10-yard split. Exactly the same broad jump. Exactly the same. Point, uh, uh, 0.07 off, uh, or yeah, I think that was right about point. It was like, yeah, 0.04 per 10 per 10 one hundredths off on the 40. So again, they're right there within the 40. I think uh, Ladine was like 443 and he's 447. Um, three and a half inches off the vert. So uh, I guess 0.07% when the 40 and then three and a half inches off the vert. So Bijan didn't jump quite as high as Ladanian did, who was just super freakish in that realm as an athlete. But those guys are very closely closely comparable. And again, understanding with Bijan, he's about three inches taller, two to three inches taller. Um, though they are about right around the same weight. Ladanian was actually a very unique guy for outside the size he was for how kind of well-built he was. Um, you know, he's that thick for that size. Uh, another guy jumped out is uh, Adetwami Adawari. I know many of you have already gotten excited about this guy. I think that's rightfully so. He's got 6'2", but he's got the length of a man. He's got the length of the man, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, very, very long arms, 282. Certainly a guy that I think could fit to this defense as a 3-4 end kind of player. Ran a 4-4-9-40, 37.5-inch vert, 125-inch uh, broad jump. Um, impressive numbers, and he put up 27 reps on the on the bench. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Again, almost 34-inch long arms on that guy, which is just great, um, what you'd like. So he wins the leverage war, and he can lock out those offensive linemen to where they can't get their hands on him. Those are do two components that then translate well into the NFL and are helpful. Um, and he was sure flashing that on um, uh, out there on the uh, the Senior Bowl. 
Kalijah Kansi, of course, lit it up with the fastest 40 time for a defensive tackle in the last 20 years of the combine with a 4.67 uh, 40. Also posted a 1.64 10-yard split, which at 280, 280 pounds is very, very fast. Uh, the, there, there's a great with Kansi on one side of it like that, where the comparisons to Aaron Donald are only going to become more inherent and, and seemingly more clear. The downside of it is that he's got the 30, 30 and 5 inch long arms, whereas Donald had, I think, darn near 33 inch long arms. Many of you may wonder, well, why does arm length factor into this? Arm length has always been a huge component in the NFL in recent years in factoring in a lot of different ways. It factors from outside corners. It factors to tackles. It is a factor. And and there's a different different places. It's different, different ways that it comes into play. You might have different reasons for wanting the length of corner, than you do for wanting the length of tackle. But one of the problems is when you have a defensive lineman at this point that's got those, you know, 30, I guess just a little bit shorter, 31 inch long arms, is that, as I was saying before about this whole situation with the long arms of um, Adetwami, is that, and I'm not, if I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, um, is that there's times where now you get your arms on the lineman first, that guy can't get his arms on the other guy. And so the lineman ends up being able to really lock out a defender and control them without the defender really getting an opportunity to get a solid punch up on the lineman. And they lose that war in the NFL. If you watch reps in the NFL at times up along that line and getting close on these guys, you'll find oftentimes it's that arm length that then robs them of being able to get those wins. Now, I would counter with Kansi. That's not going to scare me away because he is so close to what you see from Donald. Um, maybe not a power standpoint, not the length standpoint. He's not ever going to be Donald. And we should make the comparison of Donald saying this is his projection. It's not. But it's that he can give you enough elements of what Donald gives you that it makes it well worth a while of that inch and a half short of arm that he you'd like to have a little bit more on for what he posts um, in, in being elite in so many of the other categories that you don't get from guys down on the inside like that. And so uh, we're going to be covering this second in my mock draft with with Cansey uh, because he is going to come up. But uh, he had a great day. Owen Popoe, I talked about him before. One of my guys that's been my guy on my guy list, my Brandon guy list, where just like these are guys we could just come out of this draft and be great with. I had, I had thought maybe we'd get him four, fifth roundish, probably going late second round at this point, posting a four, three, nine, forty. Another guy that does post that four, three, nine, forty at a little bit of a lighter weight for the linebacker position. Uh, Trenton Simpson, Dan Henley. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if this is your one, two middle linebackers that go off the board in the next, in this upcoming draft, Campbell might squeeze in between those guys or jump ahead of those guys, but both of them posted really, really nice scores, uh, kind of closely aligned in these guys and their scores. If you look at Simpson and Henley, uh, trends, trend comes in at six, three, two 155, 10 yard split 32 and three, eight inch arms, everything really good where you'd like that down the line. Henley comes in at four, five, four forty. 155 10-yard split, so the exact same as Simpson. 35-inch uh, vert, 125-inch uh, broad jump. I don't have those numbers on Simpson. He's going to wait to do those on his pro day. But he did post it at 33-inch long arms, so Henley coming in with really nice long arms as well on top of being very athletic, very fast in what he did here. And you can see a little bit more difference on Simpson. Simpson's now assured to go in the first round. If you do a mock, you better have Simpson in it. He is going to go in the first round with these numbers, with his tape. It's a lock-in. It's going to happen now. Now, Henley is probably locked in in the second round with these numbers as well. These are very impressive, and the Hawks are going to maybe have to make a choice in that early second round of Schmitz or Henley. Schmitz or Henley. 
Because you miss, you pick one, you're going to maybe miss out on the other one in the way that this will boil down in the draft. Jack Campbell uh, had another uh, had himself a very good day, I think, overall. I was right, and then he was going to run kind of closer and more into that 4740-ish range. He got he got up to 465, which wasn't bad at 249 pounds. Uh, he did run a 159 10-yard split, which I thought was very impressive for his size. This is where he really stood out. 37 and a half inch vert, 128 inch broad jump. So, you know, he out jumps basically Dan Henley in the in the athletic uh, freak show that he kind of is. Campbell now does elevate his stock with this. And now after this combine, this is a guy that like Schneider talked about a couple weeks ago. I being a guy not high on him through my first film study, need to go back in and really look through and see what I was maybe missing from is it is it that he doesn't have football quickness but he's got drill quickness or did I maybe miss it on the first show was I maybe a little bit off in what I was looking at there and I need to now reevaluate that a little bit with Campbell uh Sealy Ringo was a mixed bag I'll tell you for for my outlook on him being a guy that is is a guy that should eventually go to a free safety position I feel like he just kind of more confirmed it than anything else um yeah 43640 um 10-yard split 154 great but then, you know, 30, 33 and a half inch verts, okay. 120, 122 inch broad jumps, okay. But then 31 and one fourth inch arms. So a guy this Yawks have met with, by the way, and do have some interest in, I think that they would certainly try him out at least at, at, at corner to begin with. But boy, another guy, when you look, especially look at those free safety testing numbers in this combine. If you put Sealy Ringo in those testing numbers of the free safety position in this combine, I, I, I kind of wonder if that doesn't, absolutely then make him a first round pick in this draft as opposed to um being a guy who'll probably be right on that fringe edge of it here in this first round a little bit uh Sidney Brown did really well for him another guy like uh for me uh, like I would say Henley or Popoe for me in this draft just one of my guys that I really like 447 151 10 yard split when you say this guy is sudden I it's, it's not it doesn't even fit you know what I mean like he leaves smoke trails when he starts out and goes um 40 and a half inch vertical leap, 130 inch broad jump from a 5'10", 2'11 guy. Uh, this guy's right there with Jamie Robinson and probably overtakes Jamie Robinson at this point to go right behind Brian Branch as your slot safety type guys in this draft. Really legitimizes that. Uh, Lucas Van Ness uh, had himself a pretty good day overall, 4'5", 8", 40, which is good. The 1'6", 10-yard splits, okay, pretty decent. 31-inch vert, 118-inch broad jump, and he does have 34-inch long arms, which is part of what he does, stack and shed you, right? So that thing I talked about a second ago, short arm guys. Lucas Van Ness is going to try to stack you with those 34-inch long arms and shed you. He, he's not going to be an artist about it. <laughs> it's, it's, he's, he is a blunt object, but uh, that is what he wants to do. Running the 45840 is tremendous for him. The, uh, the 16440 is okay. You know, that's that's all right for him. So those are kind of the guys to me that sort of stood out. They're really separated. There's also some smaller guys that we can talk about that maybe elevated themselves from being sixth, fifth, sixth round territory to third round territory. But I, I and I'm probably missing a couple guys here on my list, but that was just kind of my first guys I went through. We're going to go over to you guys here in the chat in two seconds. I want to post just my two mock drafts for you really quickly. And I do see I got a couple of uh, donations. So I will totally get um, over those in just a second. Let me just get through my... Quick part here at the beginning, which is this is the first mock draft. This is going to be my um, my my draft. This is what I do. Uh, you can disagree with it. You can hate it. But this is the one that I wanted to just kind of give to you because I often get asked from people, just tell us what you'd want to do. So, okay, let's do two drafts. I'll do it. I'll tell you what I would want to do. And here's what I think. Well, 
Here's what I want to do with my hand here. And then here's what John Schneider is likely to do, or here's what they've done in their past, or here's me trying to predict Schneider's moves a little bit up ahead of, uh, up ahead of things. So these mock drafts are going to get a little bit more detailed centric as we go along, and today is going to be no different. Uh, I start off with the first pick, which is going to be a highly controversial pick among Seahawks fans and nationwide. I get it. Today is not the day we're going to talk about character concerns with this. I don't want to go into this discussion with it. Again, this is a little bit of just how I want to go with my draft in this. For me, he's the best player in this draft. If he's sitting there at number five, if all my PIs and all of the investigatory work done by the Seahawks matches up and fits, then I'm going to take him there at that point. I I just don't feel like I'm in a position to make a judgment on the kid right now where everything stands. Um and knock him off this list uh, for what's going to boil down to, uh, at worst right now, seems to be misdemeanor charges. I get if that's not the case for you, but again, for me, if he's sitting there at five, I go and call it a day. At number 20, I come back to the defensive line and I take Elijah Cansey. And as I said before with him, when I was talking about his combine performance, I've, I've taken a while to do this, but I've come to the conclusion with Cansey that I indeed believe he can hold up there as a 3-4 defensive end. I'd worried at one time he was a little bit closer in proportion to Puna Ford, but he probably has two and a half inches, maybe three inches on Puna Ford. So there actually is a little bit more size there to him for him to hold up over there on that edge. We have a baseline of Aaron Donald working in not only a 3-4 defense, not only that, not only him playing within that defense, but we also have Aaron Donald within a 3-4 defense, the Vic Fangio defense. So we have the baseline of a guy of similar proportion able to do it. Now, he doesn't have the power and strength of Donald. There is a concern there in that standpoint of things. But in both of these two guys' cases, I think that they give you some scheme flexibility as well as if you want to bounce between some 3-4 looks and 4-3 looks, both of them can do both of that. They're, they're, scheme, they're scheme flexible in that realm, I would say. And I just can't pass on a unique athlete like Cansey. We needed, to, we needed to deal with this defensive line. On my first two picks now, I'm dealing with it in a major, major fashion. I, this is the way I want to go. I did have Brian Breesey also on the board here as a potential pick. But I went with Cansey instead because I'm staying true to my board here. I'm trying to stay a little more pure on my picks here at this one. Next one won't surprise anyone. And there will be some overlay between these two um, mock drafts because some of what I would do is also what Schneider would do. Um, some of this stuff is just the, the proper right move to make for you know team building a little bit. In my opinion, I don't think they'd necessarily have to, do, you know, sometimes it can diverge. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, I think we've all talked a lot about him. Best center in the draft right now. I feel like he's accommodated himself as that. I took him with the first pick in the second round just to go with something safe. Uh, Dan Henley, the Seahawks have met with this kid already. There is already some interest, no doubt, from their standpoint of it. He is maybe the best coverage linebacker in the draft. Maybe a guy that you could say has some some echoes to him of a like of a Levante David, who's a free agent this offseason. If you're looking for maybe a little bit of a comp there. Um, so Dan Henley is a guy, I think David also went in the second round, by the way. Uh, Henley's a guy with the, the next second round pick. I come back with that kid I talked about a second ago, just had a very good combine, Sidney Brown. He comes in, he can play slot corner for, me, for you from the jump. He is um, not an outside guy in my opinion, but I think he can do a little bit of the athletic safety stuff you need, doing some strong safety, free safety stuff. Right out the gate, he gives you a better slot than you've got in Kobe Bryant. He allows Kobe to now challenge out on the outside now and go more to his true position. And uh, then he eventually can flex in there for Jamal Adams, giving you some insurance there. I know we have Ryan Neal coming back, but we also have uh, Ryan Neal carved into what's been really a good role for him, historically speaking, which has been kind of that dime corner, or you can bring him into the sub-package player, goal line situations. So now you don't have to necessarily uh, eliminate that if Adams comes off the field. But beyond that, 
Neil is on only a one-year deal and probably not likely to be at the team after this season. So this does give you a chance to have something to have something in advance to get up ahead of on the safety position. This was a little bit of a pick for me also at the at kind of the later reaches of the the third round. Where it's a little bit about value for me. I'm trying to stay value on the board on these picks as much as for need. Jair Brown did not have a good combine. Four six five forty. Um, he's a guy that's going to drop. There was a guy last year out of Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, that a lot of people really got into a little bit over this, whether this guy should be being considered a prospect at this point, much less go in the first round. And and people were like, look at, because he didn't have the greatest combine necessarily. And it sometimes does come down to game film at, at the end of the day, kind of as a bottom line a little bit. I would also argue that some of the safeties coming out in recent years haven't all been the fastest and that that's not necessarily a deal breaker for guys, if you're not a free safety that can run like Earl Thomas did in the 4-3 range, it's nice to have that guy. You'd ideally love to have that guy. But what what stands out with this kid is he's just an all-around baller, an all-around really good player. And to go in the fourth round and get him for me at that point was was too good not to say, let's, let's, let's give this a try. Let's go with this. Uh, after that, I go with Michael Wilson out of Stanford. He's not played a, a ton of games, but you know when he has played, he has looked very impressive. He's got a, a bit of an explosiveness to him that stands out and he's Doug Baldwin approved. And if Doug Baldwin tells me that this guy's going to be a good uh, receiver and then he can get it done, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and trust Dougie, Dougie B on this one a little bit. So I think this is one Seattle has looked at Stanford uh, pass catchers in the past. And I think they'll go back and take a look at it here again. I liked it there. There wasn't a lot of good picks to be had here. Some of you might be going, why not running back here uh, or, or other positions here? When I got into the fourth and fifth round in my mock, those other positions just kind of weren't there for the value standpoint of things. So I just went a different direction rather than reaching for need. Uh, we'll be seeing a need mock here in a second. Carl Brooks, uh, edge out of Bowling Green. A lot of good production out of him. Big guy coming off the edge. He's Michael Bennett to me, but doesn't have the first step quickness of Bennett. I think he gives you now a little bit of another defensive line player. Look, we need three coming in this draft probably. He's also a guy who can give me some end work where you move him into 3-4 end. He could be very good in there. He did do some of that there at Bowling Green as well. I think he can still roll for you off the edge as well for being a bigger cat too. Uh, he's got a little bit of that, not you have to force it flexibility, but just general natural flexibility between moving as, let's say, an outside stand-up outside linebacker to moving inside. Um, and that was another point of value for me in the fifth round at that point, end of the fifth round, just too good. Uh, in the sixth round, I went with uh, D winners. I know that we have a seventh round pick back, but the PFF hasn't given it to us here yet. So this one's only going to go six rounds deep. Uh, but I went with D winners, uh, another middle linebacker, a guy that I think can help you on special teams, very fleet of foot, very fast. Um, I love what he brings in that element of it. And so I, uh, I would, I would, this is my mock on this one. I'll let you guys kind of Look at this for a second. Then we're going to go over to John Schneider's one. I'm going to call it the Johnny S special here on the other side of it. Uh, just to acknowledge quick, Henry Mars, thank you for the $2 donation. I really do appreciate it. It says AR-15 adds $1 billion in value to the Hawks. Jody A. loves it. It's very true. Quarterbacks do, uh, if, if you've got a good quarterback, a quarterback that looks like the next rising young star, that certainly is not going to hurt the value of a franchise that is up for sale. So uh, very well could be the very great point, Henry. I hadn't thought about the, 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 in all of this, I had thought about the addition of, um, of quarterback value and having a quarterback there. And, and if that does add to a value, a franchise value, and it might seem like it might not at first, but then I think it, it very well could. You got a young guy like that. I mean, if somebody bought the Chiefs right now with Mahomes, you're telling me that's not gonna jack the price up by quite a bit. Certainly it would. 
Dupree, Dupree Squid, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, how about them turtles? How about them turtles? What's the turtles? Oh, the horned frogs. A couple of good horned frog performances out there. All right, let me give you guys the, uh, we're going to give you guys my, the mock on the other side here. Now, this is the John Schneider mock, okay? So brace yourselves, okay? Strap in. If, you, if you've got a shot of whiskey there, take a shot because it's going to get a little bit dirty here, okay? Get, it'll, be a bit, it'll be a little salt and sugar, you know? I, I tried to skinwalk into Mr. Schneider's bones on this one and see if I could crawl into his mind into what he might think and what we might be able to pull off with this given situation. So what I did is I traded first with the Washington Comanderos and I am going to stay in the first round with my the first pick I get from them at 16. They're going to move up to five and go get themselves Will Levis, who was the quarterback on the board at the time for me at this point. I then get to pick up uh, two first round picks extra from the commanders into the future. I did have to give up um, a third round pick in next year's draft to get that future first round capital. So uh, I, I decided let's go with this. I think the commander's in a little bit of a desperate situation. I think that's about val right value. I tried to be kind of fair with this. There was another trade I made here in this first round, which is going to be I moved back um, from 20 to 20. Uh, 20 to 29, um, picking up an extra second round pick in that one from the Saints. So I was looking to just kind of add a little bit of capital, like we know Schneider likes to do this stuff, right? So let's look and see what, what we did with these picks now by what I think John might do. So let me pull these off the board here. I did go back to Kansi. So we got the first pick here, obviously. We trade out at five there. We've got Kansi here first at 16, I think. Schneider and Carroll are going to have a lot of nightmares in, in their sleep with uh, Donald over the years. If they have an opportunity to take Cansey, um, scheme, regardless of whether he fits the scheme, this is just kind of my newest harebrained theory that indeed he is going to fit. And indeed they would jump all over them, if all over him, if that could be the, the given case. Uh, then in the next first round pick, uh, at the end of the first round here at 29, with the trade back off of 20, I have John Schneider taking Will McDonald uh, as fast a riser up the boards in this post-draft process as you will find. Uh, he is extremely long. He is extremely quick. Uh, he's got some pretty good pass rush moves overall. Doesn't always have a plan and how to apply them. When he does, he can look very devastating and like a player with a very high amount of upside. A guy that I just think feels like a guy the Hawks would gravitate towards with their recent past. Now, uh, we've got us sitting at 37 here with the next pick. I've got them taking the first, second round, John Michael Schmitz. We already talked about him, so I won't dive back in him. And this is the overlap I talked to you guys about between my mock and John Schneider's mock. I think these are two guys that they're going to gravitate towards, and John Michael Schmitz and Dan Henley just kind of feels right to me on both of these two guys. Somehow, some way, they come out of this draft with uh, both of these two players. Kind of like in uh, draft day, you know, where the main character says, I, I got to come out with these two guys somehow, some way. I don't care how. Uh, the next guy I got at the end of the second round is I come back with Zach Charbonnet. I get us a hammer for Kenneth Walker. Some might be wanting to wait a little bit later in the draft, but the running backs got kind of plucked quick in these mock drafts. So the value was going to already start to, to go very quickly. And I leaned into Charbonnet, who did measure a little bit lower in height than I thought. Man, it's kind of weird. He, guy, you look on tape and go, it looks really big. And then he goes down at six foot height on the uh, 
on the weight on the, the measurements here at the combine, which is a little disconcerting. But nonetheless, I take him. I think he's a good back. I think he would help you out. And again, gives you a little bit of a guy now an option for short yardage stuff to pair with Kenneth Walker. So he doesn't have to carry so much of the load. You have two, by the way, running backs that are free agents right now. So Seattle does have to deal with this. Uh, and then they come back in round three now with Keanu Benton. So I've got Cansey as my outside guy as my end. I come back in the third round with Keanu Benton. And then we've got, of course, Will McDonald as our edge. So edge and McDonald, many may say, we're not going to grab an edge. You better believe we're going to potentially grab an edge. It might be Tyree Wilson. It might be Will McDonald. But we know right now that we have only Uchenna Nuoso on a one-year deal. Daryl Taylor's only got another year before you got to decide on what to do with him after his rookie year. And then that leaves just Boye Mafe really at the end of the day. So uh, same thing with basically Alden Robinson, who's a big question mark at this point. So you do need to start looking to the future on that as well. Um, and so Ben now gives you your interior guy. He gives you your zero tech guy right over the, right over the center. Um, I think he tested reasonably well this past week at the combine. I think he's kind of going to still have a second round grade coming into this. So this will be good value for the Hawks from their standpoint if they get him there in the third I went back in the fifth round then because we have traded around. I had to move a fourth round pick in the previous trade there to kind of make a, a couple of these things happen. Um, we've got uh, Antonio Mafe and Michael Wilson again in the fifth round, who I think the Seahawks will listen to Baldwin's opinion on this one pretty readily. Mafe um, is a guard option. Not a lot of great guard options in this draft. Uh, they got taken off the board very quickly. But uh, I think they could pluck him in there and maybe hope that he can be a bit of a swing guard for them a bit. And then I had them coming back to the running back position again in the sixth round. Um, as I said, we had to kind of make a move, couple moves here. I don't know why they robbed me of my picks on this. I, I did some moving around. Again, the, the PFF people haven't given us our seventh round back, so it's not in their PF. But I like their mock better than I like the other mocks. Uh, but I came, went back and took with Mohamed Ibrahim in the round seven to give Seahawks two running backs out of this draft. I don't know if they're going to sign Rashad Penny or not. I don't know if they're going to go look for a veteran or not. We know right now you have Kenneth Walker and Travis Homer as your only two returning running backs right now. So it is a little bit of a need. So this would be, to me, a little bit more closely aligned to kind of a Schneider draft in the past where there's a lot of trading back. Now, remember, it's not only this draft you're coming out of with this. You also have two first-round picks into the future drafts. So even though you didn't address your quarterback position in this draft, you can come back to it later on if they take this other this other alternate alternative approach right here. So these are the two drafts. This one here is mine. This one here would be kind of a John draft, I think. But uh, we'll see what you guys think. Am I crazy? Am I off my rocker? Is there somebody that I missed out on my mock that you guys? How did you not take this guy in the mock? Some interesting players. And you run these simulators, you get a good general feel for how these things might kind of boil down. You know, uh, please, if you can, folks. If you like what you're watching, hit that like button for me. I would really do appreciate it. Uh, and if you're not subscribed, please do get subscribed. Come on aboard the Hawks Nest. But uh, thank you for watching here on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. It's a little crispy, a little cold, but beautiful nonetheless. I guys hope you guys are having a great Sunday afternoon. Just been fun covering these guys. I've been just grinding through tape. I'm trying to get through as many of these guys prospect-wise as I can. Um, I still do kind of maintain now as I'm getting into the kind of the upper reaches, I feel like getting into that 160, 170 range of prospects scouted. Um, still not as many diamonds in the rough as I would like in this draft. And and again, would just kind of maintain that the, the overall strength of this draft is just a little bit top to bottom, back to front, sideways and around. It's just not quite as strong as you would uh, like to see. Uh, young Bino game, what's up? Megan Gock, Roger, how you doing? Good to see you in the chat. Mari Taylor, I want Anthony Richardson more than anything now, Brandon. I, I completely get people jumping on board with Anthony Richardson here. 
makes a ton of sense at this point. I started out this process saying, man, I can't take that guy. I don't know if I can even do it 20, but you do start to look at the draft. And as I just aforementioned, talked about the, 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 the weakness of the draft. Some of this is going to drive you into understanding that this pick is not just merely about the simple point of where Anthony Richardson is in his developmental process. It's about where you think he'll go, how strong you think this draft is, what is the alternative, when are we going to be picking this low anytime in the future with a quarterback available to us with the type of talent he is bringing to, to bear. And that all goes together. And that comes out from a logical standpoint. You say, well, that's, that's to me, then says we got to pick him. We're not going to be down here this low again. And, and in my scenario right now, the only way you're going to pull that off is by essentially then now collecting picks. And now you have to be in collecting pick mode to eventually get enough of a package to then go get a guy. And I, I think anybody talking about Caleb Williams, I love Caleb Williams. They're, you're not getting Caleb Williams at this point. Not unless something goes very badly are you getting Caleb Williams on a variety of different levels, both to Caleb and to the team. He's going to go to somebody else, and you're not going to be likely picking top five um, into the future. Hell, if we just had our native pick this year, would we be picking top five? No, no, not even close, right? So even though you may not be loving Richardson and there's going to be people don't, I get it. I get it. I, I understand that it's, it, this is, as I say, this, no draft is the same. Every draft year is different. Everyone you got to come at and apply with a little bit of a, a different viewpoint on it because they're all built in strange ways and strange fashions. You know, and you can come in wanting a guy and liking one guy, but it's really the measurement against what's the rest of the offerings. And right now in this draft, the rest of the offerings, and especially if the Seahawks are in a position at this point to be out on Carter because of the character concerns, which very well may be the case. That's going to push them that much harder into Richardson's direction. So if there was a slight nudge last week with the Richardson stuff, with the Jalen Carter stuff that broke, pushing Seattle towards the quarterback position, this Anthony Richardson performance, only that much more pushes them a little bit further towards making that pick there. Uh, but the nice part, or that, uh, nice part about that on the other upshot, though, of course, is, is if he has now cemented himself in this fashion, can Seattle get a team to move up and provide them that King's ransom then if they happen to not want to go that approach if they're not on board with them because I will trust Schneider as I said on my recent video that I posted about the quarterback landmine field here that the Seahawks have tiptoed through this past year Schneider has earned the benefit of the doubt on who he picks at quarterback whoever he takes and and people may have some initial guffawing that they want to do and get worried yeah he's I'm not going to say this about all positions with this team I'm not going to say this just about you rubber stamp every decision they make and go yeah it's it's the right one they got to do but when it comes to quarterbacks and the recent track record, you've got to feel pretty good with Schneider's judgment on that. And, and as I said, don't forget the fact he was the guy that found Russell Wilson. Well, the rest of the league was busy passing, saying this guy's got no chance at his size. He saw something in the guy. He made that selection. He picked him before anybody else. And people can, in retrospect, be like, well, he was going to go to the Eagles after. Well, okay. That's, that, that's, that's great that they told us that in retrospect. Maybe they would have. Maybe. But we actually did. He's the guy that jumped in and went, that's the guy. He was the guy at the pro day of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So if he goes Richardson, I'm all right with him going with Richardson. And I'll support the move. And I'll get excited about Anthony Richardson. Because there's been enough on tape to show me that I can see why he would. I can see how he's a fit. I do think initially you're going to probably have to restructure the offense a little bit. But as he develops down the road, you can acclimate more of that into his game. Doesn't have to be a fixed, fixed part of things. You know what I mean? 
Devo Martzal, thank you for the $10 donation, Devo. I really do appreciate it. Um, uh, you're very, very kind. Says, thanks again, B. I need this tonight. Go Hawks. Well, thank you, man. I need you guys. I need you. I need you. I appreciate you, brother. I, I had to come on Talk Combine. I know you guys are, were percolating out there, and I was kind of excited with some of these guys and, and kind of wanted to as well turn some of this over with you. You know, let's 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 turn this over a little bit. What are we what are we walking away from here? How are we how are we coming out of this one? You know, where do we where do we stand with some of this stuff? But just some interesting, interesting things. And and again, maybe you guys get a look at how I pair this stuff together. I'd be interested to see how you guys kind of pair your stuff together with this. But it it does help this this process. This stuff is talked about as being archaic and stone age. And um, I even see pro players still pushing back on this stuff, which I get. It's it's not to be used as an ultimate measurement, but it is used as a as another component. And and there's certain things with this that you can kind of build off of and look back and go that adds up. This guy not being explosive and quick in short space that adds up. You look at Gervon Dexter not being sudden that and that adds up. It's it'll be fun be fun to go through this on this with you guys, Devo. And thank you, man, for the ten dollar donation. It's very kind of you, bro. Um. Nicholas Nude, what's up? Punk91 says, we got to start with a shout out to Mama Blue. Punk91, I you are very correct. And that's my bad for uh, dropping the blue on, dropping the ball on that one. Um, so rest in peace to Mama Blue. Uh, a long time. She uh, seemed like every time we were on uh, any, any kind of, every telecast, there was always going to be a flash to Mama Blue there, decked out, always looking right, always on point. Every feather in place, sunglasses on, perfect, right? Big smile on her face. You know, you need those people, uh, you know, not only to hype you up when you're at home, but in the, in the stadium and that energy. And if she's out there doing it, and if she's out there giving it all, then why aren't you? You know, what, what's your excuse? Fun fact about Mama Blue, I was uh, r- running a restaurant for my ex-girlfriend uh, back in the day down in San Diego. And Mama Blue's, we brought in Mama Blue's son, was a chef, and uh, came in and did some cooking for us and helped us out on some stuff for the rest, restaurant, the restaurant. So shout out to Kurt, he's out there listening. Uh, but uh, sorry as well, man. I feel, uh, should shout out, but uh, hope you're doing okay. But uh, Mama Blue, she's, uh, can't, can't tell the story of the Seahawks now, saying, talking about Mama, Mama Blue. She's part of that. Wasn't a Seahawks game until you got to see her flash on screen. Okay. Consumer 114 says we won't get him unless we trade up, I suspect. I feel like Bryce Young pretty much knows at this point he's he's going top three. Um, Maybe. Maybe somebody goes over the top. Uh, of Levis or Stroud, but that's the the troubling part for Richardson to get over those guys. That's going to be hard to do with them. Amari says, uh, I want him at five and Seahawks might not be able, might not get a deal with Gino now because they said they're not, they're not using the franchise tag on him. Makes sense. They're, they're wanting to do right by him and not hold him down on a, on a franchise tag. And man, you know, we're now hearing rumors that Daniel Jones, we thought it was funny money when Daniel Jones was supposedly asking for 45 million 
And now I'm hearing reports of it was indeed maybe as, as high as 48 was their initial asking price. And so you maybe it's just at a spot with the Seahawks and negotiations on that. Like, hey, uh, it'd be great to get some value in a trade for them. But I will be just happy if they, even if they don't, that they don't necessarily find themselves rooted to the quarterback position um, by that amount of money. And Amari, if they do do that, don't take the franchise tag route. It, it is a certain indication towards them wanting to continue and maintain the quarterback position at a low dollar amount going forward, as low as they can kind of get away with, as opposed to being on the opposite end of the scale where they're paying maximum prices. Go Hawks 05, Richardson's rise will help us get Carter or Anderson. Very well could. Very well could. Ava says, did Mama Blue die? Rest in peace. She was an amazing woman. She did indeed, Ava. Hawks, Hawks Nation is a little lighter today. We're one less. Uh, Brian Myers, howdy. How you doing, man? Young Bido game. Like the video, guys? Thank you for mentioning that. Please do hit that uh, hit that like button. Be good. Smack on that like button there. Smack it good. Uh, Kane, soon, soon. Calling people. Uh, oh, we got the, is the chat already going a little bit juicy here to start. <laughs> Um, and keep it, and and this is my early discretion, just to make sure I'm I'm letting everybody know in the chat too. I know we're gonna have differing opinions on people in the draft, so I know sometimes this stuff's gonna get a little bit heated on the different opinions. But let's definitely keep and respect each other's opinions on it. No, we're all coming from the same place. We want to see the team better. Uh, and the chat kind of we got so many people in the chat right now. Sometimes it's updating for me, blowing some of the old messages out. So if I happen to miss your message, I'm sorry about that. But just repost it through. I'll get to it here. Uh, John says Tyree has no sentiments. Uh, well, we got some it's good debate in the chat. So I'm going to look for questions in the chat because I know we have a lot of discussion in the chat. So it's hard to kind of pick out questions by just reading comments. So definitely kind of post, uh, if you can, even Hawk's Nest question or whatever because we're getting more and more folks in the chat, which is great, but it does make it harder to kind of figure out who's, who's really asking a question or just necessarily talking to somebody else. Um, though I do my best. I do my best. Save, uh, save the geese says John is taking a quarterback. Even asked, even if he has to trade up, defense can be fixed in free agency and through the draft. John isn't trading that far up. He very well could save the geese. I mean, he has never traded up in the first round before, though. Um, but it's possible. He's got the ammunition to do so if he feels like he needs to. I hope I didn't light a fire with the Carter talk, the Jalen Carter talk. Uh, Fumpy's in on Will McDonald. Will McDonald's special in certain respects in this draft. He's unique in some respects in this draft. Uh, I believe he's pure athlete. Josh didn't exactly let him do Chris Miner says, do you like Noah Sewell? I'm not a big guy on him, Chris. I'm not. And frankly, his combine scores weren't all that impressive coming out of this. That was the one place I thought he was really going to shine in was going to be the combine scores. But 246, 464, 157, 10 yards good. He's got the suddenness. That does show up on tape with him. 33-inch verts, okay. 115 broads, okay. 31-5-inch and five inch arms, okay. You know, it, it was okay numbers for him. I thought he was going to blister it a little bit more. But I, I don't like his tape. 
He's naturally very gifted, but, you know, effort, getting off blocks, instincts, kind of leaves me wanting. We got some good, we got some good debate in the chat. I can see. <laughs> Brian Sassoul didn't look good in the drills I saw. Yeah, well, I don't have his other testing numbers on here, but I, I was trying to post them, get everything kind of collected before the deal. But yeah, just, I'm okay with him as a project guy, but that's more fourth round city to me, you know. Why do I says love Gino, but Daniel Jones has signed up for 160 for four tag and trade Gino at those prices. Use extra picks to trade up for Gino. If they want to sign Gino after that quarterback, I'm not sure 32 five or walk away. Well, it sounds like as somebody said, the reports are that they're not intending to use the franchise tag on Gino Smith, which would be part of what the, the Seahawks have done in recent history. I know with Frank Clark, they used it that one point, but if you look absent Frank Clark, they've really never applied the franchise tag anywhere else. So if they want to in this situation, they could theoretically say, yeah, we, we don't, we want to do right by the player, but we don't want to pay the price, you know, and if somebody else wants to go sign him for that money at that point, then let him go sign. And especially if Seattle doesn't intend to necessarily do as much to play in the free agent market as much, which if they're not going to pay Gino, you'd think then they'd play more, but they could then play a little more of the compensatory game on this, which is even if you don't franchise Gino and then you let him walk, if you haven't offset anything on your free agent signings, you would then get back a future compensatory third round pick for Gino signing some monster deal somewhere else. But four years, 160 million for Daniel Jones. Oh, come on, you know, come on. Right, Kitty? Come on. Would you pay him 43 million? She's disgusted by that thought. I'm disgusted by that thought. Wimpy likes the the mocks. Nice. It can't beat the defensive beef, Wimpy. Randall, you got to check Quandre's tweet. I know he's been he's been wooing Bobby like like uh, like the prince does Cinderella. <laughs> he's uh, God bless God bless you, Quandre. He's doing he's doing the good he's doing the he's doing the good work out there. He's he's the hard sell is going to Bobby out there. But uh all right, let me, let me let's see what he's doing. What's he doing on Twitter right now? What's Quandre up to? Quandre is a fun follow on Twitter for you folks, by the way. He's he's always just the fights him and snacks and all them get into on the deal is hilarious. Hilarious. Where are we at here? What's Quandre doing here? What's Nino up to? Uh, Price and Tillery. Ooh. Ooh. Scintillating, very scintillating. So let's see, folks. We got Nino here. Let's see what Nino's posting. 
See what the nest thinks about this one. Very interesting. Very interesting. Breaking news. I like that. Thank you for pointing me that tweet, by the way. Shout out to you for being awesome. Okay. So Nino's current tweet says, uh, y'all miss Clowney too? Hmm? Mm hmm? And he's got a little gif of Clowney and Bobby laughing over a forced fumble where they were both, I forced it. No, I forced it. No, no, I forced. No, I forced that. No, I forced it. No, I forced it. Look at that. So we got a little, we got a little, uh, we got a little, uh, clown. I know that I, I, I'm all, you know, I'm in on Clowney coming back. Give me Bobby. Give me Clowney back. We're starting this off season correctly. <laughs> That's a fine beginning to me, but Ethan, thank you for that. Uh, pointing me that direction, man. You, you, you put a smile on my face, man. Put a smile on my face. I gotta, I gotta tell heat to start making the hard sell again to him. Be like, he, come on, man. We gotta, we gotta get on and run some, some quads. Let me do my hard sell for him. I'm back on Seattle. Let me fanboy out on. Just be like, come back, man. Come back to the place that we'll, we'll get this right for you. Come on, JD. Uh, Ten twenty three says, sign Drew Locke, five million two years. It's a good alternative to me, man. Starting about some of these prices for some of these quarterbacks, even if you're hesitant with Locke, you're starting about getting them to Geno up in that 35, 40, 45 territory. New Blacks, regardless, drafting or not drafting a quarterback this year, I want to know what the long-term plan is. Geno will take up a lot of cap space and he's older. Locke could start for cheap, but who knows his play? We're going to get more of a firm understanding of what their plan is here within the next week on that new blocks. I agree. We're in a little bit of a holding pattern on knowing what is their approach and is double down. Is it the Gino? Is it just wait? I think there's a couple still directions they could take, which makes it a little bit hard to read, but uh, that is, that's going to come down here soon with, if Gino goes to free agency, he's not coming back. And now it's a young quarterback approach time. And now it's just really that I think lock two as an option is, is certainly within reason. Chase Stern, thank you for the $5 donation. I really do appreciate it, Chase. He says, early prediction on who will start at quarterback next year. Please don't say Drew Locke. <laughs> you headed me off at the pass, Chase. I was, I was hitting the horses like, come on, get up. Come on, girl. Let's go. <laughs> I, I was running for that lock. I was running down that lock. Uh, who starts for us next year at quarterback with no drew lock as an option well indeed i would say that the fact that we're moving to kind of this late of an hour in the geno negotiations and it's not yet gotten done would would indicate to me that see i could take the lazy response and just say geno here chase but i won't do that to you i won't do that to you um man if it's not that will will they start with a rookie at that point would they just go with like richardson Because I don't know who the veteran is they're going to go out there and get at that point. Jimmy Garoppolo? To me, it's going to be at that point a Richardson or a Levis chase, you know, where you're, you're getting the guy at five that's there of, the, of what is left over. And then he's probably starting. But absent that, then it's a veteran, and they're not going to pay the... Jimmy Garoppolo is going to want like 20 
They're not going to pay that if they're not going to pay Geno 35. So you got to throw out any of those guys like your car types or anything else that are going to demand any kind of real true money. And you look at the quarterback market for Asian wise, and there's really not a guy there of a lot of value to be had at that point. So yeah, I would go uh, that or Gardner Minshew. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have uh, Drew's my go-to there, Chase. Like I said, you headed, you headed me off of the past, man. Whoa, girls. Whoa. Dust flying up, right? No, I said no, Drew Locke. <laughs> uh, Justin Rockstar, thank you for the $2 donation. He says, did you see Bobby Wagner changed his Twitter pick? We're going to do some, uh, Justin, we're into the Twitter detective of a Tory. We're doing some investigatory journalism tonight, right? Because we got the Twitter, the Twitter versus telling us some stories. And indeed, I did hear about it, that if you look at the Bobby Wagner Twitter, and you look in the upper right-hand corner. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you look in the the, the deal, and, and the interesting part about Bobby's Twitter that's new, that was not the case, is that his, uh, not his profile pick, but the background pick of his profile pick, the landscape shot, is showing you the Seattle skyline. Ooh. And you may be asking yourself, why? Why would a man not yet signed by the team who had that changed off his profile now going back to that. And I think it's absolutely 100% certainty that that means he's signing back with the Seahawks. But beyond uh, my joking on this, this is also the indications here, um, Justin, of what we're hearing, which is the reports, call them leaks, or what you're, you're hearing even from like kind of true blue reporters, Seahawks, you know, people that are maybe not fully connected, but would know better than just to kind of throw it out there for the hell of it, the smell of it. And, uh, it does seem that there's going to be a connection here between the two parties, which is wonderful to see. And, and it's on a couple of different levels. When he signs, you know, I'm going to go live. If it happens, I'll go live the instant we hear it happening. Boom, we're going to be live. But I, I, I'll get into kind of the reasons why I think it's going to be so smart to take that approach if they do so. Um, but I love to see it. I hope it's more of an indication of Bobby and JD and a lot of people start coming out. Great. Let's go. You know, let's, let's, let's keep adding on to it. Of course, this ain't just, this won't be the end of this. This will be the beginning of it. But uh, uh, hopefully that's an indicator, Justin, that uh, he is indeed coming back. And I did see that with the landscape shot. Uh, Adrian X, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, what later round quarterbacks would you consider? Well, I think that certainly, Dory, you want to look for, many people have asked me in this draft, Adrian X, who is the guy that is your Russell Wilson comp in this draft? Who's the guy that's you know most like him and how he was coming out? And there isn't really a guy that's exactly like him. They ran a pro-style offense with you know, exactly that starting experience. But I'll tell you, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is probably if, about as close as you come as far as a Russell Wilson comp in this draft. And he certainly, I thought, tested really well in this, in this, um, um, in this testing period. Um, four, five, six, 40. One five one ten yard split, very sudden. Obviously, not the heaviest of cats. Thirty two and a half inch vertical, one hundred twenty one inch broad jump. Good athletic numbers. I think he was he he threw it the uh, his fastball was the fastest of any of the quarterbacks because now they do the you know the radar gauge on these guys. So he threw the fastest fastball uh, of any of them by I think a one mile an hour over C J Stroud. So he's got the arm strength and power, and you see that on tape with him too, which is pretty good there as well. Little undersized. Um, but a guy that you're talking about getting maybe in the third, fourth, fifth, fourth rounds, third to fourth rounds, probably where he's going. 
Um, but if you're talking about getting fourth round at that point with a guy like that that can come in and just kind of be a guy that's a distributor in an offense, be a point guard quarterback type, a la a lot like what he was doing there at UCLA under Chip Kelly, which is exactly what your role is. You know, you're not making these money throws down the field and the whole shot, the honey hole, as they like to call it. No, instead, you're just throwing on time, get the ball out of your hand, bubble screens, pop here, pop there, pop over here, scramble a little bit when it's need be. And, uh, you know, he can give you that. So that would be my first guy out the gate. I think Max Dugan as well. Uh, he's rough and tumble guy. He's, you know, he's, it, it, it ain't, it ain't necessarily artistry with him all the time either, but a lot of starting experience. He's got a big arm, you know, both with Thompson and him. Those are guys that if you need them to run a very simplified offense and then have a big enough arm to take the, take the big shots over the top, they can do that for you. And so, you know, you're, you're going to get always a little bit of restricted skills when you're talking about a fourth, fifth round quarterback, but at least with those two guys, I think that they give you a, a little bit of, um, a little bit of that. If you want to talk about late, like sixth round guy, like true, probably true blue, late fifth, sixth round guy, uh, Clayton Toon is a guy out of Houston that would also, I think, make a lot of sense. I love his arm. It's very live. He's got a lot of production coming out of Houston's play a lot of football. So he's got a lot of that, a lot of that seasoned seasonedness that you would like to look for in quarterbacks. He would be another late round guy that I think I would take a look at. But those other two guys, uh, I probably like a little more with the mobility factor that they bring to play. So they can kind of they can kind of get out of trouble and run around as they're still sort of figuring it out. If you're living by the model of trying to have these guys operate as starters on their rookie deals as middle round quarterbacks. Uh, Nubilax, uh, thank you for another $2 donation. I do really appreciate it. Uh, or, or sorry, Adrian X. Sorry, thank you for another $2 donation. Let me say your name right. Oh my goodness, you guys got some tongue twister names. Adrian X, uh, thank you for this $2 donation. He says, thoughts on Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson. I, I, I would not do that in any sort of universe myself. Um, it's great to hear that Tyree is starting to really climb people's charts and the way they look at him. And, um, you know, people are, I guess, a little worried with Will Anderson not running necessarily an insane 40 at 4.6. It was initially announced at 4.69, which I think people were like, oh my goodness. But then they read, they, the official time came down at 4.6 on it. Um, but his 10-yard split was fine. If you look at Will Anderson's 10-yard split, he's, he's elite in that category of things. So you, you feel okay with that. I, I'm not worried about Anderson's testing numbers um, at this point or think that he should be knocked down at this point with it. Um, Tyree's got a lot of upside, and there may be a point where you could argue with Adrian X that Tyree Wilson has a place of a little bit more upside at the, the top end level than maybe Will, Will Anderson will get to. I've always maintained, and maybe some of this Adrian X is you talking a little bit in question, you're not even bringing this up, but I'm just going off on this now, is that so many people have looked at Will Anderson as a generational prospect. And so now if he starts to come up short of that in certain measures, it's, it, it's going, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never saw him generational prospect wise. My comp for him has always been Charles Haley, but I have a really good feeling he's going to get to become like the production of a guy like Charles Haley, who was a great player in the NFL for a very long period of time. Maybe Tyree Wilson has a little bit of more of that, that upside of the, the flashier player for a star level of potential player there to him a bit, but he's so far away from that necessarily to me. And he may get there and he seems like a high character guy as well, based on some of the interviews you're reading about and hearing from, but you, I know Anderson's high character too. I know he's going to work his butt off. I know he can be a leader on the defense. I know he can be a linchpin type of guy. I, I think Tyree can be that. So, you know, it's, there's a little more certainty with Anderson and his top end is not that far away, which he's already very close to. 
than where Tyree's going to go to. But Anderson's a better player. Better better player. I mean, you could just take, take this one play that you see on tape a lot of times with these college players. Watch Tyree Wilson unblocked in the run game backside. And he comes off the blocks and there'll be a little stumble and there'll be a little bit of like, it takes me a second to figure out what's going on and where he's going and, and where the ball carry is going and is it a read option? Am I standing? Now watch Will Anderson unblocked. And you can see it all over on the Terminator tape that I put together of him about a month ago where you, you, you get him unblocked and he's going to kill you. The play's dead, done. He will annihilate the whole play. It doesn't matter if he's backside running a pitch play going all the way across the field from him. He's going to get over there if you're going to leave him unblocked. And, and, and it's not just him and quickness and all the speed and the parameters of the testing numbers. It's with him just instinctually reading the play, knowing where he needs to go, and then getting there. Um, and, and so it's a little differences like that show up on tape between Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson across the board. Hand usage. Uh, I, another thing I point out in the, in the Terminator tape was the, the way that Will Anderson would attack the hands. And that pass rush move that he utilizes where he's underhooking under the wrists and he's got to lift the hands up and then he's got to displace his hips and flip them back around the tackle to then create a pathway towards the quarterback. That's an advanced move. That's, that's not just an, a, an upward rip move that anybody can really run in the college level. That's like three different things all having to go together at once for that move to work out. Tyree Wilson doesn't do that. He doesn't have that in his bag. There's no way. And there may be some things he has as well on the other side, but this is part of why I said we got one side that there I know what he is versus the other side of one guy where I go, I, well, I think he could become that with all the stuff that he's bringing to the table. And uh, give me the certainty of Anderson at five, especially in this draft, a draft of so much bloody uncertainty. Thank you, though, Adrian X, for the double donos. Randall McDaniel with a $5 donation, and congrats to Randall. He's got a, uh, he's got a, a stork en route. I've been heard that I've heard that there's a a, a dinosaur-sized like stork in route to Randall's house here, carrying something. We do not know by which, but something is being carried. Randall, thank you though for the five dollar dono, bro, and I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, I hope everything is good. Uh, it says Jeffrey uh, Jeff Simmons scrubbed his socials of everything Titans. Ooh, believed to be because of contract extension talk. I'm sending number 20 there real quick and signing him. Randall, uh, that's great. That's very interesting to hear. Of course, this has been a player. Uh, players have utilized this quite frequently of, as of, no, of recent, haven't they? Of, um, let's, you know, negotiations aren't going where I like. You know, I got this franchise tag I'm looking at, and this is his timing of it, of course, is not um, coincidental because certainly the Titans have told him at this point, we're going to just have to probably end up putting the, I think they got to decide on the tag or not with him. Right. I, I'm not, I haven't followed that super closely because part of me had thought Randall when they had traded out AJ Brown and now when they're releasing Taylor Juan, you know, either we're doing one of two things, either a, they were setting the stage to try to make a run at Aaron Rodgers, or B it was to try to then get Simmons, the guy that was deserving a contract extension signed that he was due to be up and have that go on. But if they're willing to move 20 for Simmons at this point, then yeah, I would make that I would make that signing as well if I was them, if I was the Seahawks, because I don't think the Titans are then letting him go because he sucks, or because he's not worthy of the contract. I think they're letting him go because they're stuck in a contract cap situation bind, and then also because of the fact that they need to go out there and probably address the quarterback position better than where it is. Um, I think they have that attention. Not Rogers, they intend to do it. I think somewhere. So um, 
yeah, I would uh, I would certainly be open to doing that. That's right along there with that DeForest Buckner move you've talked we've talked about Randall, right? That's another guy that'd be kind of an equivalent one where if they want to flip him for twenty to us, I I probably would do it. Probably would do it. I think in Simmons and Buckner's case, you're talking about defensive tackles that are you know guys that are just just barely right behind your Chris Jones types or your Aaron Donald types when he's rolling. There's a little bit of drop off to those guys, but it's not it's not it's not an insane drop off. Random Yeet Vids. Thank you for subscribing, Random Yeet Vids. I love the username. Uh, Macon Brazil. Thank you for subscribing, Macon. I would appreciate you as well for uh, hopping aboard the Hawks Nest. And thank anybody out there, please do join our, our, fine, our fine folks there who have just hopped aboard the Hawks Nest and do get subscribed if you're not already as we, we are on the, 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 the slow road through the offseason here to 12,000 subscribers. 12,000 subscribers. Yes, sir. Uh, New Blocks regarding... Sorry, shouldn't read that. Uh, UE, uh, quarterback from Houston. That would be Clayton Toon, the one I mentioned. And Francisco State didn't look bad. Hell, Stenson Ben didn't look bad either. Seahawks might draft two quarterbacks. It's possible. All three of those guys I like. Clayton Toon, Jake Hayner, the one you talked about, went to the Senior Bowl, played pretty good at the Senior Bowl. I think he was the best player out of the Senior Bowl. Uh, and then you've got um, Stenson Bennett, who also I thought looked functional and, and, and good enough. They could all be decent later round options as well. I didn't mention those guys, but those are all... Good suggestions as too as well. Uh, Tom says, "How do we know? How do we know Gina will play at an elite talent? He may play okay, but I could see him not playing well. Hence, getting replacement is important. Agreed. And you don't. You're right. It's a valid point. Um, it's part of why I'm not. It's just one of the reasons I'm hesitant to want to put any kind of big deal on him or give him a multi-year deal off this one year." especially with the way the back at the end of the season kind of went down a little bit with him where there's some explanation for it, but nonetheless, there was a little bit of a drop in play. Mark Hoppercorn, how you doing, man? Says, hi, and greeting from snowy Great Falls, Montana. Ooh, it's snowing there, huh? I like and suffer this hard work of man. Thank you for mentioning that, Mark, and uh, hope we're holding up over there. Yeah, it's, this is the time of year when you're in Montana in March, early March, where you're like, Will I ever see the sun again? Is this my new reality? Is this just, <laughs> it starts to get to you. It's right about that point. You're like, okay, so it's about time for vacation, right? Jack says, B, you were right about three quarterbacks in the top five. Young, Stroud, and AR, not Levis. Could be, Jack. Could be. Uh, we'll see, though. That was, of course, part of my bold prediction was that Levis would go in the top five. We'll see. We'll see. At least one of my predictions is looking good on that, though. And, uh, you know, if Levis ain't going three, he's going five, which is close enough to where I had him routed that I feel pretty good about that at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, my prediction was is looking good. It's looking good. I'm not going to have to wear a Brock Purdy jersey. Uh, Tommy says, unless we're going to sign two free agent quarterbacks and if then who we can't afford sign Gino and Locke and get anything else done. No, we're not going to sign both those guys. You are correct. One or the other on that. Nagasa is not a fan of Richardson. He says that drafting, that'd be a huge waste. Brian likes Clayton tune round four. He's he can, he can let it rip. Can't argue that he can let it rip. All Pro Seahawks, thank you for becoming a member of the channel. Welcome aboard the Hawks Nest. I am, I swear to God, just wrapping up right now my draft guide, which is going to consume about 30,000 words on these prospects. All of them getting little snippets 
bits about my notes on them and whatnot, and uh, that will be available to you guys soon. I'm just getting the last of the combine numbers inputted for these guys before we post that. So if you are a member of the channel, you will have access to that draft guide along with my horizontal board. So thank you for becoming a member of the channel, All Pro Seahawks. You're tremendous for doing so. Uh, All Pro also with the $5 donation, man. Thank you so much for that as well. Appreciate you. I salute you, sir. Says if we trade for Simmons and give up number 20, we could afford to take a quarterback at number five. Well stated. Very, very well stated. And you're absolutely right. That does free you up a little bit more because I think like you're talking about at the head of this stands this, 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 this reality of it. And, and boy, it, it, this is where doing the mock drafts are really helpful. And this is why they do these war room scenario things the Hawks do at their own facilities and run through these kind of mocks is because they do inform you a little bit of how these drafts can go and how teams might start to kind of pick and you run the simulator through a variety of times and kind of see how that rolls. And the thing that stands out to me on this is that the defensive line talent in this, though, it's it's pretty good overall. It might not be tremendously deep, and there might be a little bit of a run on some of these guys early on. And so you're right. If you're able to take care of that and check that box off, say, okay, don't have to worry as much about this. We can come back to this in the third, fourth, fifth round. And then we feel like we've really addressed that defensive line, at least to a certain to a pretty good degree. You feel better about that than going back to quarterback at five rather than maybe at five or if you trade back to, let's just say, all pro Seahawks, like in one of my scenarios, you trade back to 16 or 15 or 14. Now you're going maybe to Kansi or Breezy because not necessarily the, they're the best player on the board, but because of need. And that's why I like doing these kind of trades for a guy like Simmons at 20. I, the, the option at 20 isn't that tremendous necessarily, number one. Number two, it's, it's also that I don't want to be driven in my drafts by having to pick for reaching for need. I want to be able to go for best player available. And, you know, if you think that quarterback's the best, but then you're a little bit like, but boy, our defensive line's so weak. Gosh, we really got to, man, we got to go after that in a way. I can see where, I can see where it makes sense to me. I'm glad it makes sense to you too on that one, man. And thank you for the $5 donation. Thank you for becoming a member. Brother, I really do appreciate you. But yeah, sign me up. If we can make one of those two, there's a lot of guys I would trade with that number 20 pick out there necessarily, especially guys I got to trade for and then I got to pay. But I was, as I was looking at about, and this was doing this for the Jalen Carter video I was doing, it really jumped out to me at how few truly elite defensive tackles there are in this sport. There's some good, there's some average, there's some good, there's very, very few elites. I mean, there, and I would say that about every position. Receiver, I'd say there's, there's actually kind of a lot of elite receivers. Um, offensive tackles, oh, there's a lot of elite offensive tackles in this sport. Elite cornerbacks, there's some elite shutdown guys in this sport. Uh, but not as many elite defensive tackles to me. So if you can get your hands on one All-Pro Seahawks, to me, you jump. You jump on that. Especially understanding the reasons they're leaving or our team's giving up on them. Which, are, is it because of injury? No, no, he's, he's healthy. Oh, okay, is it because he's less talented or he's not playing as good a production as once before? No, 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 it's not that. Is it just because they've got themselves into cap hell and they're just trying to offload money and they just don't have a way to give him what he's earned? Yeah, it's pretty much that. Okay, sign me up. Send him over. Send him on over. Yeah. Jeffrey Simmons, come on down. Jack says Richardson's a Seahawk. I've seen the future. <laughs> Jason Duter, if we trade out of five with Richardson sitting there, we better get a crap ton of picks or I will absolutely riot. You have a right to do so, man. 
my, as I said with the folks like yourself, I'm sure you're saying this and many have said in this chat, we're not here into the future. We're not going to be here for at least, unless something goes horrifically wrong, you're not here for the next couple of years. And so if you're not going to be in that position to take that quarterback now, from where are you going to get your guy? How is he going to come aboard? Especially if it's not Geno. And I think that that's a rightful question to ask in this process. And it has to be included in the decision because you are in a, a very special place where you're picking in this draft. Hell, our Hawks haven't been picking here in what, 20 years? You got you to gotta think that through as part of this process, even if it's something you wouldn't necessarily like to do. It wouldn't be what you'd, you'd favor to do. you just like to just get the best player. Let me just take my best guy there. Well, it's just, can't, can't work that simply, unfortunately. You would like it to. Jordan, thank you for the $10 donation. My goodness. Appreciate you, brother. Very kind of you. I salute you as well. He says, probably in the minority, but I've been high on AR before the combine. He did show ability to learn in-game and adjust post-snap, which is huge for me in terms of quarterback development. Jordan, thank you for the $10 donation, but thank you as well for uh, um, intelligent thoughts on this because I think that you you do encapsulate well what the consideration has to be on AR, and I've, I've been trying to kind of beat this drum as well with it in, in that this is probably the most purely talented quarterback you have in this draft. And you don't, you're not saying this about some fifth-round flyer guy. You're saying that about even if the guy he is it, with some things that he has to round out in his game is still would be a minimum of a late first-round pick. And he you know, comes into the combine now and really just reinforces everything you kind of thought you thought you were seeing on tape. Now with, okay, I'm seeing it now. I'm, I'm truly seeing it. And I think minimum, Jordan, if you want to be worried about him developing long-term, and you're not obviously, and I'm not long, but even if you want to be one of those folks like, I just don't think he's going to get to, you know, A, B, C, D, E as a quarterback. I don't think his accuracy will ever get him to being a, a high volume passer. I did, did, you know, you've got certain things that you're putting objectively that saying, no, this will not happen. Even if you find yourself that way, you can't deny. There's been a new model created in the NFL by teams recently. It's not been made in mass. It's not been made across the board. It's not being made at a majority of places in the NFL, but there is a new model being created. And that one is you create this team that has a lot of parts, really good parts and pieces all over the board. Offensive line, skill position players, defense stacked up, talent, depth, front line, all of it. And then you bring a quarterback in who is a little bit reduced, has some maybe rough edges, maybe not developing fully yet at that point, maybe just never will get to that point. But he comes in out the gate in a functional enough state to where you can run a specialized offense around that guy and you can get a lot out of him then because he has so much to work with around him. And we've seen the Eagles do this. We've seen the Ravens do this. And even if you don't think he'll develop to that point, he gives you that. He gives you that. And I would say if you can, if you can get a team built up enough right around him, then that's a guy that can get you then to a Super Bowl. Now, the hard work is the hard work to be done then at that point is to ensure if you're going to take that path of he's, we're running him simplified, which is what I call those quarterbacks, you know, simplified. Read option stuff, a lot of short passes, a lot of bubble screens, and then occasionally take your shots deep. If you're going to run it that way, then you got to then do the rest of the team right. Your decision-making has to be on point. You can't be missing drafts, misspending money. Everything else has got to be aligned in just the right avenue of things. But it is approach. 
And you can have that approach in the intern or interim while you're then waiting for him to maybe develop into that star guy. To me on that point of it, Jordan, that made a lot of sense to me when it clicked in in this realm of it. I'm on board with that. And here's the last point I'll make on that is just that we already think, especially if we come to understand that they're not going to pay Gino and tend to just let him go into free agency, then we're going to start to know this team wants to fit to that 2012 blueprint. They want to try to redo what they did before in their philosophy, in their approach. And if they're going to do that, then taking a guy like Richardson, who is through his first couple of years, is playing within a restriction, restricted level in which they're trying to minimize his mistakes and put him in positions to succeed and build up the rest of the team, that fits right into that blueprint. It just so happens to be there's a model for it right now, and oh yeah, it happens to fit within the blueprint. So even if you have some worries about him long-term and where he is going as a quarterback, the blueprint doesn't ask for a call for the star-level potential quarterback. The blueprint asks for a proficient game manager. And that proficientness can come from a guy like Gino who hits his back foot and is just throwing little little 10, 15-yard dimes all over the place and occasionally letting it rip down the field and hitting those accurate too. Or it can be with the guys running read option, bubble screens, and then once he gets the defense in on the running abilities, now he hits them deep. This is what the Eagles are doing. You want to come down and try to take away this run game with all of our guys that can block up front and, and can move people off the line and the threat of both Jalen and the running back? Um, oftentimes you have a guy being left accounted for if you're not bringing the eighth guy in the box. Or do you want to drop into your cover to take away our outside guys and Brown and, and uh, Devonta uh, Smith out there so that you don't get beat deep and now we'll attack you with the running game? Things start to get very simple with those kind of offenses and, and quarterbacks can actually run it. So I, Jordan, I'm all on board with it. hundred um, percent. I, I, if they want to go five with him at this point with what he showed at the combine and know, knowing what I saw on tape, I've seen him do it enough to know it's there in his bag once he develops further, but he's a young guy too. It's, it's the, when you got the guys at the 20, 21 year old level of things, and you're looking at them in players. You should never say that's a finished prospect. That's a finished product. He's not going to go any more further. You should go, well, wait, there's more than what I'm seeing right here, right now. This is not the end of him. This is this is him in that developmental state. And when I look through it, through all of it, through that pathway, I know I went long-winded on that answer, but I come out the other end of a Jordan going, yeah, let's go. Let's go. But thank you for the $10 donation. I do appreciate it. I know there's some that are not in on Richardson, but I am not one. I'm one. All Pro Seahawk with another $5 donation. I do appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. You are awesome, brother. He says, outside of Carter, there isn't a D lineman in this draft that will be another Jeffrey Simmons. I guarantee you. No. No, there's not. There's not. There, there's a reason why all pro Seahawks, I am so in on Jalen Carter, even with the recent speed bump of a situation that's occurred here. Um, and and that is that, you know, I, uh, uh, that it doesn't, I, I still know, you know, I, I, I think he's a difference maker at the position. I think that there's not a lot of guys in this draft that are like him. Um, Brian Breezy could maybe kind of give you some close elements, but not on this year's tape, previous year's tape. Will he get back to last year's tape? Who knows? Um, and even then, he's not quite to Carter's level of thing, I don't think. Kansi's got that definitely a different size cat, just not going to control the point of attack like you're kind of inferring Simmons does as he does and as Carter will do as well. These are guys where the rest of the defense flows off of them. You know, you, they can take away a point of attack spot and the rest of the defense can kind of rally to the ball up around him a little bit, so to speak. Um, and Simmons is that kind of guy. Most definitely he is. So you're right. It's if You get an opportunity to get these kind of guys. Now I'm giving me, I mean, I can't get that guy at five, basically, normally in drafts. 
I'm now flipping a, t a 20 for that. And yeah, I'm paying more maybe monetarily than I would if I picked him in the first round, but well worth the while. And I'm not, I'm not, pay I'm not paying max prices at that point, right? All pro Seahawks, a 20 in this year's draft where you're firmly in tier two of the talent base. You're not in tier one at that point. You're not in tier one and a half. You're in tier two, you know, firmly in tier two by the pick 20. So I got a tier one player then at that point in Simmons. Hells to the yeah for me. Hells to the yeah. Rod Jones is hoping somebody picks AR leaving us Stroud. Could happen. Could definitely happen. As soon as AR is going to snap in the NFL, it would be sad if we pass on him and it turns out to be a bigger version of a, a bigger version of Mahomes or Josh Allen. Schneider has passed on those guys in the past. I don't see him passing. If he loves him, he's not passing. If he's in love with one of these quarterbacks, he is not going to let those guys slip through. But it does come down to where Schneider's assessment is of these guys. He would, you would think that from a historical, traditional standpoint with recent guys like Mahomes, like Allen, that he's bigger guys that can move a little bit, that have the big arm and can make all the traditional NFL throws, that would be a guy that he would lean into. I think all the guys in the draft can basically do that. So I, you could say with all of them, I could see why he would be favoring any one of them, to be honest with you. Uh, I do think that that puts him a little less out on Young because um, he would like, I think, a little bit more of just a bit more of a bigger guy. But I could see AR being a guy that he's like, this is it. This is the guy. And we're getting him at five. We're getting the most talented quarterback in the draft at pick five in the first round. Not number one, not number two, not number three. Pick five. It's not bad. Fun FP. Uh, if Gino wants a three-year deal for 60 or something, we trade back and stack uh, our defensive linemen and linebackers. Three years, 20. I think he wants more than that at that point, Fun. Oh, I do. Uh, Brian says Richardson's tape doesn't show enough to me to justify top five, maybe 15 to 20. Uh, I agree, Brian, historically speaking, I'd be right there with you. If this was any other draft of the last six, seven years, I'd be right there with you. I, I think this year's draft's just a little bit unique in the layer of top talent in tier one that exists. And then how that informs you on whether or not to take a quarterback who does have first round talent. And uh, especially one where if he's got first-round talent, like you're saying, and he is more of a 15 to 20 guy, is he 15 to 20 because he's a finished product? Or is he 15 to 20 because he's rough and that he's still in early in his developmental point? Uh, All Pro Seahawks says, uh, Hawks Nest, Stroud's going to be very good pro. He is so damn accurate. I agree, man. The two guys that I just don't, when I look at this draft, I just don't think quarterback-wise will be available to us at five. I really just don't. I think the NFL is going to love both of these two guys, and that's Young and, and Stroud. I think they're just going somehow, some way, top four. Those two guys are out. But I, I, I'm definitely, Stroud for me, Stroud's right there with me as, as being my, my number one guy in this draft. So very accurate, and as he showed, he can throw with some power too. Why do I says the more I think about it, the more I think you can't pass up getting one of these quarterbacks. Modern NFL quarterbacks are getting to Super Bowls and winning MVP in second year. Only 200 characters, so continue with vigorous defense of this. <laughs> Bet. And uh, I agree with you, man. It, it has to push your decision-making on this to a, to a considerable degree. Uh, the importance of the quarterback position, not going to be there. The other alternative players that you could be picking, if not that. Uh, Anderson says, uh, I really want AR, but damn, did Stroud also look fantastic in the throwing drills? He did indeed. 
quick release on that guy, isn't it? Lightning quick. Thomas, I can't decide who I like more at quarterback. I know Levis is third, but I know Richardson and Stroud are 1A and 1B. It's tough, man. This crew all kind of aligns together a little bit when the, with the upside, especially looked at in view. Uh, John Robinson says, Gervon Dexter ran really well at the combine, though, for his size. I would take him with our third or fourth. He's a run stuffer we need. Um, yeah, I'm not as much on him. Let me look at his numbers and see what he did here. Okay. I have his numbers down here. Do do defensive tackle. Bring up the data here. So Dexter four eight eight forty six six three ten. It's good for that size, I guess. Yeah, decent arm length, thirty two and a fourth. Um, a one eight the one eight one ten yard splits. The one thing I I would look and point you to on that one for me, John. That's the thing that jumps out to me. Where I look at that with the thirty one inch vertical leap, the nine two broad. Um, strong guy, but you know he's kind of supposed to be a pass rusher first and foremost. And like the one eight eight, it's like. I don't know. Like Keanu Benton ran like a one seven nine to to provide a comparison for a guy that's going to go right around the same point he went. Um, and boy, on, on a lot of the tape with him, John, he gets blown off the ball off the snap initially. He recovers really well, but I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity to recover the NFL in that same kind of equivalent level of things. Empower, something that is important is if we do draft AR-15, it's that if we re-sign Gino, it should preferably be a two-year deal. Otherwise, we'd be losing out on AR's rookie deal and a Jordan Love situation. Yeah, Empower Code, I think that even if you sign Gino at this point, in a best-case scenario, it's only a three-year deal that you can get out after two years. So the team's not going to marry themselves to Gino past two years on any, even any deal that's into three years, I would say. And that would that'd be the case at that point. Kale Morton says, been waiting for this all weekend. Well, thank you, Kale. I do appreciate that. Greg says, Zay Flowers has shorter arms and is smaller than Lockett. Crazy. Wide receivers in the draft, all tiny with short arms. It's a problem. It's a problem for these wide receivers in the draft. And, and, and a little known fact on this, but this is a little bit of another deal where it's, it's, it's maybe funny to understand on it, but it is the truth. You look at wide receivers that operate in this league and that they operate on the outside and they win on the outside. They tend to be guys that have over a certain amount of arm length. And if they're missing that arm length, then they've got to be exceptional in other areas to overcome it because they're not going to win in contested catch situations. Um, they're not going to, to, they're going to have to basically get separation to get their catches. Now, Flowers can do that, but I think his short arm show why a little bit of my worry with him is that he is only going to be a slot guy at the next level. I, I love him as a player. I really do. And I can see the comparisons some might put with him in, um, AB a, and Ty, I've heard comparisons to Tyler Lockett. I've heard comparisons to Brandon Cooks. Um, but the guy's got 29 and 29 and one fourth inch arms, 29 inch arms. And ideally you'd like to have those guys at probably like 32 inches minimum on the outside. And this is a little why I've told people when we drafted Eskridge and they said, Eskridge will be able to do outside stuff. And I said, no, he won't. He's got sub 30 inch arms. He's not going to be able to play on the outside. You don't win on the outside with that kind of the way you do it. And, um, and again, there's, there's reasons to go into this on the outside arm length, for instance, go, why does arm length matter at that point? Again, contested catch situations were even the guys, even with me in coverage, 
I put my arms up. He puts his arms up. We're both even. Got the longest arms going to win in that situation, right? Not just for interceptions, but knocking the ball away, preventing me from having the opportunity to even make the catch. Also, it factors in when you're talking about press coverage. I got a guy that presses me, and he's got long arms, and I and we're going to lock up, and I need to fight off his press coverage sometimes. Well, it's not going to work if he can lock me out and I can't get my fingers on him. I can't get my hands on him because he's got three inches of arm length on me. So now I've got to win every time at the line of scrimmage off the line with my release, which is the case with Zay Flowers. But 5'9", 182, 29 one fourth inch arms, it's hard to see how he's going to win on the outside at the pro level. It's fine if he's only in at the slot. that He'd be a great dynamic slot guy. He's going to be awesome in that role. It's like Jackson Smith and Jigba. He'll be great in the slot, be awesome in that role. But... Nonetheless, they are kind of only slot guys, really, in how they, I think that they're going to kind of bear out. Pedro Mendoza says, if any team like Carolina trades up to number four, it's likely we won't be able to get Richardson. That's all we are. That's what we are all ignoring. True. True, Pedro. That's part of this. That's part of the risk here with it. As somebody else said, this could be something that informs Schneider in a way that he feels the need to trade up if he does love one of these guys in that way. Uh, very well is a possibility. We've never seen, I don't think, ever four quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. But it's first down for everything. Kelly, how you doing, Kelly? Says, can you talk about Juju Brent, uh, who's met with every team, and where do you think him and Skinner will go? You think Ringo will go in the first? Boy, great questions there, Kelly, because there's no really easy answers on any of those. <laughs> um, so Julius Brents, um, look, if you're looking for the guy that's the Tariq one of this year, whose tape I did not like, but okay, he went to the, he went to the senior bowl and he, he balled out kind of all week at the senior bowl. And then now he's testing really, really well in the combine. I mean, exceptionally well, like off the chart numbers type well. And he fits to the Seahawks mold from a size standpoint. His star is certainly rising. But when you pick him at this point, Kelly, I don't think he lasts to Tariq Woolen's fifth year. I think Tariq Woolen, in certain respects, pushes a guy like this up a little bit in this year's draft. And so now he's going probably like third round. And I don't think his tape is third round worthy. Um, I didn't like the thought of last year, as great as Tariq Woolen developed out to be, I didn't like the thought last year of taking Tariq, let's say, in the third round for how rough his tape was going to be because he was so far from, I mean, he he made so much space up in his development from what he was. Carol talked about this um, from what he showed in college. And Brent's maybe able to do that same kind of jump, but I don't know if Brent's has got as enough, much of the explanation that Woolen had. Where Woolen, it was like, he's a former wide receiver convert from two years ago. He's only just gotten to the position. So the rough edges make a little more sense and the hope for his development that makes a little more sense with Brents, it feels like he's been playing that a little bit more out there. But he's got unique physical traits that are hard to find. He fits for the scheme. He plays. He played a lot of zone. Um, wasn't very clean in his coverage in zone uh, at Kansas State. But he he did he did have a great performance at the Senior Bowl, no doubt about it. Um, I I do think I'll go third round Kelly uh, to a zone specific team. I don't think we'll pick him that high though. I think we'd take him in the fourth round if he was still there, but I don't think we'd go third. Um, JL Skinner, we did meet with JL Skinner, Kelly. So he's one of the guys like Dayon Henley that we've actually had an individual meeting with. Um, another guy like <laughs> uh, like Brents is going to be tough for me to judge because on the surface of it, Kelly, you go, well, he's, he's a guy that Cam Chancellor 2.0. Absolutely, they're going to pull the trigger on that. But he did just tear his peck. 
and the team doesn't run the same 4-3 under defense that Cam, that Cam Chancellor flourished in. So where is his fit in this defense? He's not really what you're going to look for as far as that hyper-athletic safety out there that can do free safety stuff. So if that's the case, what's his role going to be for this team if they were to take him? I do think Skinner probably drops into now the third round. He could have been a potential second-round player before he tore the peck, but that does, I think, push him now into more of a third-round range at that point. Um, but I don't think Seattle will pick him because he's just not a fit to the scheme anymore. Will Ringo go in the first? I'm going to say yes, Kelly, but I'm going to say it's because there's a team out there that envisions him in the way I do, where if he can't go and play outside as a corner, they can eventually kick him to free safety. And he'll be a, he could be like a, one of the better safeties in the entire league if you put him out there. So I think teams look at that as his floor and that draws somebody to take him in the first round. I could be off my rocker on this Ringo to safety fit thing. I haven't heard anybody really bring it up as even an option, but I look at this 30, 30 and a half inch arms or whatever it is he's got. And I go, yeah, that, that he's got, he's got testing scores that you would, that would, that would have you push that guy out to just safety, you know, but I still like Ringo a lot. Kelly, he's a dog. He's a dog. Chubor Richardson's a unicorn, 244 pounds, 4'4", 40 inch vert. He will be able to play as the position uh, if it's out a year. He is a unicorn. Yeah, these guys are these guys are truly unique. Hold on one sec, folks. I need to get some more coffee. One second here. Alrighty, thank you for bearing with me. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, Mom and Pop says, hey, Brandon, I'm a little late today again. No worries. Hey, just glad you're in. Anytime you're in, it's good to see. Uh, Jesus Perez says, can Andre Carter switch to defensive tackle? 
I don't think that I can see that in his game, personally. He is a guy that is uh, kind of like lively built anyway on the outside. So he's And he's very tall, so I think he would have a hard time being a guy that could transition to there and win in the leverage war of things. And if you're going to be that big of a guy, you got to be like a Calais Campbell type where you're going to lose the leverage war, but you're just so phenomenally long that you can just kind of overpower guys. And he doesn't have that kind of same pure power that, that um, Calais did or size to kind of hunker down in that way. Uh, all pros Yawks with another $5 donation. Thank you for all the donos, bro. I do appreciate it. Um, oh, I think I already said this one. I uh, get in trade. Let me, I, I thought I said this one. Let me make sure I did here. Uh, I say that because you can get a pro bowl defensive tackle for the 20th pick in a trade and get a top four quarterback in this very good quarterback class. Agreed. Walk out of with that. That's a successful, that's a successful beginning to a draft. So what did you do to add to your team? We got our franchise quarterback and we got the best player that will instantly who becomes the best player on our defense for the 20th pick in the first round. That's the way you begin your draft. I, I think all pro Seahawks, that's if you look at it through that, like you're saying, just kind of through that way of things, you go, okay, that's we're, we're, we're doing the right thing. We're making the right choices with that. And I don't think if anybody, the second the Seahawks fans got a chance to see Jeffrey Simmons highlight tape, he's out there in Nashville and Tennessee, you know, there are not a lot of views out there in the AFC. People probably aren't going to be as aware of him in the Pacific Northwest, but when they get a chance to view what he can do on the football field and um, the kind of player he really is when he's going, it's, he's impressive. Um, he's worthy of that pick. And uh, I agree, man. I agree. In other drafts, I might feel differently if this was a deeper draft. This was a more richer draft of tier one guys. But where you land with pick 20, where that's at, the other available options, I like it. Deadly says, how about Brian Breezy? I think his draft stock rose back up with a good combine. He did look really good. Uh, ran very well, tested pretty good. Uh, you know, it's the question about what you see on tape with him at the end of the day. Is the combine going to be enough to move him up into top 10? I don't think so. But I think around that 20th pick in the first round is where he'll be la landing. I do think he's going to be probably a first round defensive tackle. I do think he goes after Cansey though. I think he's your third defensive tackle after Cansey in this draft. Greedy does it. Yep. Defensive line slim, edges deep. It's a good way of putting it. Uh, yep, you're right. Nicholas Newton. Steve Avelia does play center and guard. Both. Probably more of a guard, I think. Uh, Steven uh, Bailey. So much defensive potential in this draft. Would be just a shame to waste our top picks on a quarterback. Just my opinion. No, it's understandable, too. If you want to go for best player available, maybe that is the best player available. First, getting the project there. Uh, some of the other talent that's there is, you know, good to go with. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm fully in disagree with going that approach, Steven. I can understand it with it. I think that the helpful thing would be, you know, you wouldn't want to use all your top picks on a quarterback. You're using your one top pick on a quarterback, but you're still then allotting at that point three picks in the first 52 selections to the defense potentially on the other side of that if they want to take that direction with it. You know, where you didn't necessarily do it at the top side, but you certainly addressed it to a pretty large degree at that point through just those first four picks. Um, just a possible way they could do with it if they did go that quarterback route. But 
if you love Tyree Wilson or if Jalen Carter was there, as as you saw with my mock, Steve, that I posted here on my side, you know, my mock, I was willing to go that route with it to, to take a Carter over a quarterback because I do value at that point, the player at that point. I do value the the true value of picking to the best of it at that spot. So I get it. Jeffrey says Anderson at five would be gold, pure gold. Pure, no tungsten, no impurities. You know what I mean? Like the Aztecs used to make. Why do I says Tampa Bay is 125% of the cap? Wow. Fire sales coming. Vita had a down year in 2022. Every other year, a 70 plus PFF. Signed a four-year bonus already paid. Would be very cap friendly to Seattle. Would the 83rd or 51st get him? I looked into this a little bit a couple of weeks ago on this Why Do I with Vita. And the amount of, remember with the bonus money, it all accelerates instantaneously if they trade him. And when you're already 125% over the cap, you're going to move a guy it's to move him to save cap space, not to further embed yourself into a deeper cap position that's treacherous and also be lighter, one of your best players defensively. They have to save money on the V to deal to do it, and they just don't do it. So there's it carries a huge amount of dead money when I looked at sports track a couple of weeks ago. I mean, big, 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 big money. Snow Tiger says, hello, Brandon. How are you doing, good brother? I'm doing great, Snow Tiger. Hope you're doing well out there. After what went what we after what went through there in the combine, John Schneider might be on high might be high on Levis and AR. Levis is a dark horse at five. Certainly is. Both of those guys are in play there. And I, I think all quarterbacks in this draft, any of them are sitting there, the top four at least, are sitting there at five. They are in play. None of them have diminished themselves in a way to drop out of that spot. I mean, AR Richardson might still be a top 15 guy at the end of the day or whatever, but at least he's, he has insulated himself into the first round. Tommy says the Hawks nest. I might also sub out one of your safeties for Chris Smith, more versatile. I Smith's one of my guys too, man. So if we wanted to go with one of the other guys with it, I like Smith. Um, I, I like Sidney Brown a little bit more than Smith. That was really where I was at with that on that. Um, Christopher Smith came in there, came in this at four, six, two, um, as a 40, so he was kind of one of those safeties I was talking about that came in a little bit slower than I would have liked. Uh, ran a good 10-yard split, but then only a 33-inch vertical, 9-8 broad, kind of kind of not pedestrian numbers, but not exactly dynamic numbers for the safety position as well. 15 reps on the bench is fine, but I just felt like Sidney Brown tested a little better, and if I've got the two, choice of picking those two in that spot, Sidney's going to be, I think, the better prospect. But I like Smith. He's still one of my guys. I just I think he's more of a third-round guy at this point than a than a second round guy. Why do I says I think Adatwami, I can't say his name, uh, has good film with being 
only good player on his D. He had to fight two two double teams all the time, too. For me, the highest ceiling of any defensive lineman in the draft other than Carter could be special. He could be. Uh, he was a struggle for me a little bit with the tape when I watched him. Why do why? Because when you watched him in college, I didn't see him using his hands as much as I would have liked to have seen him use it for a guy who's got such long arms as he does have. It's sort of like he he just didn't draw in it as much as I would have liked to have seen. The, the double teams are there with him. Um... But he did start to show that the Senior Bowl, of course, had a great week there. I mean, he was showing hand usage all over the place. He had moves for days at the Senior Bowl. So you might be right a little bit about his potential there and, and having that high upside like he may may have as, as high as anybody else in the draft with it. Um, but he's he's a fun player. He's a fun player, and he's going to be a good pro. He's one of the few defensive tackles you do feel this morning. Probably about really five to six defensive tackles you feel really solidly Maybe give or take one more extra that you feel really, really good. These guys will at least be good pros. And with some some potential upside star potential maybe to them. And he's in that group. I kind of look at it. You got Carter, Breezy, Cansey, Ottawari, Benton, and maybe in that room, maybe Maze Smith, though he's the one-trick pony run stuff for only. One-trick pony, one pony run stuff for only. <laughs> Going with some '80s raps on you guys here. Uh, I'd put him in kind of that that uh, that end, but those are the those are the kind of, those guys are in their own little special kind of camp from the rest of the defensive tackles. I think in this draft. Jackson says I'm good with both Stroud and AR, but I think we only have a real shot at AR. Agreed. And Stroud and, Stroud and Young are going to go before. Euro says, I think the debate over quarterback shows how good they all are and might be. I agree. I think people are seeing and rightfully seeing different flashes and different guys and gravitating towards different guys and what they're doing. And um, I think they're all kind of in, in the spot where I'd say it's everybody's kind of right with this because these are talented guys. Last year, we watched a draft of quarterbacks where there was way more talk within the chat, not just from me, but within the chat from you guys too as well going, eh, no on these guys. They're not good. Not good enough. You know? And people were doing that mock thing of you know, Malik Willis at nine, you know, Desmond Ritter at nine. You're going, I don't, I like this. guy's all right, but at nine, not at nine. Now this year you're going, no, this, this makes sense where these guys go there. And there's debate between who people have a preference towards or how long it'll take for certain guys to get to where they're going. But there, there isn't a debate about at least level of talent coming out of these guys, these quarterbacks this year. One more reason it's so smart for us to pass last year not be sitting on Malik Willis going, well, let's hope Malik gets through this year. Whoo. Verse, well, we waited. Now we're ready to strike. Ready to strike. And Euro says we could sign Gino and be creative with the cap hit and still ditch him after a year. Yeah. Especially if you're not paying anything else to your quarterback position after you ditch him.
definitely says I'm not high on Zay, Zay Flowers. I've, he's grown on me a little bit, but I think that we do have to be aware of a guy's value if he's just a slot guy. And I, I like just slot guys. That can be a valuable valuable skill, a valuable trait. But it does mean I, I can't count on you to necessarily play on the outside, and I'm only going to be rocking three wide, rece- three wide receiver sets only so often unless I commit to it as a mainstay in my, off- in my offense a la the Rams a couple of years ago, which I can't buy that we would ever do that. Deadly says Zay is no Tyler Lockett. His catch percentage isn't very good from what I can remember. No, you're right. 13% drop rate from Zay Flowers. So, I, I, you know, to me, Zay Flowers is like, I don't even want to make this comparison because it's probably not very fair. But, you know, just he's a good player, but there's there is some limitations there with him too. Uh, Emmett uh, M. Kitterman says, my dream draft is AR-15, Trent Simpson, Osiris Torrance, and Brian Branch with the first four picks. That's a hell of a draft, M. Kitterman. I sign me up if we can come out of that without a draft. Russell Mark, you have, yeah, if Addison is gone, be small. He's got to, yeah, if Addison is going to be that small, he's got to be faster. Bingo. You can't, you got to, if you're undersized like that, you got to be like the wind. And these guys aren't that are undersized. They're, relatively fast but not fast fast Delakis is a good third wide receiver is a wide receiver from West Virginia you can get him in the later rounds he can play outside too when we move on from Lockett nothing's giant I don't think I've had a chance to take a look at him it's not jumping out in my mind as to his name but I'm about due to dump back into the uh, some of the later round wide receivers here. Greedy does it. Yeah, Julius Brents does fit our system. Scheme familiarity, size. Sit off coverage zone. It's not really a press guy, despite the fact he is 6'4", you know. It's kind of more just you want him off 10 yards off coverage. All that makes, yeah. That 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 tracks. Salute, Wilbert. Good to see you in the chat. Hope you're doing well tonight. Andrew says, uh, AR-15 is my pick at five. If he busts, we get a Terrell Pryor-like wide receiver three. <laughs> there you go, Andrew. Just thought I hadn't even considered on this. If he just does bust, we just move him out to be our slot. We get the best wide receiver prospect in this draft. Delakis did Will Levis hurt himself in the combine with his performance? I don't I don't think he much kind of affected it one way or another, really, Dell, myself. 
I didn't see him do anything bad. Greg Kemp says, Darius Rush is the cornerback. I can see the Seahawks targeting at 6'1", 198, 33-inch arms with a 4'3", 640, who intercepted or broke up 25% of the passes thrown at him. He's also a former wide receiver like uh, and learning like Tariq. Uh, Darius is a fun prospect. Uh, South Carolina kid, nice thing you get with him too, Greg, is that the one thing somebody can try to pick away at your stat there of a quarter of the attempts thrown in his direction were either broken up or intercepted. And somebody could say, well, he just probably wasn't targeted much. You know, there was probably just the, the, the team was looking to the other side of the football field. And so they looked, you know, they were looking to go a little bit away from him. But in Darius Rush's case, that's not the case. The reason being is he had Cam Smith out there on the other side of him. Cam Smith's potentially going to go maybe in this first round, depending if a team overlooks the fact that he has smaller arms. Uh, 31 inch, five inch. He's right below 32. He'll go in the first round still. But Cam Smith was his running mate on the other side. So I'm sure as you well know, Greg, you're going to get challenged now. You're going to get tested over on the other side. You're going to get to see what this guy's kind of made up of on that other edge of things. And uh, I think Darius makes a lot of sense. You mentioned reasons, recent wide receiver convert, ball skills for days, hits the size markers they look for. It's a little bit of echoes of like what you got from Kobe Bryant last year who had to, you know, he had to work opposite Ahmad Gardner out Cincinnati and this kid, you got him working opposite Cam Smith, right? So I'm not going at the first round prospect guy. I'll go at the other guy. So Rush is, is a fun player, Greg. The, the only thing with him is that he may go higher than they tend to like to pick with their cornerbacks like that. He might be a guy that draws up into the back end of the second round. I mean, he had a phenomenal week at the senior bowl too. Three interceptions in the practices at the senior bowl during senior bowl week. Um, so the ball skills showed up there. He might really elevate himself, but if he's sitting there and they grab him, I'd love it. He's a, he's one of the more exciting prospects um, in this draft from the cornerback position. There's nothing better you can do at the cornerback position than take the ball away than be a threat to do that. Delicky, do we have a center on, uh, do we have a center with Blythe retiring? Yeah, it goes by the name Joey. Big dog hunt. That's That's who we got. He's the future and he is the way. Thank you, Fortnite. Appreciate you, man. We just try to keep things cool here because it keeps the discussion. Megan's on top of keeping the discussion where we want to keep it with this. That's why we... As, as said, simmer down now, simmer down. And I like Lamar too a lot as well. Problem with Lamar is that he's just he's going to cost a metric ton to bring in. You're going to cost you maybe multiple first round picks. He's going to cost you all the money. It's going to be guaranteed money. He'd be exciting. He'd be exciting. Steve Bailey, thoughts on Gonzaga? Well, hopefully this year's their year, Steve. But I think that every year is going to be their year. They've always got the talent. Things seem to come together. They seem to have the right time, the right chemistry. And just right at the end, things just can't quite push over the other side of it. But I, I do think that the uh, Gonzaga days of having a chance to really compete here in college basketball going forward are going to be are going to be hard. 
because of the fact that the NIL is going to start to now allow these organizations that are some of the blue blood organizations of college basketball to stay stronger than ever. And can Gonzaga keep, can, you know, can they um, compete with the teams out there that are able to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to a player? I don't know. Kelly says, thanks so much, B. Sorry for all the questions and thank you for answering. I literally just got really into this a couple of days ago. I was having trouble finding out who the first round cornerback and safeties are. Well, I'm going to tell you who they are right now, but no, I love the question. It was as much, I had to think about it because I'm, I'm just not, on all your questions, there's, my answers, are, I can give you answers, but I don't feel certain about them. That's for sure. Um, I think that if you're looking at who is your first round corners at this point, I think you're looking Christian Gonzalez, Cam Smith, Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr. Those are your four. I know I've said five or six will go, but I think those are your four for certain with Celia Ringo being your fifth guy probably on the outside looking in that's going to get in that in that area. I think that there's not one free safety that goes in the first round at this point. And I think that only Brian Branch is your only strong safety that goes in the first round. I don't think anybody, I, uh, Sidney Brown might push his way up in there just barely into that, that first round, but I doubt it. So not many, Kelly. Not many with that. There's a couple of other corners that got a chance to push up and maybe into the first round, but I, I, I didn't like the tape enough to project that. Steve Bailey says, coffee? It's 641. <laughs> hey, man, I drink coffee all day, all, all night. That's the way it is. It's high roll. Kelly says, I really love Henley, even more than cornerback and safeties. Um, but we could use his safety, but at least Henley seems to be super athletic. I just hope we can get him. I think we're going to have to pick him a little bit higher than maybe where people have him projected to go at the moment. Um, but I, I love Henley too a lot, Kelly. This has not been an impressive class for me for, with the middle linebacker position. It's been kind of an uninspiring crew when it comes to tape. Or they're just all very specific to what they do. You know, not guys that are really multifaceted, but have sort of their, you know, kind of like, um, what is it, pace there with Cincinnati. It's like, well, he's a really great blitzer, you know. Well, he really tries to like lay some big hits out there. But but then snapping and snap out, there's some other problems with the uh, with the level of play. Henley's got the size, speed. He's, the, he's what you'd want from a, a middle linebacker of the now and the future, being a guy that can also operate in coverage with fluidity. That thing that Jordan Brooks has missing to a high degree in his game. And uh, this guy's got it. So I love him a lot too, Kelly. If I see two players in this draft that are sort of second round guys, not the, not the pure of the pure, but second round guys that are just two names you want to come out of this draft with, Dan Henley and John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, could certainly give us some good meat and potato players. And I would sign off on it. Kelly says, thanks for bringing up the visits. I was hoping you and Brendan would do a video on just the visits we've had. I saw an article, but cool to chat about on field goals. Met with Charvenet today. Oh, that is cool. Uh, we'll probably be discussing it, uh, Kelly, uh, potentially here, I think, on the next show this week on Brendan's channel. Um, so we'll definitely be getting into it with who's who was visited because it's you only get so many visits 
Teams aren't going to really use that stuff as a smokescreen. You're going to want to visit with the guys you're truly interested in and, and, and probe their mind to understand what they're thinking and where their head's at. So if they're looking at a guy, they certainly are interested in those guys. And we can kind of put two and two together with that one for sure. Vegas says, I can't believe you still want Carter B. Hawks Nest. Um, to each their own. Yeah, I, it's a divisive subject, Megan, that's for sure. And on divisive subjects, there's always, always going to be, um, there's always going to be a hard line where both sides look at the other and go, wow, how do you, how do you land at the place they do? Um, I guess that's the unique spot for me a little bit is that I can certainly understand and see why people get out on him quickly. I don't understand as much um, coming down as harshly on these guys, absent them doing things that I think are worthy of coming down harshly on. Um, I just don't think a kid's world should end for the misdemeanor. I don't think, you know, the car crash happened and somebody died, but, you know, I don't, it's just, yeah. I I, I do completely realize I view things a little bit different than others do on this, Megan. I acknowledge that, but it's the way I do feel about this type of stuff. And the good news with it is, Megan, is with me, you can usually predict it because I tend to be pretty consistent about it, player by player, situation by situation. Yeah. Alpro Seahawks, another $2 donation, says people don't realize how good Simmons is. Oh, he's a monster. He's a monster. It, it goes Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, depending on whatever your flavor is. And then behind them, as far as the next truly dominant defensive tackles in the sport right now, what, what do we got? Uh, we got Cameron Haywards getting old and probably just about retired. And you got Buckner, you got Jeffrey Simmons. And then who else? Maybe Fletcher Cobb. Fletcher isn't really in that realm anymore. Vita Vez, as somebody was just saying, kind of had a down year. He's okay, but I wouldn't even put him into that range. You know, you go go division by division, team by team. There's not a lot of, I guess, I guess there's Jonathan Allen and Quinn Williams. So they would probably be up, but they would be arguably right there with Simmons. But all of those guys in that group are in kind of just the same group to me. All worthy of being separated from the rest of the defensive tackles in the sport, all in their own kind of, but not maybe up at that. To me, Donald and Jones are like your Hall of Fame elite guys. I'm talking about more just, and as you were probably talking about, um, all pro Seahawks is just more purely elite guys. And that's what Simmons is. He's been that guy for them. That, that Tennessee defense has been good the past couple of years, and he's been a big part of why it's been good for, for the way they're able to stop the run and get teams one-dimensional. He's, he's uniquely built down there in the middle. But thank you for all the donations, all pro Seahawks. Appreciate you. Sorry, I was a little late on uh, that last donation, acknowledging it. Taker610 with a $2 dono says, we really need the Texans or Colts to take Young. We do. I don't want to be sitting at five looking at Young right down the barrel of the gun. I don't want to do it. I really don't. I I, I saw the 205 and my eyes started rolling. And I, I, I think a buddy was telling me about it. Like, you see you got 205? And I was like, yeah, let me guess. He's not going to run his 40. Let me make a wild guess. He doesn't run the 40-yard dash now. And sure enough, nah, he, he's not running. He didn't, even, he didn't even throw. That's the good news on this Taker 610, though, is that you see Stroud throw, you see Levis throw, you see Richardson throw. We got no Young throwing. I don't think Young's throwing. If he's, if he, I don't think Young's not throwing if he doesn't think that there isn't a chance that he's not going to go basically in the top three selections as it is. So I feel like he kind of already knows where his space is going to be in this draft, which... 
has us avoiding that landmine, which is a beautiful thing. Thank you, though. Take your 610 for the $2 don't know. Adrian X with another $5 donation. I appreciate you for all your don't knows, man. Thank you, too. It says, Bears have plenty of needs and no second-round pick. Why would any team offer them a haul knowing they need more picks? I'm hoping they trade out a five. Me as well. Um, I think first off, that's one point that you mentioned. There's something I want to lead off with a little bit just to steal from you on this, Adrian X, which is that we do have to remember with the Bears for those people that are ardently in the spot of saying the Bears will not trade back. They're just going to take their pick there. They'll just... People that have been there, and I think there's less people there that are there now than ever because of the Carter news. But the thing to be in keeping in mind within this as to why they will most likely do that is to Adrian X's point, is that they don't have a second round pick right now. So not only do they need more draft capital to help for a, for a lame team that needs a lot of resources, they need to pick up extra resources for the resources lost for the Chase Claypool trade. So I think that puts even more of a, an impetus. I think that lights a fire under their butt to make a trade happen even more so at that point, Adrian X, which then means Adrian X, they're not necessarily going to ask for as mighty a haul or, or insist upon a mighty haul being a make or break aspect of whether they do a deal or, deal or not. First off, first off, so there certainly is absolutely the open will on their part to not only be willing to do a trade, but doing a trade from a standpoint of not necessarily insisting on them getting everything. Um, even though people will say, well, if you trade for the number one pick, that has to be the case. So I think that's the first part. The second part of this equation, though, comes from the part of you saying, well, you know, why would any team offer them if they know that they want to move out of there? Well, the reason the team would do that is because they can get the best quarterback in this draft. And if there are indeed Adrian X teams out there that view Bryce Young in the realm of if he was three inches taller, we would look at him like a Patrick Mahomes-like talent. If they truly feel that way about him, then there's going to be a team willing to move up and do it. And there'll be multiple teams willing to do it. And if there's multiple teams willing to do it, and there's a bear team willing to move already out of it, then a deal deal will absolutely get done. Without a doubt, it will get done at that point. Um, So that's kind of how it happens with that. It won't be just one team being willing to move up at that point. It's, It's really the evaluation teams have of Young. It's the Bears need to move out of it. It's the fact there'll be multiple teams which be enough to drive up the value to the Bears' minimum marker of what they're willing to take. All that comes together, and I think a deal does get done um, when it's all said and done from that because of that. But uh, thank you, Adrian, for mentioning that. I've been, I had never been mentioning much on that on on that update with with the fact that we forget about the Bears not having that second round pick. You know, that's a part of this. That's a that's a big part of this to think about and consider because they need help. Kelly says Ringo seems like a cool story from Tacoma. He does. And wouldn't it be cool, Kelly, to get a, a local guy, like literally local, Pacific Northwest, west side of the state, come and playing for the Seahawks? Doesn't seem like we've had many of those guys kind of come through. There were Brock Hewards and Jeremy Stevens, Marcus Trufant, obviously, with Washington State. But we've had a couple of these guys. You know, we had a chance at Buda Baker we passed. Kind of cool to bring him back home. Come home, Seeley. Come home. Why do ISIS per over the cap and sports track cutting via Vea would be negative 6.5 million. However, trading him saves 5.5 Tampa Bay is tanking for Caleb and riding with Trask at quarterback. So do you think 83rd or 51st would do it? I suppose so. I suppose probably the 51st would be the minimum it would take to get it done, but that would get it done. I would say, I guess if that's the cost, 
they certainly aren't going to have to cut him. I mean, they've got a trade partner out there at that point. But if they're saving five, they got to make moves somewhere. And, you know, what I'm hearing out there, why do why is they're not going to cut Mike, Mike Evans. And there's, it sounds like they're still going to try to get a deal done with Levante David. So somebody's got to start getting snipped at that point, right? Not everybody can last there. I thought I looked at sports track and it was like way negative. So they must have updated that. Tommy says, well, apparently Flowers look like the best wide receiver at the combine. Not a real deep wide receiver class for such a premium position. No, it's not. No, it is not. It, the, and it's, it's an oddity, Tommy. Recent years, it's been pretty strong. This year, it's just a little bit weak. Strangely weakened this year a little bit. A lot of slot guys. It's a good year to need slots, kids. No, I did not say that other word. I said slots. I said slots. It's a good year to need slot receivers. Mr. Isaac, what's up, man? It's good to see you too. Sean Haynes says, how good is Tyreek Smith since he didn't play last season? Uh, Tyreek Smith's an interesting guy. He's a very interesting player. He's um, he's a guy that I think is, I think they kind of stowed him way to give him a year to get right, get healthy, get it as fullest. He was looked at at Ohio State when you're doing the, the read-up on him and evaluating him coming out last year as a guy that a lot of people were thinking, is he going to take this next step behind you had Bosa, and from Bosa, he went to Chase Young, and they thought he was going to be kind of like the next great rusher there. And indeed, in his final season or year, he didn't put up a lot of sacks, but he had a very, very high pressure rate coming off the edge. And sometimes Ohio State would do those three-man fronts at times they do in college football, which really makes it hard on the edge guys playing kind of five technique to do much with their pass rush. So he's got that in his background. It's kind of never been really shown. You know, it's never he's never really kind of shown you that potential that is kind of there. But to get that guy as they did later in the draft with that potential, now having a year hopefully in the weight room, just, you know, pumping them weights, getting as good as he can. He certainly has got some interesting, um, he's got more of an interesting pedigree than you'd normally have on a guy like this that you're sort of stashing away. And there is absolutely legit potential there to him, especially if he can realize what a lot of people thought at Ohio State he eventually was going to get to. Tom Eaton says we might be running some wishbone offense if we don't find some damn quarterbacks. It's possible. It's an option. Sean Hines, is uh, Fuller still on the roster as a backup center? I'm not sure if he is or not. I thought he was a free agent. Certainly they could bring him back for veteran minimum if they needed to. AI says stop. Can't believe Hunt can even take up a roster spot. <laughs> Uh, wee, wee little Joey Hunt. 
Tommy says we may have a we may not have a choice. Gino seems to be pricing himself right out of Seattle. Indeed. Indeed. Jonathan says, hey, B, I'm sold on Trent Simpson. How do you feel about him? Uh, will he be there at 20? Very hard to say whether or not he'll be there at 20, Jonathan. I thought he had a very tremendous combine um, performance. Um, I, you know, him and Dale and Henley essentially had very, very similar numbers, but Simpson did it with like two extra inches and, you know, another, what, 10 pounds of weight on him, you know, running basically a little bit of a faster 40, but same yard, 10, same 10 yard split. Uh, Trent Simpson, I thought was also interesting. This is another one of those key combine deals where you go, okay, with this guy, am I getting a guy that can play middle linebacker? And then if there are times I want to have him run some snaps from the edge, he can bounce out to the edge, kick out to the edge. And now I can get him upfield in that fashion of things. Um, and he does have that when you see the 32 and three eighths inch arms, that's long enough occasionally to be able to r- let him rip and let him roll over there, especially with the six foot three size. So again, that flexibility is real with him. The athleticism and quickness and speed that you see on tape is real with him. Yes, I do think he's a first-round pick. Yes, I do think he'll be there when we're picking at 20. And they certainly could jump on him, and that'd be a, a great selection for him. So um, he's, to me, uh, this is a, a way more exciting prospect than, let's say, a guy like Jordan Brooks that we picked six places later three years ago, four, you know, four years ago in the first round. Way better prospect. Greg Kemp says Bryce Ford Wheaton is the West Virginia wide receiver, six foot three, two twenty one, thirty three inch long arms, four three speed, forty one inch vert, and great agility drill numbers. He's on my list, uh, Greg. So I do have him on my proverbial list to go look up. I saw he had the combine runs too. So I, I'm going to probably on all of the combine guys. I, I should hopefully get through just about all of them at every positional group. Just about. That's going to be my hope. It's a lot of guys. I'm through a bunch of them, but he's definitely one of the guys I got to look at for sure. Lance Johnson says, I've got to give it to you, B, on Darnell Washington. He looks like he could play defensive end if we needed him to. Plus, he could be the Ed Tuttle Jones on special teams blocking field goals. Ooh, I got me excited with that. Yeah, get him down up underneath right over the center and then have him just stick up that big paw and knock those balls down. I love it, Lance. And yeah, Darnell definitely flashed. And I was he even shocked me with the 40 time. I thought he was going to run some slow 40 time. But he went out and he actually showed some 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 juice, some quickness there, and still came in at the weight where he didn't try to come in like 250, you know, and and show you some different player just so he could be fast and quick than he was on tape, which is a kind of a bigger rock, rocked up guy down there. Um, I love Darnell though; he's my tight end one in this draft. Um, he has been so for going on about a month and a half, two months now. Um, just always jumped out to me. I've enjoyed every bit of watching him play and. Um, if we could end up with him, I'd be very, very happy. I don't think it'll, it's not likely to happen, but I, I would love to see it nonetheless. Tommy says, I heard good things about the BYU, or maybe it was the Fresno State quarterback. Might be a late round pickup. I got to look at Jaron Hall. I keep forgetting to look him up. I keep meaning to look him up, and I can't get around to him on the BYU guy. Um, but Jake Hayner, yeah, he's good. I mean, Hayner's your, Hayner's your Brock Purdy this year. You know, relatively mobile with, uh, can make some of the throws, not all the throws, accuracy short. It's going to struggle to push the ball up the football field. Spencer Smith says, Hawk Nesters, hit and subscribe for the goat of the off-season Hawks content and pretty damn good in season two. (laughs) Thank you, Spencer. I appreciate that, brother. Please do hit that like button. If you folks do get a chance, it does help out the channel tremendously. I really do appreciate it. 
and uh, you're helping it out. You're helping the channel grow. Uh, Adrian X with another $2 donation. Thank you, Adrian X. Says, uh, on Sauce getting uncomfortable with the quarterback whisperer. Indeed, I heard that too. When Carol was meeting with uh, Ahmad Gardner at the, uh, at the, was the combine last year, and they're doing some of the interviews, and reportedly uh, Ahmad started to get a little bit uncomfortable with Coach Carroll and some of the way Coach Carroll was, uh, was questioning him. I don't know. It could be just the aura of Carroll, you know? It's blinding at times when you're a young player. You know, if you don't have your shades on, it's like it's, you're, you're like a vampire, you know? I didn't know. I didn't know a head coach could be that bright. Is he? Is he? Is he smiling? Is that his teeth? I can't. God, that's bright. Hi, Carol. Hi, Coach. But I, yeah, I thought that was interesting too, Adrian X. I wonder it was Coach Carol asking about some taste. Like, so I know you always go to the pull move on the outside shoulder on out cutting routes. You know, what if I took that away from you? What if I made you just play that clean and you just had to break on the route and recover? Well, but they're gonna let me pull. They'll let me pull on the shoulder, though. They always let me pull. Maybe they don't let you pull anymore, though, man. What, what are you going to do then? Well, I mean, I would. I'm. I can. I'll. I'll try to run with him then. Do you think you can run with him? I mean, I could think I could run with him, but I like to pull on the jersey at the stem of the route so I can catch back up to the guy. Yeah, they don't let you do that in the NFL. What if? What if we trade? What if we don't let you do that in practice? We're not going to let you get away with it unless you can do it in the game. They'll let me do it in the game. I know they will. How do you know that? Well, I already talked to New York. <laughs> But yeah, Adrian X, I did, uh, I did indeed see that. And I thought it was pretty funny. Um, <clears throat> thank you for all the donos, Adrian X. We appreciate you. Justin Rockstar with a $2 donation. What's your take on Nolan Smith and what pick? Um, but he had a phenomenal combine. Puts up one of those kind of, he's one of those guys that's going to have be your Jordan Davis of last year, right? Another Georgia guy, but at a different position who just sort of defensively blows the combine up with just insane numbers that nobody sees um, at all from the, at all, kind of kind of close to that. Um, those are wide receiver numbers he sort of posted as far as combine goes. Nolan Smith, I think the best thing about him is the thing that probably gets talked about the least being that he's one of the better edge run defenders in this entire draft, if not the best, even though he's only 238 pounds. Because you talk about a guy running that fast, you say, well, the thing I worry about with him now is, you know, he's running this fast, but he's going to absolutely get swallowed up in the run game. And then I have to rotational pass rusher him out. And even then he's really slight. So if the, the tackles get their hands on him, he's going to be cooked. Um, whereas that's not the case with how he plays the run and how, how strong he is in the run game. So he certainly plays bigger than his size on tape. All that being said, the production as a pass rusher is not there consistently. He shows you some pass rush moves that are that, that are fun and and that you know shows you a little something with. He's got a bit of the the like Boza hand outside scissors kind of thing. He's got a good counter inside move that he can go to, but it's very 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 infrequent on tape. He played a lot of football. He was like what the number one overall re recruit coming out at one point in time, Justin. And so he's played literally four years of football. He was a true freshman playing from the jump. He's played a bunch. Now you're heavily rotated out in this defensive line group for Georgia. Jalen Carter gets beat on like, like a bunch for this. Certainly he's as part of that group as well, where you're getting guys just rotated. They're going to keep them fresh. But you look at the production, 11 sacks in four years, playing a lot of football. It doesn't quite fit to necessarily look at him saying, oh, well, this is, this is a guy worthy of being a first round pick. He's not to me. To me, that's more of mid to late second round value. 
But because he's such a high character guy, because he's got the former five-star background, because the testing numbers are so insane, because he plays the run as well as he does, that will be enough to draw him up into the first round. I wouldn't be quite comfortable going there, though. I like him. I do. But I need a little bit more, a little more pro-do. A little more pro-do. Uh, Ariel Aguilar, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, go Mariners, 2020, baby. Let's go. Hey, let's go Mariners. Year of the World Series, I ask. I ask. And uh, Ariel, you remind me on that as well. Thank you for mentioning that. Thank you for the donation. Thank you for mentioning that great uh, that great message, which uh, hopefully is going to be an awesome year for our Mariners. I do have a Mariner channel. So if you're a Mariner fan, I do have a channel called The Crow's Nest, which is specifically devoted to Mariner content. And I will be live streaming during games all season long, including opening day. So go over there and do get subscribed up. We talk all all items of business over there, including football as well. In addition to that, when we do go live, but I will be going live on that channel. So if you're not subscribed, do get subscribed to The Crow's Nest on YouTube. as That's my baseball alt. It's my alt baseball. But thank you, Ariel. Appreciate you. And hope you're having a good night. Uh, Spencer Smith with a 20 dollar donation spencer thank you for the 20 dollar donation man you are awesome and i do appreciate it Woo! let's go spencer said i ran a pff mock draft all players likely not available at certain spots but who shows but shows who i like in what areas at five stroud 26 cansey 37, Nolan Smith or Will McDonald, 52, Jack Campbell, 58, Steve Avilia, and then late, Nathaniel Dell, Deuce Vaughn, and Jackson Bennett, the cornerback out of Maryland. I think I said his name right. I probably butchered his first name. So you got uh, uh, all the players likely not available at certain spots, but shows who I like in what area. Yeah, that's that's great. Um See, like you just you just hit up like what I talked about, Spencer, with Nolan Smith. You got him going 37, which people are trying to project him up into first round territory now, but that's that's more right for me with him. And really both McDonald and kind of included on that. Um, so both of those guys to me, you're talking about more mid-ish, mid-ish second round just feels right with them. Uh Campbell at 58 does feel right on the button with him after his combine. So I mean, I where you're at with all that, that's all tremendous value to me. You're grabbing any of those guys every... If you're getting any of those guys in any of those picks in any of those spots, Spencer, you're getting maximum value at your spot there. You're getting guys that should have gone lower that you're getting later. Um, nobody could shake a stick at that and say, well, you you missed on this. You you overreached on that. That's not a reach draft at that point. That's certainly a, a pick for value kind of draft. So I like the other guys you mentioned too. I did see Nathaniel Dell tended to dip a little bit and he's going to... I think some of these receivers will dip a little bit because of the fact that there are only just slot guys. Not all of them are going to project to the outside, especially in this draft for some reason. But all of those are good players, man. Great, great mock. And that mock's fun. I was doing it for a couple hours before the show today, just trying to pull through a couple iterations, like testing some things out, seeing who was there. And this is it, It's fun as a, as a kind of gauge to kind of calibrate around the draft and feel how it'll potentially kind of play out a little bit. And especially once we get through free agency, then we're really going to be able to hone in on this stuff. But uh, Spencer, thank you for the $20 donation, brother. I appreciate you. I salute you, sir. But more importantly, I love your mock. I love the cut of your mock. You know what I mean? 
I'm, I'm making that a new phrase. I'm making that a new thing. Uh, Adrian X, thank you for another $2 donation. Says, with our defensive struggles, thoughts we go quarterback at five and center at 20? <sighs> Probably unlikely they do that combination, Adrian X, unless they're just fully buying into creating the super offense. And they haven't given any any indications as of yet that that's something that they're willing to do. And if they were willing to do that, I would have thought that they would have done it when they were in what Russell Wilson's prime. You know, they, they always want a little bit of the balance at, at the play here. And when I look at the first four picks this year, much as we'd look at the offense last year and go, well, three of these first four picks got to go to the offensive side of the ball. You need tackles. You need this. You need that. You need this over here. This year, that that's the equivalent of our defense. And so if you go quarterback one, you are kind of going to be driven a little bit more harder. And at the very least, I think, if not taking three defensive players with the next three picks, definitely probably then taking a defensive player with that next first round pick, I would think. I know that's a little bit more out of the range, out of the range of best player available, but some of that would been be driven by the fact that you went with the quarterback pick. You went for kind of the luxury pick there at five to then push you a little bit more into that other realm, I would think. Ujang Financial says, Pete loves taking dudes with some trouble and turning them into killers. Carter would thrive here. Agreed. Agreed. It's David. I agree. I don't think Carter, I don't think Carter's one mistake should dictate his future. I agree on that, man. It's a divisive topic, but I, I feel the way you feel on it. Greg Fiverr says, do you think quarterbacks will go in the top? Do you think three quarterbacks will go in the top five? Greg, that's been one of my long predictions here on the channel. In fact, I've, in fact, I got a bet writing right now where I might have to wear a, a Brock Purdy jersey for a whole stream if, uh, if uh, three quarterbacks don't go in the top five because I felt so sure. I didn't get anything out of that bet, by the way. I had to give that up, and I, I got nothing back in return from the chat for that. So I... <laughs> I got to learn to not make one-sided bets, but I felt so strong about it that I didn't need any, uh, I didn't need any reward. My reward's going to be being right. And uh, yes, three quarterbacks are going to get taken in the top five. You might even see four quarterbacks taken in the top four, Greg. There's an outside chance of that. Consumer says, even if Carter didn't have the uh, race car issue, I still wouldn't draft him. He is lazy and no work ethic. That's, that's, that's definitely for some people stand on him. I tell you, his, his tape ain't lazy to me, but I understand that's where people sit with him. There is a good folks, a good amount of folks who do sit in that plane. Ray Berrios, are Adams digs overpaid at 18 million? Chiefs won it all with Reed McDuffie at 12.7 and 3.8. Is the secondary as important in 2023? According to the analytical folks, Ray, they say that the the safety secondary situation is more important than ever. Um, this would seem to be aided by the Vic Fangio cover two shell, which now proliferates the league's defenses and requires your safeties to be more multifaceted than ever before. But your bottom line question is, are Adams and Diggs overpaid? Certainly. 
Certainly you're overpaying too much of the position when you're paying the most at a position that's been league-wide devalued. A position that you look at players coming up for pay like Jesse Bates with Cincinnati, and they don't pay him. There are some guys that get paid here and there, but if you're going to pay for that, you better get outstanding production. You better have a defense that feels the returns of paying that kind of money into it. And when you had the Legion of Boom and you're paying big money to both Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor at the same time, you were getting those returns on defense. You have yet to get those returns with this safety pairing between these two guys. There's an explanation with Adams' case in the respect of he's just been injured as often as he has. But the bottom line is the bottom line. And if you're going to spend that amount of money on the safety position, then you should be getting returns back to where you're not a league-worst defense on the other end of that. Otherwise, you're probably misspending the money, and it probably could be spent in better places. So, yes, but there isn't a lot we can do about it at this point, Ray. we got to wait a year out on this to kind of potentially fix that position for a situation. Tommy says AR to DK. Just run a go route, DK. We are on our own five, dude. AR, I know. Head for the end zone and try to keep up with the ball. <laughs> yeah, consumer one one four. I've 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 heard about the Carter stuff with the shape the shape stuff. I I have. Um, and this has been this has been battered on as much as kind of any any prospect that I've heard in recent years. Quite frankly. Um, you know, when I watch Carter on tape for me, Consumer, and I put that video together a couple months, a month and a half ago on Jalen Carter, and I watched, I think, every game of his last couple of years. And when I watch his tape, when I watch him out on the football field, yes, he's rotated in from a defensive line standpoint, but based every defensive tackle in college football was rotated in last year that I watch. Um, some to a very large degree, like Sika Ika and whatnot. But when he's on the t- when he's on the t- when he's on the field, he's a dominant wrecking force. And we could talk about wind sprints and getting tired and all that, but at the end of the day, when he's on the field, he's a wrecking force in a unique, unique way, unlike any other defensive tackle in this entire draft. Um, I, it's, I, I, I don't know. For me, it's hard-pressed to get to a point of calling the guy lazy at that point. Does he need to maybe improve his work ethic? Sure. Would he, would he be the first 21-year-old kid that needs to take leaps forward in his maturity and work ethic? No. There's a lot of guys like that. Um, the thing I can't train and the thing I can't teach is that level of talent that he shows and displays on the football field. Um, but I, I, the, the, the out of shape thing I feel like has just been a little bit overstated in the respect of, is it maybe a little bit of an issue here? Yeah. Is it, is it something to where he's just lazy and going through the motions on the football field and you're seeing him never give hef- max effort. You're seeing him never let it rip. You're seeing him give up on plays and just sort of go, no, it's not. You know, part of the reason sometimes he is as winded as he is in football games is because he's giving max effort every play. But I know I'm not going to win any, uh, any, I'm not going to bring anybody to my side. If you're on the firmly on the side at this point of being anti-Carter, you're on anti-Carter. If you're on pro, pro side of Carter at this point, you're probably staying on the pro side of Carter. Jonathan Magana says, Brandon, what running back would you prefer in round three to four? Let's take a look at my my horizontal board. Let me consult with my horizontal board so I can give you an appropriate estimation of that. Uh, some really fun players in the third, fourth round, I think, that could kind of give you a variety of different things. Um, but I like all of them at the moment that I've looked at, to be honest with you. Like, I could give you, I'm going to give you seven names here that stand out to me. Um, and this is really a kind of a money spot for running backs in this draft. Um, I'd go Kenny, Kenny McIntosh, 
Tajay Spears, Devin, maybe Devin Archain, if you're looking for kind of an undersized guys, they can maybe give you some more like third down kind of specialist types because Homer is going to be moving on. Um, Israel Abakanda is a, a really nice back, like him in the late third. Tank Bigsby out of Auburn, another fun back, kind of shades of Dalvin Cook a little bit to his game. Chris Rodriguez would give you a hammer. Roshan Johnson, those would be two guys in the fourth round that are just just bowls that I think certainly would give you something in the running game you don't have right now, which is you don't have a bowl, you know. We've, we've had some fast guys, but we don't have that guy that's really going to put his head down and, and push the pile. Those would be seven guys that would jump out to me in that range in the third to fourth, I think. I think there'll be a lot of guys in the second that are going to go like at least five or six. Michael says, Wollen and Ringo being menaces in the secondary. I love Ringo, man. He's a fun player. Just a good football player, too, I think. Ariel Aguilar, uh, sorry, just jumping on. Did you talk Geno extension yet? Nice to see you again, B. You too, Ariel. Um, we haven't gotten too much into the Geno talk tonight as much. It does look like um, there is a little bit more of a question mark on whether this deal gets done or not. We also know that the Seahawks have indicated that they do not intend to put a franchise tag on Geno. So if a deal is not done, then he's just going to be out there as a street free agent at that point. So I, I think that every day that we draw a little closer to free agency is the less likelihood that this deal gets done. And maybe it's, maybe it's just incrementally at that, but it's, that is the way that this starts to trend. But not that we haven't heard anything yet as nothing being imminent one way or another. But it's good to see you on the, ch uh, it's good to see you on the uh, stream. Hope you're doing well out there tonight. Yeah, the Oxygen, I mean, Darnell Washington might be the first tight end off the board. Wouldn't shock me. John Acevedo says, give Pete an AR-15 and a K-9. Oh, baby, he's going to cause some problems. <laughs> AR-15 and K-9. I love it, man. I have pretty cool nicknames. Although I'll probably get killed on the YouTube algorithm, right? Saying that all the time. I'm just going to have to call him Anthony. It's David. So speaking of Washington playing defensive end, remember when we had that one tight end play defensive end for one game? Just thought of that. I do. What was that guy's name? What's that guy's name? I'm, I'm spacing, but I do remember we did that for one guy. That was weird. Uh, Hawks uh, says, any thoughts on the Seahawks hiring Brandon Jordan as a pass rush specialist? Well, I think certainly they can stand to have some guys improve with the, from the pass rushing standpoint. I think Clint Hurt um, certainly hasn't proven himself to certainly be a guy to help develop guys for, as far as pass rushers go. If you look at the last three or four years, Kurt, Hurt's been here. Who's been the pass rusher really taking huge steps forward in their game? Um, 
you know, it's, it's so it's, I think there's an opening there with this, this coaching staff for a guy like that who can come in and show a little bit more of the finer details and nuances of it. And that guy's got a pretty good track record from some of the clients that I, I saw posted that he had worked with. So good on the Hawks. You know, that's a place that they do need to improve as a team and get better and has been kind of a bit of a problematic spot here for a couple of years now. John Acevedo says, I came from the future. Number one, the Texans take Young. Number two, the Bears take Anderson. Number three, the Panthers take Stroud. Number four, the Colts take Levis. Number five, the Seahawks take Carter. <sighs> Ooh, John, I like your, I like your, I like your uh, psychic foretellings. Consumer says, Nolan Smith is an interesting player, but it's hard to see a position in the NFL uh, of what he is. I think he'd be an outside linebacker. He's going to have to put on some more weight to consumer. You know, he's going to lose a little bit of that suddenness. So he's got to add a good 10 pounds, 15 pounds. But you go 215, you can operate off the edge as an outside linebacker at 250. See how Jose Rodriguez is in the house. Hello, Jose. I hope you're doing well. And Jose is on the road himself to the thousand subscribers on his channel. So if you are not subscribed to Jose, get subscribed to Jose. Help, help a fellow Seahawks fan out. Why do I was watching Kelnick this spring training? I keep thinking I'm not going to give my hopes up. I'm not going to give my hopes up. I'm not going to give my hopes up. Yeah, I think it's okay too, man. I mean, don't forget the kids got the talent. You know, you it's a matter of getting into rounding them out. Hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things you can do in all of sports. And uh, these pitchers now, especially, are nastier than ever. And if the pitchers are nastier than ever, if they're throwing with the best stuff than they've ever thrown before, then we probably should give these hitters um, maybe a little bit more time to kind of find themselves on that. And Kelly kind of strikes me as that kind of guy. The thing he has is the talent and he seems to have the work ethic. And those are, those are the hard things to sometimes find in players. To boy, Michael says, Lucas Van Ness at 20, sign me up. A lot of people love Ness. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that definitely had himself a pretty good combine. So I can't quite get with him on it. I just don't, the suddenness isn't quite there, but as a rally to the ball kind of defender, high motor guy, you know, he would fit to the defense in that realm. Mom and Pops, I am missing a ton of the show. I picked up a border collar pup yesterday. I picked up a border collie pup yesterday. I'm training him. I'm sitting outside freezing my butt off. Sheesh. Oh, he came from a working ranch around Hood River. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> You're going to have your hands full with that. I've heard those border collies can be pretty energetic. I always catch up later. No worries. Kelly says, any thoughts on Dell? Uh, I like Dell. I find him to be... Uh, Really, really explosive guy. He is only 5'8", Kelly, though, 165. So a guy that, in that group where we say, Kelly, you know, 
You got a guy that's six foot, 205. He runs a 4440. You go, okay, guy's fast and he's got some size to him. I got a guy at 5'8, 165, who runs a 44940. You know, um, halfway between 4'4 and 4'5, basically, as far as his 40 time goes. It's not quite as impressive now. Now you go, mm, I, I can't put this guy on the outside. 30 and a half inch arms, he's not going to be able to operate outside. But as a slot guy, one four nine ten yard split. That's a that's a electric ten yard split. Um, you can work with that out of the slot. Five eight guy can theoretically work a little bit more out of the slot. Um, but I do think that he dips a little bit off of his measurements and not quite running. You would have liked to have seen with him run like a four three two forty at that size to feel like maybe there's some legitimacy to him finding a way on the outside. But that you go not quite there with it. Like him a lot though. He's a fun player. Runs very, very sharp routes too. But he'll be a slot guy only. Herbicide says, I like like the idea of taking Schmitz and Patterson. I had one draft where I could have taken in my mocks Schmitz and then later on Patterson was falling and then moved Patterson to guard. I could see where that could make some sense. Jacob Haas, build the super offense. Who needs a defense who can score 60 a game? When you can score 60 a game. That's right. Everyone loves a little bit more offense. What's up, Michael? Corsos D. Gutierrez says, uh, you said you weren't sure about DJ Turner's speed. Do you, do you believe me now? Take him, in, take him at fifth round would be good. Take him in the fifth round would be good. No, he's uh, he legitimately tested well in that respect of things. <laughs> Excuse me. Ah, sorry. It's about spring here, so it's already starting. Um, no, he's legitimately fast. Um, and Turner definitely, I, I thought I, I thought I thought he had fast off of his tape. Um, so definitely he is, he's in that realm. And boy, I mean, you tell me, you talked to me about, yeah, he did the four, two, six and 38 and a half inch broad, uh, vert 131 inch broad. Um, another guy with some short arms on him. So another guy at 30 inches and three fourths inch arms. So not ideal for what you'd like on the outside with a guy like that at six foot, 180 pounds. Um, Turner's nice. And if we get him in the fifth round, I mean, sign me up. I do think at 4-2-6, though, he's going to probably launch himself up into more of the third round territory now after this combine. So I don't know if I like him as much in the third. Fourth? Yeah, I go fourth. But I'm not, I wasn't enough of a fan of his tape, I don't think, to pull, pull the trigger there in the third on him. Kelly says, Skinner definitely lays the wood like Derek Hall too. Look at his picture and tell me he doesn't look like Cam Chancellor. Derek Hall, take a look at him. (laughs) Derek Hall does look like Cam Chancellor. I just saw his 40 thing and he looks like him. (laughs) Especially when he was uh, a thinner, they they got a shot of him, Kelly, as a commit. When he's just a four-star commit recruit to Auburn, and when he's a little thinner, he definitely looks like it in the face. Andrew uh, Rosenko, thank you for the five-dollar donation. Andrew says drafts go sideways. What would be the kind of draft that would make you not want to pull your hair out? Example: How many defensive linemen, offensive linemen, wide receiver? Um, you're right. Drafts do go sideways. I mean, you you certainly can see a, a mistake made or a desperation clicks in on a certain pick and you didn't plan for this happening and now that's occurred. 
Uh, what kind of draft, what, what would be the kind of draft that would make you not want to pull your hair out? Um, I think, well, I, did, I ran a mock draft 3.0, so it's kind of an easy one for me here. Let me just post this over my shoulder here, Andrew. This was the draft right here over my right shoulder that would be a draft that I would, I would certainly be very, very excited over if we walked out of a draft with guys like this. And in my draft, I came away with um, essentially two defensive tackles, a center, uh, two middle linebackers, two safeties, a wide receiver, and an edge inside guy, kind of an in- inside-outside guy on the defense. So, you know, three three defensive linemen. I would have liked to have gotten another guard. There just wasn't one available. I think that's going to be the tough one to fill in this draft, Andrew, is finding the right guard position. Uh, Phil Haynes is very likely to be a starter right now going forward at this point. But I got the center at least dealt with. This over my shoulder, though, this mock draft 3.0 would be one I'd be happy with. Because I feel like you've you've dealt with the defensive inequities in a major way. Um, the offense still is going to be able to take some steps forward with some of the parts that you're applying here, especially if you went out and signed a garden for agency. Now you have a potential of really building up a fine, fine offensive line going forward. So this would be more of my ideal here. Carter Cansey in the first two picks in the first round. Come back with Schmitz and Henley in the second. Sidney Brown and Jair Brown, two safeties in the third and four. And then Michael Wilson, Carl Brooks, and D. Winters to finish it off. Adrian X, uh, thank you for the $2 donation. I really do appreciate it. Says, uh, biggest winners and biggest losers in the draft. Um, I would say your biggest winners in the draft would be, um, well, I think certainly we got to go Anthony Richardson, Nolan Smith, Darnell Washington, Adetwami Adewari, uh, Kalijah Kansi. Owen Popoe, Trenton Simpson, Dan Henley, Jack Campbell, Seeley Ringo, Sidney Brown, Lucas Van Ness, and Christian Gonzalez, and Joey Porter would be the guys that I think were really did help their stock out, solidified themselves all the way down the line. <laughs> I think uh, Diamond in the Rough wise, there's some cornerbacks all over the place that you could you could mark as diamonds in the rough. Uh, Jacorian Bennett. Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes, Darius Rush. All those guys aren't necessarily first-round guys, but in going, we'll go in a variety of different places in this draft. But our guys that get me, I'd be very excited by what you're getting out of them with that. Um, as far as other guys go, uh, I haven't looked at some of the deeper diamonds yet because I'm still at probably like in this draft, that fourth, fifth-round range mainly on the guys that I've scouted for this draft. So I don't have a lot of great pickings for you as far as other diamonds in the rough necessarily. Because that means it's going to be a guy I would usually say is a little bit deeper down. D winners is interesting. Kind of going through some names here. That'd be about it there with it. Defensive end wise, like I had in my mock, I like Carl Brooks. I like a lot. Ed Iswami Ottawari, depending on where he goes in this draft, is obviously surging up boards. Um, Derek Hall is an interesting guy. Ran a four five five forty. Boy, he's got fun tape too. He's very explosive. Thomas Icum. There's a diamond in the rough for you out of Central Michigan. He had a really good combine, and I thought he looked. I thought his tape was pretty impressive. Come coming out. He jumped out to me a bit. 
But the receivers were a little bit meh. Corners were really standout. This is such a corner-heavy draft. But there's a couple names for you. The board here. Appreciate you, Adrian X. Uh, I'll have some more hidden gems for you, though. Give me, give me like another like two, three weeks, and we'll get to more of like kind of the hidden gems thing. Some of my hidden gems are now becoming first round, second round guys. Like Owen Popoi would have been my hidden gem, and now he's probably going in the second. And Darnell Washington, you know, was going to be maybe a fringe second round guy who now becomes maybe a first round guy. So my gems are not so hidden. My gems are out in the open. They're exposed. I have hidden gems. I have exposed gems. Nolan Arvance, thank you for the $5 donation, brother. I hope you're having a good night tonight, this fine Sunday, and I do appreciate the dono. He says, I was on team trade back. I may now be convinced. And on team trade up for AR-15. Never, hopefully, going to be in this position with this capital. Anytime soon. Let me finish off your sentence with that by saying anytime in the near future or anytime soon. And um, this is why the this is why when you finish off the season, it's never about where you're finishing at the season and how you look at a player, but it's the evolution of how you're now fully looking at a player, looking at them closely, having their testing numbers, having the full view of the season, going back and looking at the tape, having it all come together. And that's going to cause evolution and that's going to cause you to to start a, to build up in your, your thought process on a player and go from having an evaluation that starts at one place and oftentimes will end up at another place. And I think that this is the case with Anthony Richardson where you start this offseason going, okay, he's here for me in my mind, but let me look back at this a little bit. Okay, whoa, wait, whoa, no, he is really legitimately physically talented, not just kind of physically talented, not just in the upper crust of physically talented quarterbacks. He's in like the 99th percentile of physically talented quarterbacks. And where's the position going? It's going to wanting more than ever guys that are physically talented, not just arm talent talented, but physically talented all the way across the board. Uh, I can't quite get to the point, Nolan, myself of saying I'm willing to move up in this draft to get him. I, I do want to let the, the, the situation just kind of play out, but it's a tremendous development that he is starting to come on as strongly as he is. It only helps us out in the draft one way or the other. It's only a benefit to us. So I'm, I'm, I'm good if we pick him up. Um, I would like to have him kind of fall to us if it's going to play out in that realm of things, if it's going to go that way with it. But this draft has got so much fluctuation of potential of how outcomes and where this could go. Not, nothing is fixed. Nothing is certain at this point. Megan, the Hawks test. What does Mr. Cosell think about what he's seen at the Combine? Well, I'll tell you, Megan. This was an interesting year for these young pups coming from abroad to test their physical skill and quotient against the rigid talent evaluators of the NFL. These boys came out and put on a show. Namely, at the head of the stack, the incongruent... Nolan Smith, who walked out onto the football field, his torn peck hanging like a broken chicken wing, and finding a way to post wide receiver-like times to an epic order of 4-3-9. You just don't see people move in this fashion. But the greatest development 
the one that cannot be divine, the one that is only best described as superfluously Nirvana-like in its development, is the outstanding performance, the wondrous show that brings about memories of Barnum's and Bailey's flying circus, and that is one, Anthony Richardson. This sensational, intractable, incarambacatable kid can absolutely sling the rock like Joe Broadway Namath. I've never seen it ever before. One man like this that can both throw a bullet through a gun and run like a tornado. He is the next generation of this sport. And I'm going to enjoy watching him for years to come. <laughs> I hope that's okay, Megan. Woo! Howard's a little out of breath today. Tommy, uh, remember, too, we have like 10 picks that uh, count like 16 million we have to allocate. And if we sign Gino, that might be rough. Very well could be rough. Especially if you're signing him at 35 million, Tommy. Because now you got that bonus money hitting hard. You can't just bury the money on the back end of the deal. Especially not on the three-year deal. Spencer says, for the record, Brandon, uh, I came into that mock with the presumption that Seattle signs center guard help and free agency to, to so, supplement the addition of Steve Avilia. Same with adding B-Wags back alongside Campbell. Makes sense? I think certainly with the B-Wags, one, you can, you can um, acknowledge that. And I think, Spencer, you're right about that being it one way or the other on this. If they, if they don't sign the center in free agency, then they're probably going to draft the center. If they sign the right guard in free agency, then they're going to, or, you know, vice versa. One of those will work the other way with it, I would believe too. So I think you're taking a pretty smart approach with that. Uh, Manny says, don't forget B, if uh, we lose that bet, you have to tell the world that Jim Zorn is way better than Dave Craig. I don't, what did I get on the other side of this bet though? I don't know if I put multiple things down. I need to get some returns on this. Uh, Kronos, B, my thoughts on the sauce comments about P from last year. Maybe the guy who found a guy as good as you in the four rounds later probably knows what he's looking for in a corner. Could be. Uh, it's definitely plausible. Kelly, uh, free agency does start on the 15th of March, but the 13th is what they call tampering period, which is when we start to hear about deals really being announced. There's other deals that'll happen on the day of, but there's a whole bunch of deals that you start to hear on soon as the tampering period starts to open up. Uh, why do I say the reason Seattle might take Richardson at five? There's another team in the top 10 better set to put him in a situation to succeed. And Pete knows how to use a running quarterback. Dust off the Russ run option playbook. That's right. Why do I? That's exactly what I'm thinking. Can always go back to the old Russ play op run option playbook if you got to, if you just want to run it simply. Tanner Corwin says, I'm stressing over Gino's contract because we need two quarterbacks at least, I think. It's up in the air right now, Tanner. You know, we don't know if this is going to get done or not. And as I say, every day that goes by is less likely this deal does get done. It's David says, honestly, Diggs has an excuse. The amount of time in the season he was forced to make a one-on-one -on -one tackle in space as the last line of defense between a touchdown and a stop was too much. Agreed, David. Agreed. Then he was also getting over that foot injury. He might be even better next year. Hell, if, he'd ha if he had picked off just all the interceptions he had in his hands, he would have led the league in interceptions. We'd probably be looking at his year a lot differently. 
Greg Pfeiffer, do you still think we are going to franchise tag Gino? We are waiting to the last minute, aren't we? Uh, Greg, the reports are that we're, we're not going to be willing to do the franchise tag on him at this point. And I think that the team has a track record of not doing this as cold-blooded as other franchises in the NFL do, where they'll use the franchise as a true source to be able to just hold the player on, even if it, even if it makes the player uncomfortable and a little bit bitter towards the team for not giving him the contract they feel like they deserve. And when it comes to Geno, the team doesn't seem to be maybe as willing to do that where it's like, okay, you did right by us. We did right by you. We'll give you the opportunity to go test free agency. It's a little bit of an outside the box approach. If they go this route, than other franchises do throughout the league, but that's what the reports are indicating. And so I'll trust those reports until we hear differently, which would then be that we probably are not going to franchise him, which sucks. Cause I think you could franchise him and still get value for him. Spencer says, uh, also, I'm sure you've already addressed it, but is AR-15 now the third best option outside of Stroud, Levis at number five? Or has he surpassed Will? Or has he surpassed Will now based on physical upside? Stroud is still number one to me, AR number two, so on. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's overtaken Will Anderson, Spencer, in my book on that. Um, I think that he has, certainly for me, I'm, I'm, I'm higher. I'm not high on Bryce Young with him, and I've got my worries with him that go beyond just him throwing the football. Um, you know that with me on that one. But certainly, yeah, he's he's pushed himself now into the territory of absolutely Anthony's going in the top ten, and now there's a there's even a decent chance of him going in the top five after this combine performance. But I don't know if you. It's it's hard to make the prediction. We'll see four quarterbacks go in the first four picks. That seems a little presumptive. And since there is no baseline of it in NFL history, I'm hesitant to make that as a very solid prediction here. Jaboy Michael says, I do strongly believe that Gino is asking for too much money and John is not willing to pay and the tag is also too much. Fair point. Tommy says, well, most likely we already have made our mind up with Gino. We probably made our offer and we are willing to let him test the market. I think John was serious about having a quarterback cap. I do too. It's to what I thought that they're trying to do more of, Johnny, which is work back more into that old, that old blueprint, which would not call upon you to franchise tag a quarterback, which would not call upon you to give a quarterback a three-year, multi-year deal that will see them being paid now top seven in the sport. Uh, Stone Tiger says, Brandon, uh, did you get a chance to watch Felix Noduki Uzuma? His tape is fantastic. He might be a hidden gem in this draft. Uh, yes. I the, the thing with the hidden gem thing is I, I, I know I mentioned a couple of second round guys, but it does get tough when you start saying, well, he's a second round guy, you know, and he's a hidden gem. You know, it's kind of not so hidden at that point to me if he's in the second round. Um, but indeed, I did have a chance to take a look at, um, if I can, I'm going to have to learn how to say his name if we do draft him, no doubt about that. I'm just trying to bring up my notes on him here. Hold on. Oh, where is it? No, I know I looked at him, but I didn't. My notes seem to have disappeared here. I probably buried it somewhere else. Oh, here we go. Um, he has a defensive end with a quick first step and power, which I like about him. First step, first step quickness and power is a great combination. Um, it's not the quick strike of his hands, but how he wears you down with his power he does have a few tools in his bag, including a push and pull move, a long arm. He's got the Euro step swim move, and he's got a hard rip as he rounds the edge. So I liked a lot of the tools, not just one or two things he can kind of pull out of his bag. He's got an assembly of moves he can kind of call upon. Uh, he is a little bit tight in his hips. 
a lateral movement, especially when stunting looks a bit slow to me. Um, he can still be effective because then he gets back to the quickness once moving forward. So straight line, good for him. Going sideways, not so good. Uh, he single gaps really well, attacking to a spot and being a problem for offenses right off the snap. He sets the edge reasonably well. He has obvious strength to lock the tackles out, but sometimes he loses track of the runner and loses his outside integrity with it. Uh, he did face a heavy dosage of double teams, especially this year, and it did hinder his production, a la what we saw with Will Anderson this season too. Uh, I do think he is an electric prospect in many respects, but I'm also... I'm not sure where he goes in the Seahawks defense. I don't know if he's twitchy enough to stand up as an outside linebacker, and he might be a little bit too light if you're asking to kick inside as a 3-4 defensive end. Um, I really do like his game. Um, so I, I don't want to make it seem like I don't. he didn't stand out to me, Snow Tiger. He did. He's just, I, I have a second-round grade on the guy, so I do definitely like him a lot. But I do like him better as a 4-3 defensive end more than an outside 3-4 linebacker. And that's my one spot with him that I was a little bit less less as interested with him in standing up. And I don't think you want to kick him inside. He's 255. I just don't think that's inside where he's going to want to be then. Um, but he tested pretty well in this this draft combine, did everything, did nothing to move himself off of his spot. Did anything as well, I think, to push himself up in like first round territory. But he's pretty stable in there for where he's at, I think. Fun pieces, I remember we drafted Chris Carson in the late rounds because he had the most broken tackles that year and turned out awesome. Who is that guy this year? Uh, that guy this year would be Chris Rodriguez. Running back out of Kentucky. Him or Roshan Johnson, the backup to Bijan Robinson at uh, Texas. Those guys are both probably fourth round guys to me. And both those guys would fit into that Chris Carson bowl in a china shop kind of running style. Yeah, tampering periods of the day you guys want to lock on and on. As Chrono says, not necessarily the free agent date of the 15th. I'll be streaming, I think, on both days. But we will definitely be live on the tampering day because that's the day when the news starts to break. And we're going to hear something happen in one way or another. Trades, all that stuff. It's going to start to pop out. Kitty, please stop. Nagasa says, Bijan will be something special. Can't wait to see him in the league. It's going to be awesome, Nagasa. And look at Nagasa. Take a look at those numbers at the Combine and, and just cross-look at them with the Ladanian Tomlinson numbers. I mean, these guys ran exactly the same 10-yard split, exactly the same broad jump, ever so close on the 40. couple inches different on the vertical leap. I think he's Ladanian 2.0. Uh, Tanner McCorin says, anyone see Stenson Bennett saying he plays Fortnite? Like, dude, really? You're 39. <laughs> yeah, I played Fortnite when I was 39. I wasn't great at it, but I played it. Clifford, AB, thoughts on Ryan Wilson's recent updated mock on CBS Sports? I'll do it in order. Bears with Will Anderson. Uh, Bryce Young at the Houston. Arizona goes with Tyree. Whoa. 
Uh, Colts go with uh, CJ Stroud and has us taking Jalen Carter. I could see it playing out that way. I wouldn't say it's a high probability of a likelihood, Clifford, because you know with me, I still think that the Bears are going to move out of one. But if they just stood pat and, and went with Anderson, it wouldn't completely shock me, I guess. It would make sense. So, it uh, you know, it, it adds up. Why do I says, do people not understand many disparaging rumors with non-specific vague talk like character work ethic is put out by the front office of NFL teams hoping the kid drops? Happens all the time. Well, it does. That's why I said when the, the this unsubstantiated talks of Carter were like rumors and whispers and this is heard on this and that, nobody was putting in their names to it. It's all unspecified sources. I don't put a lot into that. Now, the racing thing is a, a horse of a different color, but I'm not going to combine the racing with the unsubstantiated rumors of this and that. Um, I'm not. And yeah, that does happen all the time. It does indeed. Thank you, Stephen Sullivan. That was the kid that was a defensive tackle for a game. You guys helped out. My old, old brain today was struggling for that one on for some reason. Uh, Spencer Smith, I like this Brandon Jordan kid a lot. Has worked out with the likes of Cameron Hayward and Clowney Von Miller. Seems like a dude that's been overlooked for pro coaching for far too long now. Brandon Jordan. I don't know too much about him, Spencer. I'll have to look into him a little bit. I don't even, for some reason, I recognize the name. Tommy, was it Swoops that we let play tight? No, I think they're right. It was Steven Sullivan on that. It was the Sullivan kid. He had that insane, like, 36-inch long arms or something. Just crazy length. Lance Johnson says, after the combine, my comment a while back on your stream seems even more likely. Top four picks are quarterbacks. Definitely four of the top five. You did call that a, couple, a bit back, and that certainly seems to be a way this could go. It, it, and I, we've never seen it before, but the conditions are kind of setting up right now for it to happen. And it would not be completely shocking if it played out that way. Jack says, B, what's your feel for what the Hawks will do? Not what you want, but what the Hawks will actually do. Uh, so Jack, I did two mocks today. Mock one is over my right shoulder. This is what I would like to do, which I know is not what you just asked for, but this is what I would like to do. Now, mock number two is going to be over my left shoulder. This is what I think they would be likely to do given John Schneider's track history, track record in history. So I would see them trading back theoretically, given what John tends to do in recent history. So left shoulder, what I think would this shoulder, what John would do. The other shoulder here with Carter and thing, what I would do. But I think they'll try to move back um, and pick up picks, pick up extra picks. Kelly says, that, uh, Kelly asks, what are my thoughts on Zach Charbonnet? Um, really fun, really fun running back, Kelly. Um, a guy that is, you could draw some comparisons to him with a guy like even a Nick Chubb a little bit. Same kind of uh, similar running styles, just hard runners run behind their pads really well. I had thought he was listed at 6'2 with UCLA, and I thought he would be kind of a shorter version by a two inches of a guy that used to run for the Rams by the name of Steven Jackson. But he's even shorter than that. He measured in at six feet tall at the combine, so it's a little bit discouraging in him at six foot when you were th when I was thinking of him more and more of like a 6'2-ish kind of size realm. But uh, he runs hard. He breaks tackles. He's going to fall forward, push the pile forward. He can get you, Kelly, the dirty three yards. He can be a short yardage back. He can be a goal line back. He could be a perfect counter puncher to what you have in, um, in uh, 
um, Kenneth Walker. And as you can see here in my John Schneider draft here over on my left shoulder, I have us taking Charbonnet and pick two there at that point. So also a good possibility of happening. Your boy Michael says, what happened to Andre Carter? He fell off. Yeah, it didn't look good at the, at the Senior Bowl. Just, uh, you know, not good. Not good. And the fact of the matter is, is he's a one-year wonder. And that one-year wonder was not this last season, but the year before. So the questions come into place. Why did your why did your production standpoint fall off by two-thirds this year from what it was last year with you playing against the lesser competition like you get to play with against Army? And I don't think that there's a lot of uh, explanation for that at this point. Taker610 with a $5 donation. Thank you, Taker610. I do appreciate you. He says, if we're not getting close to a deal with Gino and the deadline is coming, why not tag him with the intent to trade him to a team of his choice? I, I stand where you stand on this, Taker. If it's me as a general manager, I say we're not going to, we, we put the faith in you. We trusted you. We gave a place to shine for a year. We're not going to let you go for nothing. And so we, well, what we're going to do is we're going to want to move you to a team. Um, maybe from that standpoint of things, even if you're theoretically trading him to a team of his liking, that may still reduce down the number of teams taker 610 because there may be teams now taken off the board who say, we are okay with signing Gino. We're not okay with signing Gino and giving up a second and third round pick in addition to that. And so the team does have a bit of a track record at times in not always hardlining players and kind of doing right by them as opposed to sort of hold, holding them over the barrel. And, and proof of this would be look at the infrequent use of the franchise tag. And that that's been something they very rarely applied. More often than not, they're just going to let the guy go ahead and walk and, and do what he does and call it a day on that. So it's it's a do right by the player thing on that Taker 610 rather than being a strategy thing, rather than being a what's right for the team thing. The team just tends to be a little bit more pro player in their approach with that. I would be a little bit more like you, though, where I go, look, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll not draw anybody out and we're not going to draw and quarter anybody over the cost of what we're going to expect back for you, but we want a little something back, you know? We want to wet our beak, you know? We're just a little wet, just wet our beak a little bit with a couple drab picker, picker two, you know, if we got to give up, we've got to move you. So I, I get where you're coming from with it. I'd be in that same boat with it, but I, that's my read on this is if they don't use the franchise, it's because they're trying to do right by him and, and reward his stuff. His hard work and their their hard work thing. Lines Mania, you want Gonzalez or Porter at six? Wow. I guess you could make an argument those guys would be about right there. Hey, I know franchise tag for Gino. Bad idea, I think. Some teams will do it for 30 to 35 million plus the two first round picks if it requires. It just won't be us because we have many options. Yeah, I agree. I think it's not the right move, but... As I, I kind of like I was saying before, with Taker six ten on this, I think it's one move that's being made that's not necessarily being done for just team centric reasons. And Lions Mania, you want Gonzalez instead of Porter. Porter's not going to get you any interceptions. Gonzalez will take it away at least. Aaron Donald says, uh, thoughts on McClendon Curtis guard. I haven't had a chance to take a look at him, Aaron. I'm sorry. I haven't quite gotten to him, but I will, uh, I'll write down that name. McClendon Curtis. 
So ask, ask me on the next stream, Aaron, and I'll have a answer for you on that. I'll take a look at him. Fun pieces love both your drafts. Thank you, Fun P. Try to be kind of as accurate as I possibly can to the degree we can on this. Grona says, what's up with this draft class being bad, yet having two prospects with the 99th percentile of their position? It's just kind of the odd dichotomy of this one in that way. You know, it just sort of pl played out that way. And I think that there's, every draft's going to have special prospects within it, Kronos, I would say. Um, but the fluctuation point is going to be the, the the complete value of a draft or the strength of a draft versus other drafts in recent history. Um, this one just happens to be that that fashion of it. And it's more reinforced by the NIL stuff, just a little bit. It makes it even more, it, it sort of bold types it, right? Takes it from just being regular type to bold types, the the weakness of this draft. Clifford says B's mock draft will for sure give us closer to closer on edge to being that 2013 defense again. Thank you, Clifford. Appreciate you saying that. I hope I'm right on that. So Tiger says uh, Nolan's an interesting edge. I would love to see him in Seattle. I would too. Definitely a Siaki player too, right? All ball. Plays the run. Maybe some elements that definitely appeal to him. Space, you guys think Arrow will be there at five? I think he will be there at five, Space. Why do I? Uh, you could have the offense do things no other could could with a polished Richardson. While learning, he can run for 1,000 yards each season and still be a nightmare. Agreed. And as I was kind of saying before on this, why do I, you're not necessarily inventing something that doesn't already exist within the NFL by taking that approach. Because that's certainly what the Ravens have done with Lamar Jackson. They just haven't continued to really develop him. And that's certainly what the Hurts uh, and the Eagles are doing right now as well. CJ Kersman, thoughts on Cody Mock. Uh, Cody Mock's a fun player. I definitely don't hit him too hard for being a small school guy. I love the, f the, the versatility that he provides because I think he could probably end up playing all five offensive line positions at least to a moderate to varying levels of good, um, which, which is going to add a lot of value to him. Um, he plays with a lot of finish and nastiness to his game. Um, I like his feet. I like his, I like his mobility. I don't think he quite tested as good as I had hoped he would test here at the Combine to maybe elevate himself into top of the second round, first round discussion. He's probably back in second round, third round guy at this point, in my opinion. But he might vault further. Be, there might be some teams that really do love him because he does play with the tenaciousness and grit that you do like for the position. And he's a plus athletic guy. Um, and, and having that versus that flexibility where it's like he could start center, you can move him to guard, he ends up at right tackle for some games. He's kind of that kind of guy, I think. So uh, very, very fun prospect. And he had a good senior bowl week as well. I think he was I think he was voted as the best offensive lineman of the week by his defensive lineman peers that week, which I think is also pretty telling. So uh it's got some good upside to him. Middle middle to late second round for me on him. Connor Olsholager says, do Kansi's short arms worry you? I saw a stat about how few interior linemen have succeeded with short arms in the past 10 years. It's a valid stat, Connor. And it, yes, you. I would be way more infusive and I would be way over the moon in my praise of Kansi post this combine, putting up the fastest 40 time of any defensive tackle over the last 20 years that have tested there at the combine. That's, that's eye-opening. But 30 and a half inch arms are, you know, a good inch and a half, two inches shorter than you would like, ideally for the position. Um, 
I've come to the conclusion on this from my standpoint, Connor, that he is close enough to me for an Aaron Donald standpoint to believe that I'm getting, I'm going to get really good production from this kid in the long-term future of things. And yes, um, the short arms are going to maybe inhibit him a little bit, but I don't think they're going to stop him. He is just so sudden. He is just so quick. He's going to get into offensive linemen's chest before they can utilize the length of their arms on him. And that will at times, I think, Connor neutralize those those linemen's longer arms because he is so sudden. He's going to get up to you before you're out of your stance. And I I just, I'm trusting in that a little bit. It's, it is the one worry you're going to really have with, with Kansi is not his weight. There's no other spots you're really concerned with at that point. It just kind of comes down to that arm size, but it's it's not short enough for me, though you're right. The data is pretty stark on this about guys with less than 32-inch long arms operating from the inside and operating with any, with any sort of level of success over the last few years because that is a big difference between him and Donald, who he gets comped to a lot, as Donald had about two-inch longer arms than Kansi uh, did. Spencer Smith says, I can feel the floor slipping out from under me on Emmanuel Forbes. He's my exposed gem. Give me Forbes across from Woolen. Oh, he had a fantastic combine, did Forbes, and his tape's wonderful. Um, baller, ball skills, Titan coverage. Um, very good player. Very good player. I think I've got him at a, I think I've got him right now at a second round range for Forbes. If I don't, I will. So Forbes is going to be a second round guy for me, for sure. He'd be great. AI says, Brandon doing bumps in the back. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Gerard Goffrey, I'm surprised you have Carter at five. You have a better chance of being drafted at five. Zero chance Pete Carroll, John Schneider draft him after Malik McDowell. So Jared, I, uh, I tried to post two mocks here. So over my one shoulder, and I, and I, maybe I didn't probably re, reinforce this a little bit when I reposted this. What I want to do, Jared, because I get asked a lot about what I'd want to do versus what I think John Schneider would do or what the team would do. So that's why I kind of ran two mocks here. So my first mock here on this hand, right hand here, this is what I would do, which as you just said, I did take Carter. But then what I did is I ran a mock draft of what I thought John Schneider would do, which would be over here on my left hand shoulder. And what you can see with that is there is no Jalen Carter in that mock. So I acknowledge you're absolutely correct, but that's why I wanted to run these two different moxes, do one of what I, what I would do and one of what, what I think John Schneider and company would do instead. Because people tend to ask me for that kind of stuff in that way, and this gives a little bit of a better uh, visual representation for that. David, I definitely want to get a couple of defensive tackles, but I think we can wait to the third and fourth round and get Benton and Roy. Potentially, potentially. I'll tell you, it's not a deep drop with defensive tackles, David. It could be one where there's a little bit of a run on them. Joshua says, if Will, Stroud, and Carter and AR-15 are gone, trade back. You very well could, yeah. And Udo, uh, the thing with Carter is now any general manager that drafts him is putting his job on the line. It's true. Very true. Mega says, I just stepped out of the room and came back to Mr. Cassell. There you go. Uh, Tommy says, if we were facing Bryce Young at five, we make Nolte make the selection. He would know it to new. No, I just go. He, no, Nick Nolte he just come out in the middle. Nick, are we gonna take Bryce Young? Oh damn! I think Bryce Young is too goddamn small. Give me some bigger quarterback. That's what Nick Nolte would say. 
Uh, AI says there are a lot of guard free agents. What do you think? Pew, Arizona, Posick in play. I would like neither of those guys for guard. Posick showed that he can't play guard. Pew is way too old. Uh, it looked like a pretty weak class for guard for me when I looked at it recently. Not a lot of names that jumped out to me, AI. It's kind of a weak offensive line class in general for free agency. Um, probably easier to go center, quite frankly. Um, but no, I didn't like any of them. I'd, I'd, go, I'd put Posick back. At, I'd keep him at center. Spencer says, I know I haven't been in the chat for a while now, but I've been dying laughing in my Arizona delivery van listening to Cosell narrating the offseason. <laughs> that sounds all right, all right. Cosell's coming off okay. He's got thoughts on this uh, combine. He does. It was a hell of a combine. These players with their fluidity and inoxability provide me auxiliary means of looking at this draft in a way that makes me start to wonder, could this be epic? Meyer, Brian Myers Torrance at 37. Sure. Sure. I'm worried about him, Brian, as far as schematic fits go, and I don't love him as a player, but I think he's got a pretty high floor, you know? Spencer Smith says, these are great playback on a full 10-hour shift on the road. Oh, that's great to hear, man. I love the thought of that. I love the thought of you guys just playing me while you're working in the background a little bit. It does appeal to me. It does appeal to me, definitely. Hope you're having a good night of work. Hope it goes fast. And Udoro says, Cassell was the one who broke the death of John Lennon to everyone during Monday Night Football. He did. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some sad news. The incomparable John Lennon has just been shot. Yeah, he indeed broke it to everyone back before we had the internet back in the day. Yeah, I says, that's a great Cosell, and I grew up watching him on Monday Night Football. I was watching when he made his last appearance after the monkey comment. I do remember, yes, there was the, the monkey comment got him a little bit in trouble. Uh, which he used it on other players, too, that weren't necessarily, uh, I don't think he meant in that way, but it got him in trouble at the time. But uh, I like me some Cassell, man. He's one of the originators, and uh, you have a distinct voice, you know. I, it's just, it always stuck with me, especially growing up. And I was a little bit, at that point, just getting out of the age of Cosell leaving, but even then, you still heard him. You, it just stands out, and it, it fixes in your mind. So, yeah, it's like Steven Jackson. You know? Whoa, Nelly, we got ourselves a barn burner today, folks. You know, kind of, they got those, kind of the announcers today don't quite have, they, they, they can definitely do the job and, and get you through the play-by-play, but there isn't that signature voice as much anymore, is there? You know, they kind of get you in that way. And I love with Cosell, and I can certainly relate to this when you do play-by-play, like when I've been doing the play-by-play during the season. It's very easy to sometimes get and fit yourself into words, just the same old words and stuff. And with that guy, he always had the vocabulary where he's always looking for the $10 word to apply that may or may not need to be applied there, but at least kind of changed you up out of the out of the flow of the normal verbiage that you tend to hear. And I just, I love the way he always would come find some big, big old word, you know. He exacerbated the situation in a way that saw him not become drafted in the first round. We'll do a stream someday of all Howard all the time. Why do I say the trade-up I could see Seattle doing is with Arizona? They have more than one quarterback they like. If Arizona still thinks they will get the guy they would like, take it five. 37 might do it. Whew, that would hurt to trade up like that. But yep, you're right. You're right.
Kelly, yes, when he's thinner. On oh yeah, on uh, Derek Hall. Yeah, he looks just like him. Just like. Why do I says, let's agree to the rule. To be a hidden gem, he needs to be thought of as a day three guy. This will save confusion. Thank you for your time. Yeah, I agree. That sounds right. That sounds right. Nolan Arvance watching some running backs. Deuce Vaughn looks like he has some juice. He does. I love Deuce Vaughn. I think he reminds me a lot of like a Darren Sproles type guy to me. Fun, fun guy. Fun, fun guy. Uh, Adrian X, another $2 donation from Adrian X. Thank you for all the donations tonight, Adrian. You're very, very nice. Uh, he says, thoughts on UCLA's DTR and Bobo as late picks. I, I think I've firmly come to establish, and this is an important thing to think about because I think we are fitting to a little bit of the blueprint from 2012, that if you're going to do that, then maybe we very well try to look in the third or fourth round at a quarterback that you bring in who's taking up essentially about the same portion of the salary cap Russ was taking up in order to accommodate and build up the rest of the team around them. The guy that stands out to me, I think, above anybody else in this draft that fits that mold is probably Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Hendon Hooker may be kind of in that same territory as well, though a bit of a different player, whereas Dorian's got a little bit of that same undersized, yet does have a big arm and has got the mobility stuff going for him. So if you were wanting to look to replicate that blueprint and, and replicate it pure Adrian X, then I think that going that route with a with a DTR would make a lot of sense for the Seahawks. Um, and and again, this is their mode. They had this success before. Why not go back down this road once again? Why not go exactly down the same path you took before when it brought you to back-to-back Super Bowls? Uh, Bobo is one of my guys in this draft. Jake Bobo, the uh, he's a kind of a slot, big slot guy, basically. Um, and I I love how uh, physical he is at the catch point. Um, I love how you can't rattle him off. He's going to make the catch. Even if you're, you're knocking him around, jostling him, he's got PI. He don't care. He's going to catch the ball. I liked his routes for as big a guy as he is. I liked, I liked how he got off the stem of the route and, and could break. I liked what a red zone threat he was. He'd be kind of a unique guy to be able to add to this team. But I do think that he's a guy that probably goes, that would be maybe more of like a hidden gem type where he's going to go fifth round. Um, but boy, I did like what he brought, and I thought he was a little bit unique in a in a in a receiving class that has a lot of short kind of guys to it. Bobo was one guy, you know, fourth, fifth round that actually gives you some legitimate size to the position. So on both of them, I'm actually pretty high on both of these two guys. None are elite prospects, um, but certainly Dorian could make a lot of sense for the Seahawks. And he already knows how to do that distributing stuff, being in Chip Kelly's offense. He already knows how to just get the ball out of your hands, get here, get there. We're going to manufacture stuff for you within this. You're not going to be standing back there doing seven-step drops, having to scan the field and go through progressions. You know, Seattle wouldn't do that with him. But I like them both, man. Good players. Bobo is very fun for me. He's one of my guys. Uh, Chase with a $10 donation. Thank you, Chase. Very kind of you, brother. Appreciate you. He says, I really want Anthony Richardson. I loved him ever since the beginning of last year, but at the same time, I want Levis so I can call the Niners stadium Levis, Levi Levis's stadium. <laughs> That's right. It's not Niners stadium. It's Levis stadium. We own this now. Our name's on it. Uh, hey, I'm getting torn on both these guys too. And he's raising up on my board chase in an equivalent fashion. I would say is, um, is is Richardson where he's starting to go. I'm starting to go, well, wait a minute here. Hold on. Let me look at this a little bit more differently. 
And I didn't quite expect him. I, I thought he'd have a good combine. I know for a long time I've been saying he should run a 4-4. I don't know if I actually thought he was going to run a 4-4 in the way he did and, that, and, and really land that as he did and, and knocked it out the park and then jumped 41 inches and you know, go, oh, whoa. Like I said, I, I didn't know he was a 99 percentile athlete. I thought he was at least a 90th percentile athlete. I didn't know he was a 99 percentile athlete for the position. That's that's got me in kind of a different place with this just a tiny bit, or it's got me raising him up the board a little bit, Chase, and making me more open to the thought process of of him at number five. Um, but both are really good players, Chase, and I'll tell you this, if we end up with one or the other, I'll have a big, huge chest sigh or grin smile on my face, regardless of which one we pick. They're They're both very good players. Uh, Andrew Redchenko with a $2 donation says, you got a Chris Collinsworth impression by any chance? Oh man, I wish I did. I don't, I, I don't have a good Chris Collinsworth one. I can't just not enough of a signature to work off of for me. I mean, his voice is certainly, you know, it when you're hearing it and he's, and he's pretty good at what he does. Um, but just not something I can, sometimes it's a cadence I got to be able to tap into or a certain tone to where the height goes, but he's just got kind of that professional style where you're just going to, that was a that was a great hit by that guy. Just look at this guy. Just see what he's doing. You know, it's just a little bit too much close and kind of Kane's probably to what I do naturally. So I'll try to see if I can work on that one a little bit. I got a couple that are in uh, that I'm trying to go through. Like I'm trying to work on my Charles. You know, this I'll tell you this combine was this was terrible. This was a terrible combine. I never seen a combine this bad in so many years. They might well have this combine down in San Antonio. And I, I'm very good. Uh, Charles, but I got a few I'm working on right now. Got a few. So he was asking me to do a Jordan Peterson. I've been trying to do that one a little bit more if I can. Why would you even do that? Why would you want to even draft down there to combine from that? It goes a little bit too much Canadian though. Brian Myers says, deuce round, round four, what a weapon. That would, he would be a great weapon. Pure third round, third down back for you then at that point, but it'd be awesome. Uh, Andrew, thank you for the $2 donation though again. And Chase, thank you for the 10. Appreciate you guys. Daddy the best. Uh, Daddy the bestest. I'm feeling the quarterbacks have done enough for three to go in the top five. That leaves Carter or Anderson for us. I was for Carter, but now I'm Anderson. Safer bet. Logical, reasonable. Well, well concluded, Daddy. Well concluded. Chicken God says, I could see the Dolphins making an aggressive play for Geno. I could see a couple of teams doing it, but they could be a team that'd be at the forefront of it. Sure. Uh, Brian Myers, uh, thoughts on Isaiah Land? I don't think I've looked at him yet. Let me double check. I think he's on my list, but I just got done with like 15 players the last couple of days. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite have him up on my, uh, 
my review yet, Brian, but I will, let me get him on my other list here of guys. They'll be my next guys I take a look at because he definitely is one I want to see. Land, got him. I'll take a look at him. Daddy says, uh, Daddy the Bestest says, I'm also for letting Gino walk. I feel many quarterbacks could benefit in this offense. Agreed, man. Especially when the price goes too high, right? You know, the price, once the price goes too high, you got to be willing to walk away. No matter what deal you're getting into. Always got to be willing to walk away or you're going to get yourself raked over the coals. Whitey Y says, if Seattle tags Gino, this is how I think it will go. Gino doesn't sign just to keep his rights. They then when free agency starts, give him the okay to find a trade partner. Agreed. I don't even think you have to wait till free agency. Why do I? You could let him go find a trade partner right now if that was their intent. I think that that in itself probably tells you why do I that there's a little bit of a lack of a willingness to maybe use the franchise tag at this point and that we haven't heard any rumors of that happening. So, and if they're just planning on letting him hit free agency at that point, then you would expect not to hear those rumors as we're not. Spencer says, first name Joey Porter brought up when asked who he models his game after was Richard Sherman. This was his combine interview. Top 10, quite rich for me, but Porter at 20, I could be convinced. Certainly, certainly. Uh, Anywhere in the teens with Porter probably makes a little more sense for me. And he is at, I think I'm, for me, he's sitting like number two or three is my corner in this draft. So very good player, unique in this draft and that he's actually got some legitimate size and length to him. So, you know, Sherman comps are pretty, pretty apropos. He does not have Sherman's hands. So he's not taking away the football. He can track it. He can knock it away. He can break it up, but he is not intercepting any footballs at the next level with any kind of frequency. Uh, Henry Martinez, thoughts on Jalen Moreno Cropper? Sorry, man, I have not seen Jalen uh, Moreno yet. I'm about through about 160, 170 names on the draft so far, but still going to start to get through now these third, fourth, fifth round guys. But I'll add him to my list. Another guy I'll definitely take a look at. Julian says, uh, my two draft crushes are AR-15 and Darnell Washington. Those are good draft crushes, man. Solid players. I want them bad, so bad. I get it, man. You're right to want them that bad. Those are two of the better players in this draft. Um, maybe two, two of your top 15 players in this draft to where, you know, varying levels of where people would see them. But I'd love it if we did, man. I'd be stoked if we got came out of here with either of those two guys. Donnie Pearson at the Hawks Nest. Hello, Brandon and all. Hope everyone is well this evening, despite the passing of legendary actor Tom Sizemore two evenings ago. Yes. Too bad for Tom on that. Uh, definitely a great actor in his time. A bit of a, you know, you always knew you're getting a live wire with Tom when he's in, when he's on the cast. Uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately passed at 61 years old. Hey, good to see you in here, Donnie, though. Hope you're having a good night. Why do I? Seattle does not have to draft a cornerback. They could draft a safety and use him at the nickel. The Then Kobe moves to his natural spot and outside and compete with Trey. Sidney Brown would be a great fit. He'd be a beautiful fit. And I agree, why do I? We don't necessarily have to go with a cornerback at this point. I'd be shocked to see the Seahawks take a cornerback in the first round while Coach Carroll is here. Uh, Wild Thang Music says Bryce Young equals Charlie Ward. 
I like that comp. I like that comp a lot, man. It's good. Yeah, that fits. John Renault, the combine sold me on the Seahawks taking a quarterback at number five. I think this is a rare chance to get a franchise caliber quarterback. What quarterbacks would you be cool with taking at five? I, I, I'm with, with you, Sean. I think that, that everybody kind of um, reinforced that they, that they are deserving of being up in there. I like all of the guys. Levis, Stroud, Richardson, all those guys kind of fall into a kind of a similar place for me for varying different reasons and levels. And you, we could pick them all apart at the end of the day, Sean, they're top 10 quarterbacks in, you know, in a draft, you know? So it's, I do like all of them. I'd be happy with any of them at five. I'm not as much on board with the Bryce Young talk. I just don't think he's going to sustain or stay upright. And if we're sitting there picking him at five, I'm going to be a little bit less enthused by making that selection at that given spot. But um, I do like these guys too. Spencer says Nolan Smith sounds and carries himself so much like Tyler Lockett put together. That dude takes a hyper logical approach to the game of football. I was highly impressed by his interviews and measurables. Rightfully so. He was one of the more impressive players, I think, in this whole combine experience. Michael YT, not football related, but how do you all feel about Jared Kelnick? I know it's only spring, but he already has four home runs, most of the team. The reports we've been hearing throughout the offseason is that Kelnick was working hard, doing all of the hard, grindy work you got to do to try to improve yourself. And with this kid, he's got the work ethic, he's got the will to want, and he's got the natural talent. And to me, when you got that together, then your chances are better than not that it is going to come together. Maybe it takes a little bit more time than people would like on their internal clocks for him. But I've certainly said this is for their best opportunity to get to the World Series this year. It's not going out there and finding that big swing trade that you go and make. It is that Jared Kelnick just develops into what they thought he was going to be a couple of years ago. That, that can get you to the World Series. That one single factor in itself with all the rest that you've done in itself. But that has to kind of come to be. Brian Myers, Nolan Smith, Hassan Reddick is the comp. That's, that's the straightforward, definite comp between the two guys. Greg Kemp says, Brandon, what are your thoughts on Brian Branch Combine? Only 5'11", 190 with a 30-inch 30 30 inch arms and 4.58 speed. I know you really like him. There are going to be players, Greg, that I think that you just can't really let the Combine numbers be the thing that runs you out. At the end of the day, you flip on the tape, and are they difference makers on the tape? And if they are at that point, it sort of does neutralize to a degree at that spot necessarily middling combine numbers when you talk about the length for cornerbacks greg you you need it on the outside but if you have the inside guys with a little bit slighter arms that's not as much of a problem for you it's the outside guys that have got to be the 32 inch arms 32 inch long arm guys his as i understand it his 10 yard split was really good and that's really what you want to concentrate to me on when you look at um when you look at the slot guys because all of that stuff is short area burst short area quickness so he's got a 1-5-6, 10-yard um, split at that size. And when you look at some of the other guys in this draft that, that might have ran like super, super, well, super faster 40s, you know, you've got Darius Rush, 1-5-1. It's a little bit faster, but he ran also a 4-3-6, um, a right? Emmanuel Forbes runs a 4-3-5. He's got a 1-4-8, so that's a lot faster. So there's a little bit of concern to a tiny degree, I guess, on the burst, but still good enough burst. And at the end of the day, he was also the best tackling corner in this draft, which isn't going to show up in uh, in the testing numbers. But you turn on the tape, he's got ball skills. He can intercept the ball. He can play like a de facto linebacker as a slot corner. He is one of my top 
12 guys, 13 guys in this draft just purely. And I'm not going to look at this with a lot of guys this way, Greg, where I would overlook this. But when I look at two guys that stand out to me that had poor combine performances that I won't quite let allow for me to whack them and knock them down on the board because it's not elite numbers I'm seeing from them would be Brian Branch and would be um, Jair Brown of Penn State. Christopher Smith would be another guy. These are three guys that I wouldn't necessarily ding in that fashion. You know, and if you're looking at him long term, Greg, too, about, you know, long term outlook is maybe him becoming just a full time strong safety. Those numbers are perfectly perfectly fine, perfectly legitimate for strong safety numbers, I would say. A little light, maybe, but a little small, maybe, but he plays, he plays like he's just too good, too good to deny. Why do I, oh yes, uh, we haven't talked about Brian Brian Young, Edge from Tennessee. The cat is bendy and explosive. He might be an option if Seattle uh, and had not drafted an Edge by 51 if he's still there. He might be. He's going to go up boards with a really good combine performance, no doubt about that. But uh, I haven't had a chance to look at him. I looked at the other Byron Young. Uh, he's Byron Young of the other the Alabama kids. So he's another guy next kind of on my list to look at. So many players. So many players. Stoyan. Do you think Nolan Smith or Trenton Simpson will be there at 20, Brandon? I do think uh, both of those guys will be there, and I would prefer Trenton Simpson. But I think they'll both be there at 20. Smith, for sure, will be there at 20. Simpson, maybe. 60-40, he's there. Spencer says tweener pass rushing linebackers are the truth. It's a huge part of why Carroll wants to transition to a three, four in some form. I'd imagine for sure. CJ Kersman says, Brandon, assuming he is hundred percent healthy and ready to roll. Do you think Lance starts week one for the Niners? Purdy is a great story and everything, but they kind of have to stick with Lance. What do you think? I think Niners eventually tried to do a Hail Mary pass to Tom Brady at some point this offseason when they realized their quarterback situation is as it is. I, I think that there's there's that, or then the second likelihood scenario to me, CJ, is that they go and they sign Matt Ryan and they have Matt Ryan and Trey Lance compete and then let the best man win. I don't think they're just going to roll and hope that Pur- Purdy comes back and, and then it's Purdy or Lance and they're just going to make that what it is. Um, Lance has got the, he's got the clear path, right? He's got the pole position, but they're going to certainly get him some competition aside from Purdy, who I think is pretty much at this point going to have probably for the most part, a lot, a lost season next year. I, you know, what you're hearing on the reports of that is that it's, it's was going to be long odds anyway. And it's getting even longer with the more news we hear about that. I think this is my favorite clip of Cassell is him broadcasting with hero Vin Scully together in booth. Epic. That is an Epic trio there. I can listen to those guys talk all day. Wax poetic. Kelly Houghton says, do you think Arizona will trade down? I, it's hard to kind of gauge quite on this one, Kelly, because I do think that there are going to be three picks taken ahead of, I do think three picks get taken or three quarterbacks in the first four picks. Where those go, though, is hard to say. Um, I would think that they would look to trade down, Kelly, I would that they want to try to add more picks, more ammunition. They need to go more. They've got a defensive-minded coach they brought in. They certainly want to look to improve their defense. 
And so I think that would be adding more picks. But I also, Kelly, th- see the same thing about Chicago. And if, if I think Chicago is going to trade first, Kelly, do I think four quarterbacks would be taken in the first four picks? Uh, which I know Arizona's at three, so that doesn't have to happen that way. But it's kind of hard to say. I, the door's open there for them to do it. But if Chicago moves out, Kelly, I think that probably, I don't know if that would more solidify or weaken the chance that they do move at that point. I'm not, I, I feel good that Chicago's moving. I'm not as certain on Arizona, Kelly, to be honest. I'm sorry. I'm on the fence on this one a little bit with them. I don't have a feel for what they're doing exactly. Keen Rodriguez is John Michael Schmitz, your top center. He is my top center, and he's my top center by a fairly wide, wide margin. There's some good quality centers in this draft, but he's the guy that is the schematic fit, the most talented, the best top end. Uh, I don't see star potential with the guy, but I do see a guy that would be really, really, would fit really, really well. Jessica Gunn says DTR is not a starter. He would be a perfect backup to Lamar or Fields, a quarterback who can run. Maybe not. Like I said, this is a little bit for me about the, 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 the designs of fitting back to the blueprint for me, Justin. You know, and the same things you're saying about DTR not being a starter is the same thing that they said about Russell Wilson coming out too, right? Which is why he was a third round pick. Um, they will be limited. DTR would be limited if he was a full-time starter. But if you want to take that hurt, that approach, like I'm talking about, there is an approach to be taken where you take him and use your cheap quarterback and, you know, he's not setting the world on fire, but you're not asking him to do so as well. Justin says, I, I like even with the minimal screen space, Pumpkin still has to get in the shot. She does. She knows she's the true star here. She knows what's up. Megan says, don't forget, B, you need major work on your Aussie accent, which still sucks royally. Oh, I know. It does, Danny. Danny. Donny Megs. Donny Megs. I even know Aussies call you Megs. That's the Aussie way. Donny Megs. <laughs> uh, Jonah says, some great numbers from some of these linebackers, and that's what we need. Boy, did we ever, Jonah, because the tape wasn't great with them. So at least we got some numbers to go back on a little bit. I'm so happy with that. And their speed for their edge is speed for days. There is edge edges can get up and move in this draft, man. You're right. Very exciting on both those two ends of things. Chris Peck says it depends on what you mean by the draft. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> why, why do I so much of the finding where Richardson's development is will be something fans never see the team interviews, how well he knows offensive concepts, how well he reads D Watch for talk of how these go. Great point, man. Certainly the, the, the interviews will, will weigh in and measure much more weightily towards Richardson as much as any quarterback in this draft because of that, to your point. Uh, Wild Thing Music says, Hawks draft Will Anderson equals Super Bowl Seahawks. I like it, man. I, not, I don't like it. I love it. Let's go. Justin Goins was Zach Wilson, two or three. He was two. Uh, M. Kitterman, I don't think any pick will get me as excited as hearing Anthony Richardson's name at number five. Albeit, it's certainly not the safest pick. Hey, it will get you excited. I'll be there right there with it. 
I've said though this with a little bit on a couple of different occasions for me. It's a couple of guys here that'll get me very excited. This is not one of those picks where it's like I see the road to hell. It's like there's so many roads to heaven on this pick for me in a lot of respects. But Richardson's emerged as that guy that it's certainly not one where I go, well, I got to talk my end to understanding it. And well, once we were patient and we wait for him to develop, well, once, no, he's, he's exciting. He's, it's certainly noteworthy of them jumping on him to be like, look, this is, we just got maybe the most talented quarterback in this draft. How do you not get excited by that? You know, I'm with it. Megan says, excuse my ignorance, but who is Leaf? Leaf is a guy by the name of Ryan Leaf. Um, we've only had a couple of really great quarterbacks out of Washington State that have been high picks making. You have Drew Bledsoe and Ryan Leaf, and I know there's some old heads that will bring up some old guy that was back in the day, but Leaf was one of those guys. Leaf was a guy that went in the draft with Peyton Manning, and there was a legit time at the time when he was in the Peyton Manning draft, Megan, where some people thought leading up to that draft he would actually get picked ahead of Manning because Manning was the guy with the cerebral mindset who had an okay arm. Leaf was the guy that could throw at 75 yards, had all the size to him, maybe could move even a little bit better than Peyton could. But Leaf had some problems going on upstairs a little bit and some personal issues. BK voiceover. Happy combine week, Brando. Thank you, man. I'm a hog. I'm a hog and a hog and mud this week. Hope everything's going well. It is indeed. Maybe uh, you can help me with what's driving the Van Ness hype. Lived 15 minutes from Kinnick and watched every Iowa game this season. Help me out. Uh, I was actually open in your at the start of that when you pushed Ness in there that you were going to talk me into it. He's one of those prospects, and, and there's always prospects every year that this happens to me on that people become over the moon on and they love. And, they, and I always tell people, I say it like this. This, was, this could be one that I'm just wrong on, that I've watched the tape on, who I'm just missing the boat with, um, that is certainly this exciting prospect everyone talks about that I just don't get it. You know, there are always, when you watch 250 prospects, 270 prospects, even when there are really prime guys that a lot of people can see are true grade A prime prospects, there's always going to be the guys we all have that we see that we go, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see it. Why? What, what is the, what, what, what is this? When it comes to Van Ness from the start and watching his tape, I've been in the same place that you've been on this, BK, and that he has no suddenness. He has not really a lot of dip and not really a lot of bend. He wins with power. And I have a rule of thumb on guys that are edge rushers in college or even interior guys in college, that if they win with power and that they really win solely with power, and to me, he's a power stack and shed guy. He's going to look to jack you up and then toss you aside. You know, that's what he's trying to do. And I just don't think that that translates as well to the NFL level when there are so many people that are so strong. And his testing numbers were pretty good at the combine this week. But people talk about him like he's, he's you know, edge two in this draft behind Anderson. And I, to me, I'm still in a place of like second round. You know, he's a high motor, try hard guy. He's a rally to the ball guy. You know, he's got some things he offers and brings, but I don't see the elite talent that a lot of people are talking about here, BK. So we're, we're kind of in alignment on this one. I can't talk you into it because I'm not quite there. JRG says, I did a mock draft. Will Levis, number five, 197 Stenson Benton. Benton? Bennett? Oh, you went hard with the quarterback. Okay. I like it. It's going to be a good, good draft. You need a couple of quarterbacks here. J.O. says, Anthony Richardson's sideline throws didn't look great, but his deep balls looked nice. 
Correct. Yeah, he did have some issues on the sideline throws. I thought he just got a little bit lazy in his footwork. You know, his feet got up on his toes, got a little bit drifting back on some of those sideline throws. It's correctable. There wasn't a flaw in his delivery causing it. And you know, that's not a knife. That's a knife. Weston Baylor says, uh, yo, have you seen the list of guys we visited with? Dayon Henley, Celie Ringo, J.L. Skinner, Mike Morris, Julius Brents, Michael Wilson, John Michael Schmitz, and Zach Charbonnet, and Anthony Richardson. That's a hell of a list, Weston. What I like about that list is I love all those guys. None of those guys do we pick that I say, man, I don't like that pick. Man, that pick doesn't make any sense. That's not a fit. Um, even the case of Julius Brents, who I'm not as high on, at least that's just a pure physical background, zone fluency, you know, uh, all that stuff kind of fit for what the Seahawks look for in the corner position. So love it, man. Love all those guys they, they mentioned. And yeah, I've heard a few of those names. I didn't hear that we got with AR-15, but that's great to hear. I would expect them to do that though with meeting with AR-15, even if they weren't interested, just to draw the, you know, folks up behind us that might be wanting to try to trade up for him going, well, we better get up to Seattle if we want this guy because they definitely intend to pick him if he's there. TGC Nave says, thoughts on Trey Palmer running a 4-3-3-40? Should have been faster. NFL added time to it. Ooh. Uh, I have him on my list. I haven't looked at him yet, TGC. So I do need to take a glance at T Trey Palmer. But the fact he ran the time he did was eye-opening with so many receivers running as slow as they were in this combine, especially for the undersized guys that you expected to be a lot more fleeter of foot. So I'll be taking a look at Trey Palmer this week. He's going to be one of my, my next guys to take a look at. Um, and I'm hoping maybe he can round out this wide receiver class a little bit better than where it is right now. Will Valdez, here's a scenario. Bryce Young falls to five with Stroud, Levis, and Richardson off the board. Do you ask for a King's ransom in a trade? Yes, 100% I do. Sean Renault, so th thoughts on Lucas Van Ness? So yeah, I just kind of put those thoughts out there just now. Sean, you know, just not, not sudden, not a dipper, not a bender. You know, he's some of the natural, pure things you want from an edge rusher, he's not going to have. Um, and I just think that a, a high motor guy with good strength is only going to give you so much at the next level. My memory, my memory bank goes back on this one to, uh, you know, a guy like uh, LJ Collier, who, you know, kind of same issues going on there. A guy that won only with power at the college level. You know, that's going to dissipate when you get to the pro side of things. I could be just missing the boat on Van Ness, though. I will acknowledge that because I tend to be on, on my own little boat out in the middle of the ocean on this one. Everybody else that seems to be looking at his tape really, really likes the guy. Why do I say Trent Simpson is my middle linebacker one? Mine too. I thought of Jack Campbell there, but Simpson is just more attack mode linebacker. Agreed. I think you got those guys rightly aligned. Kelly, may I ask what Jer how Jerry feels? Oh, I'll tell you about. It. I'll tell you about that now. All right. Let me tell you something right now, Kelly. All right. You might be thinking out there, Kelly, my cowboy team is gonna be sitting up there about twenty six. We're not trading up in the draft, okay? That's what you're thinking. This is America's team. We don't sit twenty six. That ain't the American way. That ain't the cowboy way. That ain't the Jerry Jones way, Kelly. All right. Here's what I'm gonna do now. I'm going to call you little John Schneider. I'm going to pick up and say, hey, Johnny boy, you up there on the line there, Johnny boy? He's going to say, yeah. I'm going to say to him and say, hey, Mr. Schneider, I just want to let you know now, when you come to cowboy country, 
When are you going to come be a Cowboy general manager? When are you going to be America's team's general manager? And John's going to be over there, and he's going to be blushing a little bit there, Kelly, okay? Because he wants to come to Cowboys. He needs to come to Cowboys. He just knows the blowback's too much, all right? A little bit too much of blowback now. You come out to Texas now, there's going to be a little bit of blowback. You put Jerry and John together, and you look out, okay? You look out. I'm going to tell him to do a little bit here and there, but he's going to be good. I said, John, when you come to Cowboys, he's going to say, I can't come quite yet. I said, I understand, John. But in the interim, in the interim, why don't you help our Cowboys out a little bit? Our Cowboys out a little bit. Why don't you make us a little trade? Because we won't come up from 26. And John is going to blush again, right? He's going to look down at the floor there because he's talking to a Cowboy. <laughs> he knows that. He's going to say, I got to get a price down there, Jerry. And I'll tell him, I said, I said, John, John, Texas pays the price. We paid the price. You know how much I paid for Jerry's world? You know what that cost me? You know how much debt I had to go in for that? We're going to pay the price now. We're going to pay the price now. You give me that pick, though. You give me that pick. And remember, you're going to be my general manager down the road. And he's going to go, you got me, Jerry. You got me. So don't you worry about this draft now, Kelly. Cowboys are coming back up. We're going to come trade up in this draft. We're going to get the best player in this draft. Up at number five. Seattle Seahawks pick. And your team, you're going back to 26. I just got to talk Johnny into it. That's all. Cowboys boom back. Number one team, Merrick's team. And you know, it says rumor is, uh, rumor has it that Carter has a drinking problem. That's not good. Greg Kemp says, Brandon, I agree with you on those guys. Like Diggs, who didn't test great either, instinct and awareness can make up for it. I think that they, they can also. Yeah, I think there are those guys that are like that for me, Greg. And it's, it's something that's hard to apply because it's arbitrary. You know, it's very easy to take one player and say like, oh, I'm going to overlook it because I just like the tape so much on this guy. But I, I think when you talk about these guys that we speak upon or a Brian Branch type, there's some ancillary statistics that also point to this. You know, PFF will tell you he's the best tackling cornerback in this draft. They'll tell you his coverage skills are great. I can watch the tape and see him intercepting passes where he's jumping around. He ain't lucking into the interception. He's literally spotting something, reading it, and jumping it, you know, pulling the trigger. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it, I, I, I try not to apply that all the time because you do need to see the testing numbers with these guys, Greg, especially at the small-time school guys or the guys at lower conferences playing against lesser competition. You certainly want the numbers to back stuff up like that. But you give me an, Al- you give me an Alabama kid that's already been playing against the best of the best and showing me on tape, and then the scores, testing scores come in a little low, eh, not the worst thing in the world, right? 1023, I see Sean Payton at the Combine. Their draft picks are at the bottom laughing out loud. Yeah, they don't have any picks. He's looking longingly more than anything else. He's like, huh. uh, Megan says, B, I'm still annoyed at you for Carter and Jay-Z, Jimmy Zorn, and the only person who calls me Megs, as in Auntie Megs is Ollie. And my brother, as it was my grandmother's nickname, her name was uh, Margaret. Okay. Well, you know, I figured, I figured Megs, it's, it makes feels like, it feels like it, it rolls off the tongue with that Australian accent a little bit, you know? It just, it just does. And I know I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my heat for the Carter. It won't be the first time. Risen Richardson looks like a top three pick just from the combine. He's going to be like Mahomes, not strong college stats, but superstar potential. 
I like it, man. He's got that potential. He does, Risen. I think Mahomes is a little closer to showing it to you coming out. But uh, there were rough edges around Mahomes' game too, right? Reason he wasn't a top five pick coming out of that draft. It's a good comp. Seahawks blue and green. Leaf Ryan Leaf was a monster at Washington State. He was he was scary as hell, man. Scary as hell. He there's legit. He was legit for being picked number two overall. Washington State between Bledsoe and Leaf have churned a couple of guys out that just absolutely can let that ball rip like few few ever have coming out of college. Prison says, Will McDonald looks so impressive, especially having a 103-degree fever the day prior. I'd like him on the Hawks. I certainly could see him fitting on the Hawks, man. And if you notice on my mock, my John Schneider mock that I ran today, I had that with being our second pick after we traded back a couple times, was indeed Will McDonald. Corey Olson, thank you for the $2 donation. I do appreciate you on that. He says, I think we have to get, I, I, I think we have to get used to Levis or Young at number five. Possibly, Corey. Possibly. I think Young goes top three, though, man, Corey. I think the fact that Young didn't throw, whereas Stroud threw and Levis threw and Anthony Richardson threw, but you noticed Young didn't throw, I think that that's because he knows he's going to go in the top three. But Levis there at number five very well could be the real possibility that we're looking at here in this scenario. It very well could be. I could see it too, Corey. Risen says, I don't know why everyone thinks Levis is a top five quarterback. I really don't get it. You're not alone, man. There's a lot of people that just don't with him. Um, and I, I could go through the route and explain it to you on every inch of it, but I don't know that I would convince you any further from where you stand on him. Um, I think he's a divisive prospect and people are kind of in on him or they're out on him. Um, and they expl- they can explain some of the flaws that you might see on tape of them, or you, you don't stand for those explanations and think that that's what should neutralize him as a top end prospect. But that seems to be where the divide is kind of at on that. Kelly says, who was the other 99 percentile? Do you happen to know? Robert Griffin. At the quarterback position, Kelly, in NFL history, testing-wise, it was Griffin. He was the other 99 percentile guy. Mark Harper-Gorn, I know the answer, but do any of you know what high school and college Ryan Leaf played at? I know the college, but I don't know the high school. Did he play, was he Montana? High school? I want to say. North Bend, 12th Man, C-Town with seven... Seven thumbs downs? Why seven thumbs downs, man? Weston says, exactly. Obviously, we won't get many of those guys, but I just love that you can see where their head is at. Looking for guys with swagger. It's one thing I miss about the LOB, the swagger. That's right, man. I do miss those. It's been out of this defense for a while. A little bit of that kind of ferocious spirit to it a little bit, right? Yeah, you're right. It has been missing for a while. A little bit to me, kind of Boy Scouts at times on defense. Jacob Haas is out of curiosity. Has there ever been any sort of cheating in the combine in the past? I've heard players do some shenanigans 
like get stuff in their pockets when they're being weighed, if they're trying to get their weight up. Um, but I don't think I've ever heard of anything out and out that, that jumps out to me. And Weston, I love those list of guys, man. Those are good guys they're, they're, meeting, with, they're meeting with. Their head's in the right place. That tells me going into the, going into the draft space. Mark Cowbell, come on. Uh, 10 23, I feel like John will draft Hooker with the 20th pick. Whew. Whew. Maybe. Maybe a bit high. I think they'd be a bit high. Risen says if Bijan Robinson is at 20, am I the only one who wants him? I want canine healthy and less pressure on him. Uh, I'd be weird there with you on it, Risen. Uh, I'd certainly would be on board with it. I think there's going to be a bit of a slice between the chat on who would and who wouldn't, because of course, you know, the positional value of running back right now is a hotly de- debated topic in the uh, football world. But I think he's a difference maker, Risen. I look at him today and and what he's already put on tape, and I go, look, I already thought coming in this draft he was Ladanian Tomlinson 2.0, and now you look at his testing numbers, which really run very much in conjunction with what Ladanian did in, at the combine himself. To me, it's like all day, every day at 20. But there's some people that bristle at that to a higher order. Uh, uh, Quick says, what happened to Drew Sanders? I don't think Drew Sanders tested at the combine. Maybe he's dealing with some injury or something, but he didn't test. So just didn't want to go maybe. Why do I says in Australia, I pulled out a knife. Guy said, that's not a knife. Pulled his out. That's when I saw it was a spoon and called him out. He responded by saying, I see you play knifey, spoony before. He knew your job. Greg says, what happened to that 4-2-4-3 speed people thought Jalen Hyatt had? I'm surprised at 6 foot 175, he had 32 inch long arms though. I knew he wasn't faster than DK, but 4-4 isn't a bad time for him. No, it isn't. I think that you do ding him a little bit for being a little shorter than you'd like to see him at like 6-2 and be running that speed, but he kind of looks like that at Tennessee and kind of his build and length. Maybe that's just the long arms make him look a little bit taller. Um, yep, didn't quite hit that mark, Greg. Didn't quite get there at six foot with the speed at four four where he was, which is still fast, but it's not blazing fast. Not that blaze. Jasmine Williams says we need a fullback. Can you research of which player can convert and fill that role, please? kind of hard to see um, in this draft because there's not really a pure fullback in the draft that you would gravitate towards. Uh, you could maybe do it with a tight end, I guess, in this draft if, if you want to try to do that. Um, but nobody that's going to be a pure fit for the fullback position at this point. It's just been kind of moved out of football f- for the most part. Um, I think maybe Sam Laporta could do a little bit for that, do a little bit of that for you. But other other tight ends in this draft, I don't really have anybody that jan- jumps out to me that would be the guy you'd want doing that. And there's not a running back that's really a fullback type either that you would transition in that way in this draft. So I wish I could give you a better uh, example there, but unfortunately, Jasmine, it's just a position that's dying right now, both at the college and the pro level. Why do I say top speed is an overrated luxury for a slot? Um, three cone and, and short shuttle, a much better 
predictor of a good slot to me. Agreed. Agreed. Mark says, never get into a drinking contest with an Aussie because you will get drunk under the table. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Otherwise, if I'm the Bears okay. Uh, so why do I says if I'm the Bears general manager, I try to do the triple trade down and get three 2024 extra firsts and a lot more. Trade with Texan if you can, then trade with Indianapolis, then you can trade with Carolina and New York Jets. Could you imagine the haul? Oh, it'd be insane if they committed to it. Why do I? And I think they should commit to it as much as they can pull off, because they're not going to probably be in this position. Hopefully, from their standpoint, anytime soon again. So take advantage of that. So yeah, I could see him doing it, but it does take the commitment, takes the stones to move back at that point in that way and manner. And few teams are really willing to go that whole hog with it. 1023, I do, I've heard Hooker could return next year too. I don't know if he'd be ready to start right from the jump, but maybe. Uh, Spencer says, Brandon, did you get to, uh, did you, you got to take the, uh, you, Brandon, you got to take the dynamic between Deion Banks and Ja'Cory Bennett. Can you compare and contrast these two guys? Because I like both, but I'm unsure on which fits best. I don't think I've looked at either two guys yet, my guy. So, uh, sorry. Yeah, I've, I know there's a lot of these guys I've, I haven't looked that you guys are mentioning on there. Um, and I swear to God, I'm trying to get through these guys as fast as I possibly can. But, uh, yeah, I just haven't quite, I haven't quite gotten to either of those two guys' names on my list yet, Spencer. Um, they weren't listed as kind of the top guys for me to look at first and foremost in this draft of corners. But... They are next on my list. Um, I've got a pretty good list of going through. I'm going to continue to keep grinding. Um, but yeah, just haven't quite gotten to there on those two guys. I'm sorry. I'll try to have those guys knocked out by the next stream. Marx is up. Brandon, it was Charles M. Russell High School in Great Falls. There we go. I knew it was in Montana. I knew it was right there, somewhere in there, some, somewhere in that level area. Nolan says they just showed the 40-yard dash overlay of Nolan R. Smith, of Nolan Smith, uh, Smokin' D-Hop, and Stefan Diggs. Whoa. Whoa. That's right. Jonah says Toa Toa and Sewell had both excellent interviews and looked good in the combine. I still think they'll be decent linebackers if we need some in the third or the fourth. Yeah. That's where I got them, Jonah. That's good value for those guys there. That's fine in there. Early on, they were being talked about more second or early third, and I think they're more both kind of mid to late third, early fourth range. BK says, when Bryce Young came in at 204, all I could think of was that one fishing competition that got a ton of press after the fishermen, after the fishermen stuffed their fish with lead weights to push their catch over the edge. I thought the same thing, BK. And, and, and my reaction was, oh, okay, you're 205, but now I know, I know there's no way in hell you're going to run your 40 now. There's no way in hell you're doing any testing scores whatsoever. Because you would be a molasses if you did. Because you're probably sitting on 10 pounds of water weight right now. I thought the same thing. thought the exact same thing. I was like, mm-hmm. Interesting. Inudor says, I hear people say no Levis AR, but why exactly? Seems like that take comes from those who don't look into them. 
Levis is, I think, a little bit harder. It's, it, you know, and and I, I, there's probably a little bit of that there in utero. I think there's probably also some of that is that there is some rough tape to him, and people don't want rough tape on guys they're picking top five in a draft, um, which is an okay and understandable kind of standpoint to take on these kind of situations, but it's also not very realistic one in the respect of being applicable to this draft and this circumstance and this situation. So I, Levis has probably been one of the tougher quarterback evaluations in recent history in utero because you wouldn't tend to give as many quarterbacks in recent history, in my opinion, as much benefit of the doubt because of what they are dealing with and what he's dealing with. But indeed, that's the case for a lot of people where they just don't have that that opening to be able to do that a bit with him. And with with in AR's case, it's not being able to necessarily see the the vision, you know? Where is he going to be down the road? Not where he is he is right now. Pedro, what round should we address the linebacker position? Second or third round, Pedro, would probably be the best place to do that. You know, if you're going first round, Simpson. If you're going second round, um, Dan Henley, Drew Sanders, Jack Campbell. You know, if you're going third round, Henry Toa Toa, Noah Sewell, Owen Popoe. Why do I say one of the difference with how people view prospects is those that only look at the last year's tape and those that go and look at a whole career. You go and look at Levis and Anderson in 2021, much different view. Well said. Justin Goins, who had the fastest 40 time amongst the running backs? I think that was Devin Archain came in at the fastest. Let me double check that. Kid's only like 5'9", 185. So, you know, 4'3'2 for Devin Archain. But... Five eight and a half and 188 pounds. It's pretty, pretty slight. I think Gibbs running the four three six is more impressive because he weighs about 10 pounds more than our chain. Greg, Brandon, your thoughts on Jonathan Mingo? Combine six one two twenty three two inch long arms, thirty nine vert, four four six speed, twenty two inch twenty two uh, reps on the bench. I like the senior bowl clips I saw, and I'm going to check him out more now. I know he runs uh, four five. Yeah, I like the thought of Greg. I've watched a little bit of tape with him. I haven't done the deep dive on him. Um, I do like the thought process of him being able to be on the outside where a lot of these guys in this draft are just specifically inside-only cats. So with him, you do get a little bit more of the benefit of him being a little bit more to the outside. Um, There was some stuff where it was a little wonky on tape with him at times. He wasn't always the smoothest in running routes and, and, and how he sort of just naturally catches the football. But uh, explosiveness is there. Speed is there for the most part. Um, I do need to do a little bit more of a deeper dive on him. But I, I think he's going to be a prospect on the rise, especially coming out of this combine with some of that, that unique size versus his con- uh, contemporaries in this draft possessing. Why do I says Nick Lord just called me and wants the address of the person that said Seattle doesn't have a fullback. <laughs> Jax is pumpkin had a long day. She had a very long day. You know, she had to do some napping early on. Okay. Then around midday, she had to do some more napping. And then early afternoon, it was time for a cat nap. And then late afternoon, that's her long nap time. Okay. That's the deep nap. And right now she's just having the shut eye before before fi- before second dinner. A little shut eye before second dinner. Typical cat stuff. Sean Renault says, if we go quarterback at five, which is my preference, what would be your top three options? My first option would be CJ Stroud. 
Second option would be Will Levis. Third option would be Anthony Richardson. That'd be my one, two, three. Jasmine Williams, what's your favorite amusement park? Wow, great great question there, Jasmine. So I have a favorite amusement park, Jasmine, but I have one that I've always wanted to go check out that I've heard about too that's supposed to be awesome. Um, My favorite would be... um, I'm making sure my answer's right on this one. So my my favorite would be probably the Magic Mountain one down there in LA. Because there's rides on that that scare the hell out of me, which I kind of dig that they go that they go so hard at that that park. Like there's some legit freaky rides, uh, which I like. Um, I do want to. There's a water park in Vegas I've always wanted to go check out. I've heard was awesome, and I'd love to at some point go down to Vegas in the summer and do check out that place because I I forget the name of it, Oasis or some you know some generic name. I don't even know if it's around anymore, but I heard that that was once an, an awesome place to go check out. Admittedly, I haven't been to a lot of amusement parks, though. Uh, Justin Goins, I don't think Branch is going to slip, man. I think he's top 20 still in the first round. Risen says, would you trade back for Cansey even if Carter's available at five? No, Carter's my favorite player in the draft, Risen. So, you know, that's that's my number one guy. If he's available at five, I'm just going to take him. I like Cansey. Cansey's my number two defensive tackle in this draft. So I like him a lot, too. But... Carter's my number one guy in the draft as far as talent-wise goes. And that's on pure talent. I know there's off-the-field stuff. Yeah, Justin Goins, you're not going to worry much about Brian Branch as far as elite speed because he's not an outside corner. He's an inside guy. As somebody else said below, it's more about when you're testing out for a guy that's going to be a slot guy at the next level. It's now more about the short shuttle, right? It's more about the three-cone. Those are the drills you're going to pay attention to in their performance on that. In that respect, Brian Branch is going to be just fine. His long-term outlook outside of being a slot corner is also to be a strong safety. His safety testing numbers would be just fine, especially put it in comparison with the other safeties in this draft and how they test it out. He's right in alignment with, with some of the better ones in this draft. So it won't drop him out. He's a baller, man. He's a baller. He can play. Why do I says I'm a Ducks fan and was stunned by how unathletic Noah Sewell tested I would not draft him now. The only upside he had was being an athlete. He takes poor tackles and doesn't wrap up. I get it, man. Yeah, he definitely didn't shine as much as I quite thought he was going to either. I'm just anticipating he seems the guy that's just going to go for whatever reason. Megan says, Nappy takes a lot out of a cat without salmon treats, Dad. I know, it's true. She's been seven hours without salmon treats. Or sorry, no, five and a half hours without salmon treats. and It's a colossal misstep on my part. Uh, Nagasa, I got to check out Jaron Hall, man. I'm sorry. I've, I've been behind on taking a look at him. I'm, I feel like I get, get through these prospects, but every time I think I'm out, I'm getting a good look at all these guys. I'm like, man, I still have a lot to go on these. <laughs> I still haven't, I have not even begun. Keaton Rodriguez, Josh Downs could be an awesome addition to the wide receiver room. Great contested ball catcher and would give us some more speed. Um... Wanna double check on Josh real quick here, man. Uh, so Josh ran a four four eight forty at five nine and one hundred and seventy one pounds. Um, really good ten yard split at one four nine, but he's hundred and seventy one pounds. Um, and so for me, Keaton, that's the worrisome part here with this is I I, I got a guy that 
Yeah, he's really explosive and quick, but that's a pure slot guy then at the next level if we're getting him. If we're taking him in the second round, that's only slot. And that's fine. He's, he could be a very good slot guy. I love his body control. Like you said, good contested catcher. Um, he's got the quicks you're going to look for out of the slot if he's operating there. But at 5'9", that is purely where he is going to reside moving on into the future. You know, you're not getting a guy that's an heir apparent to Tyler Lockett at that point. You're getting the guy that's the heir apparent to Dwayne Eskridge, which isn't wrong. Uh, Weston Baylor says, Brandon, what's your favorite donut? Mine would be a jelly-filled or apple fritter. I am, uh, I've always been more of a, a pure guy in this respect. I would probably go one to two ways. Uh, but mainly, I like the old maple, maple donut. Maple has always been, for me, one that I've just, I always thought, just, if I ever get donuts, I'm, a maple's going to be in there. No doubt about it. I like, uh, I do like the chocolate with the cream inside. I like that one too. I kind of dig that one as well. Not as much the jelly-filled stuff. I can't do the fruit and fruit and bread most of the time. Justin says, so who does Pumpkin have the Seahawks taking with the fifth pick? We need to solicit the vast knowledge of the great Pumpkin. You are not wrong, Justin. In fact, you're 100% right. I'm already planning this year, Justin, of doing a... Uh, of doing a, 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 the cats pick the schedule, the pack, the, the cats predict the schedule. And so I'm going to set up a hallway at my, at my place here. I'm going to have two names at the end of the hall. We're going to have a cat treat on both of the two names. We're going to start the cat out from the other side of the hall at a neutral place. And then she's going to be picking the games of winner losses for our Hawks this next year based on that. I could kind of do something. I think I could do something else with the, with the players in this draft. So maybe what I'll do is I'll set up three pictures of Levis, Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. And then I'll film this for you guys. Well, not pictures, but we'll put their names on it. And then I'll set her back and I'll see which one she picks and we'll see if she's right about the draft. And if we find her to be right about the draft, then that means she might be able to be right about the schedule and we've got ourselves a psychic cat. There's nothing more powerful in this world than a psychic cat. Look at that face. Just look at that face. The power that resides within this thing. She doesn't even know. Megan says, five and a half hours without treats. How dare you? I know. The grossest of oversteps on my part. Megan, salted caramel donut or anything else be? We don't get salted caramel here, Megan, as a standard. I got to go to a specialty shop for that. So I might love salted caramel, but I don't get it as an option. I'd be all over it though. And he says, Pete and John's conversation after John gets off the phone to Jerry and Pete asks him, you blushing, man? What do you say to you? How does John respond, B? No, it's just the uh, uh, office is cold. I had the window open. It was just Jerry was pissing me off. You know, he's making me mad. And I just, it was, I needed some wind. I need, I need some airflow. I need some goddamn airflow, Pete. Get away from me. It's not, stop it. Stop looking at me. Something like that. Yeah, Pumpkin's definitely going to be looking at the schedule and picking who wins and loses on that. She has psychic abilities with that respect. We'll do it with the draft too. They do have great intuition. They do. Brian's big on the blueberry fritter. There's an, you guys got some ones I've never even had an opportunity to eat before. Where are you getting these specialty donuts, Brian and Megan? Where, where are you finding these Shangri-Las of donut making? Have the Australians mastered the, the donut? Salted caramel. I mean, come on. Let's go. 
Justin Goins, does she get a cut of the winnings? Yeah, but it's, I, you know, you know how they say with elephants, you pay them in peanuts. I pay in salmon treats. She can't handle money, right? Her paws can't handle it. She doesn't have the opposable thumbs. But she's perfectly happy with the salmon treats I pay her. And you can tell by the level of thickness surrounding her that she's she's eating plenty of salmon treats, if you know what I mean. <laughs> she's not going without. Mm-hmm. Megan says, Krispy Kreme, we get it here, dude. Oh, I do I do have a Krispy Kreme down the road. I feel so guilty when I eat there. It's so good, but I feel so guilty afterwards. I just do. It's so tasty though. Weston says, oh, that's right. I remember months ago you said the fruit, fruit and bread ain't my thing. Uh, I love when fruit and pastries combine, but I can see how that could be gross for others. I'm pretty consistent. I can't do it. I can't do it like, you know, something people put pineapple on pizza. I just know fruit, bread and fruit to me need to be separated, kept in separate districts, separate states, separate counties, and none, none should they ever cross. Ethan, the last of us is a good episode. That's good to hear. Uh, Nolan says, not sure why, but I have heard JC mention Drake Young multiple times in his wide receiver conversations. No, he has, Nolan. The team's very high on him. And look, he got more playing time throughout the year. He flashed in preseason. He flashed in preseason doing wide receiver stuff, running true wide receiver routes, creating separation, getting open, um, making the catch to complete the process. Um, and Schneider was asked about who he thought was going to be the rookie of the last class that was going to take the biggest step forward next year. And he mentioned Drake Young. I think it's going to inform them in the way they look at the receiver position and that they may look at the receiver position in a way that it's not as dire of one as some of the other fans look at it as being. You have to come out of this draft with a receiver. They may not feel that way exactly. And uh, especially depending on how they play this in free agency. But they he's absolutely not just blowing smoke at that point, Nolan. He's He is high on this guy. Uh, Connor Oshlager, thank you for the $2 donation, Connor. I do really appreciate it. He says, who's your number one corner in this class? Gonzalez is for me. Well, you are a very smart man, Connor, because you happen to be picking the number one corner in the class who I also see as the number one corner in this class. Yep, I've got currently my corner group looking like this. So Gonzalez is my number one guy. He's just, he's, he's clear. He's easy. He's free. It's, it's, it's very simple looking at him to me, Connor and going, that's it. I know it's there. Um, I think he, I think he, uh, compares out to a Nakib Talib kind of guy. That's my comp for him. Um, I've got kind of in right near each other. The next three being right, right in the kind of the same grouping should all go right around like mid teens to early twenties. And that's going to be Cam Smith, Devin Witherspoon and Joey Porter Jr. Those would be my next three behind that. And then Sealy Ringo after that. But I love Gonzalez, Connor. It's great great on your part to pick him. I think he's got the best tape. So very keen eye on your part to, to, uh, to pick that one out. Megan says, Pete, being the wise coaching God, he would say, oh, of course, dude. Oh, by the way, you were on speakerphone. <laughs> Nathan Jenkins, I like Seattle taking a receiver in the second round, maybe Downs or Addison. I like Addison at that spot, Nathan. I can't get on board with Downs quite in the second round, really, at the end of the day for me. Not for a slot-only guy and a guy that is a slot-only. I don't think he's on the same level of uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba or Zay Flowers. I think he's a little bit of a rung below those guys from a prospect standpoint. Risen says they have a s'mores donuts. They have s'mores donut at this donut shop nearby me. It's so good. God, you guys are making me hungry for donuts, man. That sounds good too, Risen. 
That sounds real good. Jasmine uh, Williams says, you're really good with impressions. Can you do a, par- uh, do a Bill Parcells? The big tuna? I can't. This is why you lift all them damn weights. Can't quite do it. He's got a little bit of a jersey to him. I've always struggled with jersey. And, and s- subtle jersey. It's easy to do heavy jersey, you know, like gangster jersey. What am I, fucking ASL? What am I? What are you doing with me, my ASL? Oh, what's the problem with me over here? But with, with Parcells, it's a little bit of a lighter on the jersey out, so you got to kind of soft. I've tried it a couple times with them, but not, not quite get there with them. It doesn't get quite, doesn't quite hit my ear right for that one to quite get it. He's a tough one. Ethan says maple bar equals the goat. It is, man. Sometimes the, sometimes the traditional and the old is the way to go. Sometimes they had it solved, you know? Good old traditional. Mega says, I do too, but they are in the major cities, so I get them all that much. So I don't get them all that much. I grab six and eat them with no guilt, ever. Hey, if I get I get a bunch, Megan. If I go, I go hard. You're going to go to the donut shop and you're going to be bad. Be bad, right? Don't just eat one donut. Like, oh, that was, no, you, you need to get three donuts. <laughs> it's no halfway when it comes to donuts. No way. Big Country says, pineapple on pizza is great. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's, oh, dude, no. I wouldn't finish one bite. Swedish Fish says, I think the cat deserves a Seahawks jersey. I think she does too. Want a jersey? You feeling a jersey? She woke up. I have to figure out which one to get her. Who's the most cat-like player on our roster? Nagasa says, "Uh, I just rewatched your Brooks pick reaction. It's so funny, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> didn't keep my emotions too well contained on the Brooks pick. I, I'll give you that one, that one. Hopefully it serves as some, some funny, uh, funny bits at this point for folks watching. But yeah, that was one where I was like, oh man, I'm thinking these uh, draft live streams will be great and I'll be, get some good reactions. And then I just, I'm, I'm totally blown away by the pick as far as like they took that. No, no, no. That was a tough one, man. I stand by my evaluation though. I stand by my draft night evaluation of uh, Jordan Brooks. Risen says, when do pro days start? I'm sure Young will remain top four pick when he shows out at his pro day. I agree. Yeah, he will. Definitely at that point. Pro days are going to be all over the place at this point. They start as soon as the combine ends, they can start randomly anytime. Um, So it's going to be varied all over the board. You just kind of get one. Usually they're going to try to separate them so you don't get some going on at the same time, but it'll be, you'll see it kind of trickle in now a little bit as we go forward. Greg Kemp says, Brandon, do you remember when I asked you about Andre Lazovas? Has he changed your mind after the combine? Not really, because I, I knew that he was going to test really well. I knew from a physical standpoint, he's got a lot of stuff that's really nice. Um, that's not my, you know, kind of worry with him a little bit. Um, as we're talking about these receivers, the one unique thing with him that a little bit talking about, like with Mingo is where you've got a guy above, well above the six foot mark. So he's got the size to play on the outside and certainly four, four, three speed, 39 inch vert, 128 inch broad jump. He's got the explosiveness and all of that. That's there on tape with him, but you know, he's a body catcher. He's not a smooth hands catcher out there. He ran a really limited route tree at a really small, tiny college. Um, I thought going to the senior bowl was going to be a very big, important factor for him uh, more so than other players because of that small, small college experience. And because the tape has some rough spots to it. 
And I didn't think he particularly lit up the, uh, I didn't think he particularly lit up the senior bowl either, Greg, you know, um, the physical ability is there. My comp for him is kind of like a Jermaine curse. I think curse had better hands, but in, in kind of some similar stuff going on between the two of them, I think a little bit, he's probably faster than curses, maybe a little more explosive than curses. Um, but I, I just don't see him as a guy I would take anywhere outside of like the fifth round, really. Maybe fourth round, just because his traits are so good. But I'm really drafting traits then at that point. Space is sweet and spice go so well together. It depends on the sweet, but it can. J.O. says legendary donuts in Covington is the bomb. Oof. I don't think I'm anywhere near Covington though. You guys got these cool donut shops where you live. Spokane has no donut shops. Mega says, I, had a, I never had a Pop-Tart until I got to LA and my friend brought me a box of s'mores Pop-Tarts. I ate them all in one go. The s'mores ones are good. Uh, those are, the, the Pop-Tart s'mores are legit addicting. Not all of the Pop-Tart flavors are great, but that one's, that one's legit. I could see it. I could, I'd take one of those down too, Megan. They're so good. We're taking financial parcels, and that's what we call the, the juice. Justin says that's the proper way to eat Pop-Tarts if we're being honest. <laughs> toaster strudels are cracked too, Justin. I, that's my Pop-Tarts. If I get a toaster strudel, I'm going through that package in a weekend. Maybe a day and a half. Maybe a day and a half. They need to give more uh, frosting though. They're a little bit chintzy with the frosting. Ethan Tech World says, Pete talking to Tariq before the draft. So what happens if a quarterback gets behind you? Tariq, well, coach, that's because I let them get behind me because I'm baiting the quarterback. <laughs> Vagabond says, go all in on the run game. Richardson, the quarterback, pair Richardson with Walker, Washington at tight end. If you want to get freaky with it, give Derek Roll a, a shot in a hybrid wide receiver tight end running fullback role. I would hate to defend it. I would too, Vagabond. I love it, man. It's a, it, it's a strategic direction. It's a firm direction. It's a tactical direction. It ain't you trying to do 10 different things. You just go this approach with it. I'm okay with it, man. Especially if you're able to build up the great defense on the other side of it. That's great. Why do I, this draft is hard for me to be sure that Pete values this draft. Does he want to extend Bobby? Does he want to extend Brooke and sign Bobby? Tight end, does he want to be, yeah, I'm not sure. That was worded weird a little bit. Ethan says, Brandon, kind of disappointed, man. I don't see how Darnell Washington is either in these mocks. How could this happen? We got to move Noah Fant first, Nathan. And that's the part where I'm not certain that we're willing to do that at this point. We're not going to, keep four tight ends on the roster with these guys. So somebody's got to go in order to accommodate Darnell Washington. And until I can kind of find that place at this point, um, I can't quite go that route. I'd love to get him though, man. Don't get me wrong. I, I, all day, every day, Washington's one of my guys. Coming out of this draft would be phenomenal to do so. But Seahawks have never carried four active tight ends on the roster at any given time during Coach Carroll's whole time here. I don't know if they're going to start doing that now. Hard to, pre hard to predict that. Hard to see that. 
You didn't, uh, and you roast maple bars all day. I'm a maple man. I, I love it. Love it. Nick Guzman, how you doing, man? WTC, how many signings in free agency do we make? Uh, WT, it's going to be hard to predict that at this point until we get the Gino domino to fall. Because if Gino signs for $33, $35 million, you're not going to be very active in free agency. If you let Gino walk, you're probably likely to be that much more active in free agency. So it's a a push-pull kind of situation that's all hinging on Gino and whether a deal is signed or not. And I don't know at this point quite yet. We're going to know in another week a lot more clearer with this one. It's only going to be a question mark for that much longer as we get to free agency, but yeah. Weston Baylor says, you've ever had a Persian donut? That sounds interesting. Sounds exotic. Sounds like they got a bunch of flavors I won't even know. Like I haven't ever even, what, what even is that? It's delicious. Persian donut. I got to look that up. Joe Biden's making wish we have no offense sitting around waiting to be cut. Just move him for a fifth. You know, Joe Biden, flip him for a fifth. Uh, fans' money is fully guaranteed, Jack. His contract is fully guaranteed. The money's, but not a bonus money, but yes, last year of his deal, fully guaranteed. Greg Kemp says, thanks, Brandon. I'm struggling to find wide receivers in this draft with under four or five speed and 32 inch long arms. Uh, it's brutal, bro. You're right. You're right to, to be struggling. I'm, I'm same problem that I've had. Part of why I've also thought a little bit of why maybe Michael Wilson with Stanford, Greg, right? Some of these guys we look at that are bigger that might go in that third, fourth round range of you go, eh, you're going more for traits because there are a few guys in this draft with those traits. Michael Wilson, Stanford. Okay. Got the guy at 6'2", 4'5", 840, 37 and a half inch vert, 125 inch broad, right? He does have a little bit of shorter arms at 31 inches, but that's only an inch off what you like ideally on the outside. Maybe he can still do a little bit of that stuff out there without having to reach um, for some of these other guys at the spot. But this is why I don't like this receiver group either as well, to your point on this, is that um, the bottom line on this really is it's not the year to go find an outside receiver in this draft. You want to find a slot only guy? There's a bunch of them, but it, it, it's otherwise it's going to be just too, you're, you're, you're picking through also rands a little bit, secondhand parts. Why do I says this looks like the most athletic group of tight ends I've ever seen. They blew out, they blew out the tests. Uh, I still like Myers as a late, as a option late first. Yeah, he's, he's, I still like him a lot. I still have him in a second round territory myself. So he didn't change anything off his combine. I kind of expected the scores we were going to get from Myers, but you're right. A lot of athletic guys, a lot of guys that can, you know, I, I, tight ends, one of those positions you do like the really early burst that they can give you guys that can give you the five, six yards, really good quickness, even if they're not big, big uh, speed guys, because tight ends so much about the short routes and getting quick separation really fast. Um, and that there's, there's a lot of those guys in this draft that can do that. And it is the strongest tight end draft in years. There's been some weak ones though the last few years. That's not a high high mark to set because the tight end classes have sucked for about three years straight. But this one's a difference, way different. Weston says the Persian is uh, the Persian donut similar to a cinnamon roll. Pretty sure it's deep fried sweet roll and can be frosted or glazed. <sighs> Sounds so good. Why do I say a Persian donut? That sounds like something you have to pay someone to do to you. 
Uh, Upo says, Michael Wilson had a 12% drop rate. That's awful, man. That's not good at all. That's not good at all. You know what? I think we just got to agree we just don't take a wide receiver in this draft. How about we just not? How about we just not this draft? It just ain't, it ain't happening. <laughs> all of them have questions. All of them have got something. I mean, in Michael Wilson's case too, uh, UPO, it's not just the drop rate then. It's also the fact he's been dinged up and played so little football. And yeah. Greg Kemp, uh, the Hawks interviewed Wilson. Great call. Tyree Wilson. That is a great call. Surprising, but it's a good call nonetheless. Uh, Taker610, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, has this become a six-man tier one draft? I think I'd still stay at five, Taker. I can't quite put Richardson into tier one yet because of the fact that you you are getting guys still that is rough as he is. Um, and it will need a little more developmental time if you're wanting to do all the things of a quarterback to normally do. You can certainly structure stuff around him, but um, he's right on the edge, right, Taker? So it, it's kind of like it could go either way with that a little bit. But yeah, I would still, Carter, Anderson, uh, Young, Stroud, Levis are my five right now in tier one. But Richardson's gotten himself closer. He's closer today than he was a week and a half ago to a considerable degree. Thank you for the donations, man. All the donations, Taker. I really do appreciate it. Justin Goyne says, we should do a draft, but only of morning pastries. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Stephen Patel, uh, we might have to do that, actually. Uh, Stephen says, Gino is walking. Do you keep uh, do you keep up with Seaside Joe? He suggests we cannot afford thirty two million a year and pay for the rookies we draft. We could draft. Um, I have heard of Seaside Joe. I haven't read as much on his stuff or looked into as much with that, Stephen. Um, you would be inhibited by by signing Gino to the deal at that point and getting the rookie signed. That part is for true. But Stephen, they could make the deal work in a variety of different ways if they really wanted to do it. You know, it doesn't come down to well, they have to let him walk at thirty two because. They need the money to sign the rookies. They're letting them walk at 32 because they don't want to pay 32 million for a quarterback. That would really be the bottom line of that. Um, a, a supplemental reason could be that this doesn't provide us any flexibility from a cap standpoint to sign them to this contract. And we would like to have that flexibility. But then that, again, to me, just all, the, and maybe I'm being some, more in semantics with this, Stephen, you know, maybe I'm being more like it, the bottom line is kind of the bottom line, however we want to phrase it. But uh, I, I lean into it being more about that. Yeah, You could side Gino to the 32, you could still find a way to move some contract money around and make it all work. If the, the intention of the team was they value Gino to that degree of being worthy of that kind of contract to that mark. My theory is that they probably don't want to be paying that, that kind of money to the position, um, even at 30 million, quite frankly. WTC says, uh, how likely are we going to trade the five, fifth pick and 2024 first round pick and still go get Jalen Carter? I like we were going to trade the fifth pick and get a 2024 first round pick and still get Jalen Carter. I don't think you could probably are going to be able to do that WT. I think if you move back a team like the lions, a team like the Raiders, if you move back, one of those teams will probably end up jumping on Carter at that point. I don't think they're going to have the same kind of hesitancies other franchises might have in that situation. Um, so probably not very likely you're getting extra first to move back. You either got to pick them at five or miss out. 
Gaming Taco, Dare, what is my opinion on Bryce Young's measurables now? Nothing's changed in my degree on a Gaming Taco. I think he took on a whole bunch of water weight to push himself over to 205. That's not his playing weight. I think it was telling Gaming Taco when he didn't run a 40-yard dash, but he weighed in. So now he's going to go to his pro day. He's going to run a 40-yard dash, but then he's not going to weigh in. So do you see what he did there at that point? Do you see the little trick that he pulled there? Where, okay, I've got my weight on the books now. i got my 40 on the books. They don't happen at the same time. If he went out there and ran that 40 at 205, he would have run a 4840. But he didn't run it because he knew that was going to be the case. And uh, so nothing changes from my standpoint in the outlook on Bryce Young at this point in the way I look off of the, the, the 205. That's, that's, he doesn't play anywhere close to 205 pounds during game day. Not within 15 pounds of that on game day, in my opinion. If not more so. Joe Biden's make a wish. How did Henry Toa Toa te- tri- test of the combine? He was okay. Um, yeah, let me get his numbers up here. Just okay. Not not really noteworthy. Not really underwhelming. Just okay. So four six two forty one five seven ten yard split thirty two inch vert one hundred sixteen broad thirty two thirty two and three fourths inch arms. Pretty pretty kind of down the middle on that one. Maybe a little bit, considering you six two. Eh, it's, it's, eh average. Nagasis is 90% of Seahawks fans don't want to tag Gino. What's wrong with tag and trade him? Nothing, man. I'm, I, I'm not anti that. I haven't seen that necessarily opinion in my chat, Nagasa. I mean, there's maybe some people anti that, but um, the initial reports here appear to be that the team's not going to be willing to use the franchise. So, Greg, what is, what is a honey bun? Can, would, be, would honey bun be considered? I'm not a big honey bun guy myself, but that would definitely be in consideration. That would be on our... That would be on our uh, uh, on our standoff. That'd be going up against uh, probably Bear Claw in the opening round. It'd probably be Honey Honey Bun against Bear Claw. Winner takes all. Uh, Nitro Hawk, what would I say is the weakest position in this draft? I think coming out of the combine that the wide receiver group is pretty close to being it. I think the guard class is maybe a little bit weaker. So probably guard and wide receiver are the two positions that stand out to me that are tremendously weak. Free safety is another one. I'll go, I'll go guard, free safety, and receiver as my order of weakness in this draft. Uh, Greg Kempis, says I was talking about the Mr. Wilson you were talking about. Hawks interviewed him. Oh, my bad. Too many Wilsons in this draft. Yes, they did uh, interview with Michael Wilson. I thought you were, I thought you were saying they also did Tyree. Okay. Upo says, CJ and Stroud, man, put on a throwing clinic. He looked great, man. He looked great. He's locked in. Locked in top three pick, I think. Buster Baylor says, I thought Owen Popoe was a gem before his combine. Now he goes and tests like a monster. I hope the league didn't notice. I want him. He's one of my guys too, man. He's been one of my, he's like Darnell Washington. 
It sucked. That's the one crappy part about this combine is that all these guys are like my list of like those gems or guys you get kind of later second round on onwards. And like all of my guys on my list basically had great combine numbers. So they're all now no longer gems. Now I just like, now, now I look like Captain Obvious. Oh, do you like that guy? Do you? Do you like Will Anderson too, Brandon? Huh? You think Will Anderson's going to be a good player as well? <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, I didn't know they were going to do so good at the combine. Joe Biden says, would you still be interested in taking Toa Toa past the third? Yeah, past the third. Sure. Greg Kemp says, wide receiver arm length is important because it helps with getting off press and Lockett having 30-inch arms is why he has to go in motion so much and plays in the slot off the line of scrimmage to protect him. Agreed. That's a big part of why that goes down like that does for Tyler in that way. Well said. And yeah, it's it's just hard to play on the outside with 32 inch. If you're you don't have 32 inch long arms minimum, it's just it's very very hard. And for like you said, the big reason you put there is press. Press coverage is the big reason for it. And if you got short arms, you're just going to get pressed to death on the outside with these corners that are now just huge, like Tariq Woolen types. So it's you got to factor it in when you look at wide receivers. It's not just a well. What does it really matter? That that's just a number for nerds. Like no. Steve Mattel says, I agree, guard is weak, plus linebacker is weak, isn't it? That would have been maybe my fourth, Steven. I think the thing with the guard class is it's really weak from a talent standpoint, but there's actually a good number of guys in the draft as far as if you move from like mid-second round on into the fourth, there's some decent prospects in there. There's no world beaters. There's no guys that are going to be stars in this league, but there's at least some workable guys. When it comes to like this receiver class where there's so many guys that are slot-only guys or the safeties that move so slow, or the guards that are just not very talented, nor are they very mobile to fit to our scheme and what we want. I go to those just a little bit more, but yeah, linebackers in there too. No doubt about it. Brian Myers, pick five, apple fritter, pick 20, Boston cream, 37 maple, uh, Pershing, 53 jelly filled. <laughs> Guaranteed everybody, everybody's oinking out after the stream, 100%. Mason says, do you think the report that we won't tag Gina reflects our view on the quarterback class at all? Well, I think they know they're probably going to have their chance to take their quarterback at five at that point, Mason. And that gives them a little bit of insurance for the Gino situation, not to feel desperate. But outside of that, I don't think it's tremendously impactful. Nick says, my thought process has become if Gina wants 35 plus million a year, trade him. Hope to God AR-15 is there at five and use the cap room to improve the interior offensive line. Smart way of going about it, Nick. Smart way. I'm I'm on board with that. I, the reports are right now, Nick, that the team does not intend to tag him. So I would like to go that route with it. I'd prefer to go that route with it. But if the reports are true, the team is not going to intend to actually franchise tag Geno Smith. Ethan says, dropping a bombshell, trading up to the first overall pick. Ethan Tech World selects Maple Bar. Comp, nothing else. League of its own. Ryan Ball says, raspberry-filled powdered donut dipped in strawberry milk is amazing. I haven't had that in over 15 years. My my left arm is already starting to seize up at just reading that, Ryan. <laughs> but it actually, I'm not, a, I'm not a raspberry bread guy. But that whole combination that you just put together there does does kind of intrigue me. 10, 10 out of 10, I'd have a bite of it. 
Even if at first I was a little repaired, I still, let me give it a try. Nick says, I wonder if Washington would trade Payne for Geno and I'm assuming a third rounder. Probably be a straight across the board kind of move, Nick. But I think they'd be open to it if we'd be willing to franchise him. Kind of as I said, though, we're not willing to franchise him. It's sort of a exercise in futility to consider it because it just ain't going to happen. Nolan Arvance B, did you say you didn't like Jail Skinner's tape? I'll have to look. Says he models his game after Cam. I love that. Not sure there will ever be another Cam, though. I, I did like Jail Skinner's tape, Nolan. I don't think that there's a more bigger hitter in this draft than Skinner. And I think that him saying his comp to his game is Cam or that he's molded his game after Cam is applicable and that he certainly plays like that. There's a good side and a downside to that, though, Nolan. You ran a 4-3 under defense where Cam played in the box prior. That was his game. You didn't ask Cam Chancellor to play cover two shell looks and all that sort of stuff on the often. Uh, you know, and so that the same thing could be applied with Jail's tape as far as a tackler and a hitter is concerned. Being that he can't do the Vic Fangio cover two shell hyper athletic safety stuff that you need to have within the prerequisite of this defense. If you want to go back and run your old defense, Nolan, Jail Skinner's a guy that's certainly within reason to grab. But if you're not willing to do that, you're going to stick with this new defense. He doesn't fit. It's kind of the bottom line on that. Pedro uh, Mendoza, thank you for the $5 donation, Pedro. I really do appreciate it. I hope you're having a great night. Says, Brandon, Hawks Nest, what round do you want Seattle to draft the linebacker position? For me, I say we find a decent one in the third. I actually move a little bit faster on this one, Pedro, but not by much. I think you can find very good value in the third. So if the Seahawks do look to wait till the third round selection, I think that at that point, you're looking at um, your options as being uh, maybe Owen Popoe, Ivan Pace, Henry Toa Toa, Noah Sewell. Some good guys in there. I do think Dan Henley, Drew Sanders, Jack Campbell are at a different level as far as their, their prospect status for me goes. So I would like to actually go probably second round here, Pedro. I ran two different separate mock drafts here at the top of the show. Go ahead and go back and watch at the start to kind of get the full breakdown of what I was kind of doing. One of these is a mock draft for John Schneider here over my left shoulder. The other draft, the other mock draft over my right shoulder would be what I would do, the direction that I would go. So when you ask about in both of these given mock scenarios, be it if I'm putting the John hat, Schneider hat on my head or if I'm putting my own hat on my head saying this is what I would do, both scenarios I was looking at taking Dayon Henley in the second round. The team, has fit, the team has met with Dayon Henley, Pedro. There's already been some initial interest on kind of both parties there. He's at Washington State. You have a low school Washington kid. I think the fit there matches up really, really well. And so uh, I would like to go that route with it if I could. I just think if you wait to the third round, you are getting a little bit of a drop-off at the position that's considerable compared to the Jack Campbell, um, Dan Henley, or Drew Sanders approach that you could take on the other side of it. So uh, they, I'm okay if they go third round, Pedro, but I would look to go second round just to maybe go ahead of that. And I would even do Trenton Simpson at 20 in the first round if they want to even go a little bit higher than that. It's, it's a kind of a weak class for linebackers. You've got to kind of get while the getting's good in this draft or you have a very good chance of missing out. Trevor Thompson says, Brandon Jordan is the most overrated pass rush specialist around the Spartans. <laughs> Tackle for losses, sacks, and defense against the run got worse. He is a technique guy. Well, thank you for the feedback on that, Trevor. I've got him on my list here. He's one of my next guys to take a look at, but I haven't had a chance to uh, do very much of a deep dive in regards to Brandon Jordan as of yet. I will be taking a look this week, though, on him. 
Megan says, we're deep in, we're deep in scouting and drafting for the pastry bowl B and I just fired Ethan. <laughs> I'm with Ethan on this one. Maple bar is making a strong move here. It's a strong move. Nobody thought it was the ideal prospect to begin with in this process, but it's, it's elevating itself in a major, major way. Brian Myers says, Maple won't be a bust just too damn early. It, it's, a, it's a high floor move there, Brian. Ethan had to go with the high floor move there. The taste buds were in a state of need. They were in a state of desperation. They were not in a state of waiting on the absolute prime creme de la creme, your new fancy boutique donuts, okay? Justin Goins, you have a great night, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Weston Baylor says, what was this report on the front office not wanting to use the tag? I must have missed it. Well, it was just brought up here in the stream here today, Weston. So I'm only going off what I was told on the chat. I haven't had a chance to confirm or deny it. The good news is on this one, we're going to know in about seven days. We're Actually, I think you've got to apply it by the seventh, I believe. So we'll know within this in a couple days whether or not they intend to apply it one way or the other. Nolan Arvance says, I've been fasting for 20 plus hours a day for nearly two months. All this donut talk is making me shake. <laughs> <laughs> that's torture man that's torture hopefully you got your cheat meal ready as soon as you're done jonah says the lilikoi cream donut guave nectar jelly donuts and cinnamon malasadas are the greatest miracles the world has ever given us Ooh, those are well those are all run off they, they run off the, t- the tongue like that just to just to name them they've got to be delicious sounds good though i'd eat all that and again i i give that a bite I'm not big on the, the guava nectar jelly, but I'll, I'll, I'll give some of it a, I'll give it a nibble. Nick Guzman, if we don't resign Neil, Jail Skinner is definitely somebody I would look at to play a more hybrid linebacker position. Uh, you'd have to commit to playing a middle linebacker at that point, Nick, you know, because you're not running your box safety stuff. That's the only thing, my only issue with Skinner. I love Skinner, but you, you, he's not going to be able to run the Vic Fangio cover two shell stuff. That's just not in his bag. <laughs> Trevor Thompson, Will Anderson is the best player in the draft. Shortness won't hurt Bryce Young. He has a great attitude compared to Kyler Murray. It doesn't sound like it will, Trevor. He doesn't indeed look like he's going to be a top three guy going in this draft. Um, Will Anderson is my number two guy, but love him a lot. Weston Baylor, how do I anticipate the defensive scheme to look post Desai? I think they're going to continue to just try to make it work without him here. Make the cover two shell work. I'd like to see them go back and revert more to the 4-3 defense now. But I could see them just sticking with, keep trying, making it go. Dana Bailey says maple bar with bacon, though. Would that be a Nolan Smith combine boost or a Jalen Carter character situation? Kind of depends on who you ask, Daniel, on that kind of one. You know, it's a controversial topic. You know, can bacon go with maple bar? I've seen it mentioned before as a combination, Daniel. I've never myself tried it. So someday I'm going to have to give that a try. Um, it sounds interesting. I guess you got to wrap it. You got to wrap the crispy, crispy bacon around the maple bar, I guess, to make it work right. You know, but that better be some crispy bacon. I ain't trying to go into my maple bar bite and come away with some chewy bacon. I don't care the flavor. You know, I'd, I'd give that a Jalen Carter boost because that's, that's so outlandish. It's so crazy. It might just be right. You know what I mean? It might just work. Greg, Kemp, I hope Carter's, uh, Greg says, I hope the Hawks can find a wide receiver in the draft or free agency who can run off coverage deep so DK doesn't have to do it anymore. Brandon, do you have any potential options at free agents or wide receivers that could be cut? I got one for you, Greg. I got, I got the answers to your 
I got the answer to your, your worry in this draft. I got what's going to help you be able to go to sleep at night knowing you don't have to take a wide receiver, an outside wide receiver in this draft with 30 and a half inch arms. And his name is Robert Woods. Robert Woods. That is your guy. That is the one right there. So uh, he just got cut by the Titans. He knows this scheme backwards to the front. He can play all three wide receiver positions within the scheme. He blocks. He gives you some yak after the catch. Robert Woods. Let's go that route. Take care of it. Not going to cost a lot of money. That's the one right there. <laughs> Brian Myers says, B, not one pastry in that mock. Try again. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, Brian Myers says, good night, y'all. Heading to the 24-hour shop, hoping for at least one fritter. You demand, Brandon. Thank you, Brian. Good luck on your search, man. I wish I had a freaking donut here now. I'm so fiending for one. I've never wanted a donut more in my life right now than right now. Oh. Lions Man says, if you don't jump on Anthony Richardson, we will. We know. We know, man. It's, It's us or he's gone. He's out the board. So, you know. It's going to be a crazy day, Lions Mania on draft day. It is going to be crazy knowing which way this is going to go. So many different directions on this one. I love Richardson with your Lions, by the way. Love it. Jonas is big bacon and maple bars from Mount Hood. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to try this, man. I've, been, I, I've heard about that once, and I was initially revolted. I initially had to look away, but then I just couldn't stop thinking about how much I love bacon and how much I love maple bars and how the two must go together. I mean, how can I love two things and not then love them together? You know? I'm going to try it at some point here. Got to do it. Jonas is biting into a guava nectar jelly donut is like reliving the beast quake over again. It's delicious. (laughs) That's a great description. (laughs) A great description. I love it. CV, CFB with Ash, promise you as a Titans fan, you don't want Woods. Is he done, man? He had his torn ACL. He, he just needed, CFB, he needed a year to get over the torn ACL. You know what I mean? He wasn't 100%. That knee's still a little dodgy out there. You know what I mean? But, okay. I, I haven't watched, I'll, I'll give you this. You've watched him a lot more uh, closer eye than I have recently. So, I just, he has played a lot in this Rams offense, which we do. He has, he was really good for the Rams when he was there in this offense. Titans do run a little bit of a different thing in what they're asking their receivers to do. But, okay. Well, Greg, we might just be SOL out of luck with the uh, receiver need. You know what I mean? It might just be where we just got to run with what we got. Dwayne Eskridge, come on back down with your broken ass. Uh, Jonas says, no, it's just a maple... It's a brick maple bar with a creamy maple on top and a crispy bacon strip lying across it. It's delicious. Oh, God, that sounds so good. Bacon maple bar. Oh, my God. I'm going to make that this week. I'm going to buy the maple bar, but I'm going to just cook up the bacon. Fresh bacon, right? Stack it right on top. Makes that crispy noise when you bite into it, right? Harsh. Yeah, Greg, we're done. We don't got no... I'm out of wide receiver options, bro. CFB just kind of kicked out my my grand, brilliant idea. That was my that was my outside the box. Oh, I got one for you, and and he just 
I can't debate it. He's, 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 he's watched him, so, you know, he's probably right. There's a reason the Rams traded him in the first place, right? Nick Guzman, what would, the Brand, what would Brandon Cooks cost us in a trade? If Gino isn't coming back, we have the cap space for him easily. We do. And I do think he wants to get out of the Texans uh, organization. I don't think he's very happy with how they did him at the trade deadline last year. Uh, probably a fourth rounder for Brandon Cooks. Fourth or fifth rounder. Can't see him costing much more than that. He's managed to get around his concussion stuff in recent years, which is nice, but still is getting a little older now at this point. Ethan says, I might have to get a delicious maple bar after the finals. Might have to. That's a great reward for getting through the finals, right? Mays says, B wants a donut. Now I have to get him to say that JS is the best quarterback ever. My work here is done. I, I got donuts on the mind. I can't think about Jim Zorns when I got donuts on the mind. Stephen Patel, what is the deal with Lucas Van Ness and his weak lower body? Bench press was weak. Can he improve or is he just strong enough? Strength is a big part of his game. So I, I didn't know he had as much a problem with the bench. I didn't see his, maybe I didn't see his bench. He's got 34 long inch arms. So, you know, when the guys get up to 34 inch long arms, it's a little bit harder to do that bench. I, I've always compared this, Stephen, to, I had a buddy back in, call, in back in high school that set the bench record at our school and he just had these little short stubby arms. You know, so he'd do the bench and he'd just be like, and you're like, dude, he's not even, he's not even locking. I mean, he's locking out, but he's got such small lockout, you know, like how, it's like, he's going like half the, the, the length of span of space that I got to go to do my bench, you know? So 34 inches is going to be a little bit harder to do that at that point. Um, but the tape is that he's powerful on tape. I, I don't want to though make it sound like I like Van Ness though, Steven, I'm not a big Van Ness guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much one of those guys, like, I don't get it with him, what the huge draws as a prospect, like second round edge guy, you know, good run stuffer with maybe some limited upside as being a top end pass rush type guy. It's like a lesser version of Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, okay. Right. I think it's the weak draft, Steven, that just pushing this guy up as much as anything. Steven Patel says, use bacon crumbles on top of the maple bar. Ooh. I got to do the fresh bacon, though, the, the crumbles. We can't do the, the cold crumbles. Can't do any of that, like, chewy crumbles. I got to get that thing crispy. That's a great suggestion, though. BTW Ruckstro says, Mama Blue passed away at 92. She did indeed. Hopefully on route to heaven and uh, sad, sad to see. Fixture out there at the stadium on, uh, on, on game days for years and years and years. Uh, Joe Biden's make a wishes lines trade up with us to take AR 15. If they really want to would be great for the Hawks. That would be good for the Hawks. I'd sign me up on that. BTW Rex, uh, uh, retro says Anthony Richardson. Yes or no. I say yes. BTW. I like him. I love him. Good player. Trevor Thompson, I have this deal of the draft and it's Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Friends with Walker, great senior bowl. And like Walker had plays over 20 miles an hour from the line of scrimmage and can return punts. I have looked at uh, Jaden. So we got him up at 5'11", a little bit better size than some of these receivers. He does have 30 and a half inch arms, Trevor. So a number one of these receivers where you go, boy, the arm like this isn't there to necessarily play on the outside. Um, so another guy that I think probably has more of an outlook of being an in, a slot inside guy. 
Uh, 4-4-5-40, 1-5-7, 10-yard split, 33-and-a-half-inch vert, 121-inch broad jump. So decent explosiveness. Uh, the 4-4-5-40 um, certainly isn't representative of him running 20 miles an hour. That's more like pure 4-4 speed at 20 miles an hour. So maybe he's a little more football fast than he is track fast. Um, what's really nice about Jaden Reed that I do like about him is that even though he has shorter arms, he had a 67% contested catch rate at college. So, one, you know, 50-50 balls, he's going to go up there and win a lot of the time. Um, which, that's as just a general skill, is nice to have if you're going to have those shorter arms because that's the place you worry about with the short arm guys is they just can't win with the contested catch stuff. So I like him, Trevor. Um, I probably like him a little bit more in the like third roundish range of things. But I do think he'll probably eventually just fit out to being maybe more, mainly just a slot guy only at the next level. CFP, I wish the best uh, for the guy, but man, he had issues. And him tweeting free after the cut was so weird to me. Yeah, CFB, it didn't work there with him at the Titans at all, did it? And he certainly had his opportunities there. I mean, like, they didn't have, not like the, the wide receiver you had coming in went from Arkansas didn't exactly light the world on fire there, did he? Uh, so he had an opening to come in there and kind of take hold of that job if he if if he wanted it. Um, and yeah, I did remember, he did, I did see he did put that tweet out there about being free after that. So we'll see where he kind of lands now. See where he kind of lands. And he's getting older as a player. So after torn ACL, getting older as a player, you lose a little bit of a step. He wasn't the most dynamic guy to begin with. Uh, you know, those kind of guys that can't quite afford to lose the step if they do. Daniel Bailey says, I'm now wanting all of your future NFL prospect comps to be pastries only. No more boring player to pass player comps. <laughs> Bet. Bet. The problem is there's only so many pastry flavors, even with all those uh, extra Krispy Kreme ones they offer. Vegas is not for me, B. You know the whole pesky vegan thing. I know. That's the those are the most brutal brutal places to be the vegan as you miss out on those things. It's not the burgers, it's the maple bar and bacon. Jonas says, I love Jim Zorn. Yeah, me and Megan have an eternal debate going on between Jim Zorn and Dave Craig. Megan says, B, uh, can you explain the tampering thing to me? If not, uh, can you please? Um yeah, no, tampering thing's easy on this. So March 13th, I think it's 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 12 o'clock EST. Uh, at that point, you have an ability for teams to begin to negotiate with players that are going to be free agents. So free agent period technically begins then on Wednesday, but teams can negotiate, get a contract in place, agree to the contract, contract's agreed. Now we move this on to the place where we sign the deal on Wednesday. But you agree in principle on the deal, Megan, in the legal and tampering period. And the reason they did this, Megan, was because they came to find that people were already tampering before the free agent period started anyway. The deals were already getting hammered out. And so they were looking silly. The NFL teams were where you had literally the free agency starts and all of these deals suddenly instantaneously come down. It's like, yeah, guys have been negotiating. So it was a thing to get around that a little bit. But the 13th becomes really now the day, Megan, of true free agency at that point. For the most part.
CFP says, your Seahawks have a bright future, though. Excited to see this team develop, especially in a weak NFC right now. You're right about that. You're right. That AFC to get through is a lot, lot more of a gauntlet than the NFC is right now and will be going into the future, too. Um, not just now, but into the future with that. And thank you, man. Um, I wish you guys the best, too, with that Titan squad. You know, you guys have been kind of the, the every year everybody sort of undersells you. You guys seem to do better than people think you guys are going to do. I think you're trying to turn some things over there right now and find a little bit of your footing. I also think CFB, you guys might be, a, and you probably already know this, you guys might be an outside team to kind of to jump into the waters for a, a Rodgers here. I don't know if he'd go there or if that's a reality, but kind of wondered that a little bit. If you guys are looking with clearing all that cap space, maybe making a move like that, trying to take a big swing out there somehow, some way. But uh, I like how you guys have run your business as well, man. Good balanced team, build door to team-based nature of things. Those easier to root for than it is than just the star-driven teams. And uh, you never know, man. Maybe Malik Willis does continue to develop for you guys. Uh, Sir Gimpelot says, do you, think, do you think if we trade down to number nine to Carolina for a first next year? Yes. I think that'd be the going rate. Um, Gimpelot, I don't think you're getting a lot more than that. But at least one first round pick in next year's draft, yes. Uh, Nick Guzman says, DK Lockett, Cooks in my scenario, is quite a nice wide receiver core for AR-15. Add in Sean Tucker in the third round to pair with K-9, and that's certainly an offense. That'd be a hell of an offense, man. That'd be a hell of an offense. Sign me up for it, bro. I like it. I like it. And Cooks is, a, I've, always, I've always liked Cooks. I've always felt like he's a little bit of an underrated player throughout the league. Nolan Arvance says, oh, hell yeah. Chocolate Kruller is always my go-to. The first or two time a year, I have a donut. There you go. Got to space them out, man. Greg says, Brandon, it sucks. We can't find a Martavius Bryant type receiver. I feel you on that. I've been looking and maybe I, I do still have a lot of the later round receivers, Greg, to go through that might not be as more as much straightforward in their talent and their view of it. So I still have more guys to get through. I haven't by any measure gotten through all the receivers in this draft. But you're right, Greg. There just ain't that one here. It's it's weird too, because so many years now, year after year after year, their wide receiver crew is so good. And this one is just like, oof. Uh, CFB brings up one of those guys I'm talking about, which is Matt Landers, a late round pick, 6'4, 200 pounds, ran a 4'3, 740. Potential is there. Watched every game of this past year. He's on my list to check out CFB. I haven't had a chance to look at him quite yet. But yeah, with his combine and what he just put up there, he certainly jumps out as maybe one of those guys. And maybe that's where we'll find him, Greg, is that guy that's in just a later place that's got the talent. Maybe at a smaller school, or maybe just injured a little bit, like we've talked about Michael Wilson. Dreamforge Contractors, you're still going? Brandon, you're a machine. Love the content. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I love what I do, man. I love what I do. Uh, Steve Mattel says, Sovos, Il Sovos is a big, fast, and probably has plenty of coaching up left. 32-inch long arms. He does have a lot of physical talent to him, Stephen. He does. The guys that aren't natural catchers of the football, the, the receiver position, are a little bit of an equivalency to me of a quarterback without a, without a big arm. And I, I always ding them just a little bit for that in that case of things. Just a bit. And you know, somehow I never thought about wide receiver's arm length and how it applies to the position. It, I don't think it used to be as important on this in utero, but as the corners have gotten bigger in the last 10 years with the Seahawks and Coach Carroll's sort of uh, influence on the NFL ranks as far as cornerback size and length goes, it's become more of a factor, I think, in recent years. 
Gage says, who do you think we are going to draft for our first two picks? Uh, I will go with Jalen Carter and Kalijah Cansey. Will be your first two picks, Gage. That's who, uh, this was my mock today that I ran over here on my shoulder that you can take a look at. And that's who I went with my first two picks. You could also go Jalen Carter and Trenton Simpson. You could go Jalen Carter and John Michael Schmitz. Or Tyree Wilson and either of those two guys. But if we're just going for what I would love to see, this would be, I'd love to see this breakdown happen with the carter Cancy combo. The Cody Cancy combo. Trevor Thompson, uh, I write for the Spartans, and, and Reed might be a slot, as you said, but he's the real deal. Had three punt return touchdowns called back because of a penalty. MSU punt returner Bryce Beringer flips the field. Huge weapon. Uh, and I liked his tape, Trevor, so don't get me wrong. I did like the guy a lot. Um, I, I do. And, and maybe some of this is a little bit of my uh, um, my hesitancy with just I, – somebody else was mentioning it here earlier on the stream. I forget the exact numbers on this, Trevor, but it's like guys that are playing on the outside below 32-inch long arms, there's like two or three guys in the NFL that are, that are able to get that done. It's, it is it is becoming a little bit of a, a prerequisite that you've got to be able to do that stuff. His contested catch rate can, can offset some of that stuff. Um, like you said, he was the fastest-timed wide receiver at the Senior Bowl – as I, I said, if you're going to be a little undersized, you're going to have a little bit shorter arms, then you've got to have something else special on the other side of it that, that can offset that, that can then bring you back up to being more in that bright view of things. So he might have enough with him with some of the subset skills he has to be that, that rarefied guy on the outside. It's just hard to predict as that anomaly. But if we end up with him as a guy that's just a slot only, Trevor, I'm okay with that too. It's kind of what we need right now. We have the two outside guys. We need the slot guy. That's the place where Dwayne Eskridge, who we took in the second round a couple of years ago, has flamed out. That's who we don't have a good option for right now on the roster for at. Um, so we need that guy right now in this in this deal. So just if he even only does become a slot guy only, and then to your point, is only a slot guy who also can do punt returns, that's also something we need on this team, is a good punt returner. So he would fill a need at that point. He would he would be in, at least in a spot where that's that's something that, that works for what we're, what we're looking for. But... Uh, it's hard, man. It's tough. It's tough. 32 inches is the pre-rec. CFB says, what, is, what do Seahawks fans think of Jalen Carter at five, possibly Nolan Smith? People are really divided on the CFB. With the, there's people that the, the, the car crash, the racing and all that, and with the character concerns that are whispered about with Jalen, they're out. Uh, I'm not myself. Obviously, you can see with my mock draft, I was willing to take him. Uh, Nolan Smith is a guy who is maybe one of the better edge run defenders in this draft. No doubt about that. But certainly as a pass rusher, he is a work in progress. Um, and that there's not always the pr productivity there for where some people have him going in the first round. I just can't do that with Nolan Smith myself, CFB. But Nolan in the second round could certainly make a lot of sense. Um, but you look at that sack production numbers, you look at the pressure production numbers coming out of Georgia in four years there, just never any point where he really popped in that respect of things. But at least he gives you as far as his floor an upper level run defender minimum. I mean, that that is a value as well, but that's second round value to me. It 
TFB says, yeah, a lot of rumors with the Titans right now trading up for Stroud and have been a huge rumor in their fan base. I could see it. You know, Vrabel's gotten a little bit more power in that room. I'm certainly, he probably looks at the quarterback position recently, CFB, and he goes, okay, Tannehill has held us back. He's held us back. We've, we've given him a good defense. We give him a good running game. And he's, and even when we had A.J. Brown, you know, he basically chose to have like the worst game of the year in the playoffs a couple of years ago when we had all that set up for him. So he's not the guy. I, I, have, I reckon to guess CFB that Vrabel was not really in on Malik Willis. And that the part of the reason that he was able to get that general manager out the door had to do with the combination of the Malik Willis pick and then the receiver that you guys took out of Arkansas. Neither of those guys really taking hold. So this drives you now back into a direction to being able to open the door to then take that quarterback and trade up to get that quarterback and to talk ownership up into sacrificing the future draft capital to go up and then get that quarterback. So I, I could see it happening. I think there's a little bit of smoke to that, that, that rumor there for you guys. Uh, Donald uh, Glover's secret dot talent. No way Richardson falls to 20. Yeah, no way. No way. Mm-mm. No possibility. You're right about that. Uh, Mr. Allo, Tyler, Tyler Scott and Jalen Cropper Moreno are my favorite sleeper wide receivers. I think Tyler Scott goes, I think, second round, Mr. Allo. I like him a lot too, but can we call him a sleeper in the second round? Good player. I got to look at Jalen Cropper. He's on my list to take a look at. But uh, Tyler Scott, really fast. Good player. Ethan says, Brandon, can you explain some of these later round picks on your mock? The two safeties and the two last picks don't know how, don't know much about, I uh, don't know much about after round three. Uh, yes. Um, so I went in my mock draft with Sidney Brown, who I think just plays the, plays the game that you want the way you'd like your defensive players to play reckless, abandoned, hair on fire, violent, all of those things. He is sudden. He tested through the roof of the combine, getting him in the third round was just too good a value for me. Jair Brown is a little bit on the opposite end of the spectrum where his tape flashes in a lot of ways, every bit as good as Sidney Brown, but he just didn't test out very well at the combine. Um, I think he's now your free safety of the future going forward. I think Brown and Brown become your safety position going forward here into the future. When Sydney's case, he's a guy that's a strong safety, but he also comes in and gives you a better upgrade uh, slot at that point than what you have right now, Ethan. So he's an upgrade over the slot position as it stands currently. And then long-term, he slides into being your strong safety of the future. So I, I just, that was a value pick for me on my board with those guys where they were at in the third and the fourth round, respectively. I ran back to Michael Wilson, wide receiver out of Stanford in the fifth round. Doug Baldwin's worked with the kid. Doug Baldwin's put his stamp of approval on him. That's good enough for me in many respects on top of the fact that uh, he did have a great senior bowl, was one of the best wide receivers at the senior bowl, has a little bit of a high drop rate to him, but this is the fifth round. You're not getting any clean prospects in the fifth round. And then I went with Carl Brooks, who is like to me a guy who's a Michael Bennett minus the first step quickness, which was a huge part of Michael Bennett's game. But this guy's got a lot of the same ability to fight with his hands, to just overwhelm tackles and being a bigger sized guy than they normally deal with coming off the edge. Also some positional versatility to be kicked inside to defensive end from time to time because he's got that kind of size to pull that off. Uh, and then the sixth round, I went with D winners inside linebacker. This would be as much as anything, kind of a special teams move slash give you some depth at the middle linebacker position. Just a very fleet of foot guy. I don't think he's even going to be necessarily a starter into the future, but a very, very good special teams kind of guy who can maybe give you some spot starts there at the middle linebacker position. 
Daniel Bailey, thank you for the $5 donation. I do appreciate it, Daniel. He says, what is the worst case scenario with Jalen Carter's situation if we draft him? How, how confident are you that the juice is worth the squeeze? Scale one to 10. Uh, well, thank you for the $5 donation. Um, and I would not, I, if I was not as high as I am on Carter, if I was not as overwhelmed, if I was not as on board with his talent level, if as I was not on board with saying, this is my number one prospect in this draft, I would not be overlooking these character concerns that are there. Uh, the fact that they are there is disconcerting to me. I don't like to see it, but it's just not enough to pull me off the board when I don't quite say that's enough for me as far as a character concern to push out on a guy who I think is probably the best prospect in this draft at the end of the day. And if it's not Anderson, then it's Carter. And they're neck and neck for who's the best guy in this draft, in my opinion. But that's my one-two. And so when it comes to, if I'm going to take that squeeze on a piece of fruit that might just be, might be rotten, I don't know. I smelled it, I looked at it, I'm not sure. But the squeeze of this juice, the taste of this juice is going to be worth a, a 10 from a scale standpoint then that makes it worth it. So I put it up as a 10. Is that the player you're getting is a, a guy to be one of the top five defensive tackles in the sport when he rounds out into shape. Is that guy worth it at number five over though? Over, is that guy worth it at number five with character concerns? My bottom line on that is yes. I understand if others are saying no. I understand if others are saying, eh, nah, I get it. But for me, the answer is yes. King Tay says, despite the car crash story, I still think Seattle is the ideal place for him. Agreed. Agreed. CFP says, yeah, Burke showed flashes and played better towards the end of the year, end of the season, but had unfortunate injuries. Makes sense with him. Maybe take a little bit of time to develop. He wasn't a guy that was necessarily ready to hit the world. He, you know, he'd done a lot of the gadgety receiver stuff to college. So it was kind of run go routes and bubble screen stuff with him uh, back a year ago, but he still could be around in to be a good player. I do just wonder if that gave Rabel some of the power back, the recent draft. That was part of what helped kind of win him over with ownership a bit. Spencer says, going to be off for the chat for the night. Just got to listen along for the remainder and then off to bed. Can't wait to get into the fun stuff with y'all. Oh, and don't ever forget, go Hawks. Go Hawks, brother. Nick Guzman says, that linebacker from Washington State has grown on me. Me too. I think he draws some legit comparisons to a Levante David. I think there's a lot of comparisons to be had there between those guys. Very impressed by him. Uh, and Utero says, it's not that I don't want Carter, it's that I want a quarterback early. Valid, dude. Very, very valid. I, as I said, if we go quarterback instead of Carter, I would understand that approach from the team if they want to take that track with it. Makes a lot of sense. CFB uh, says, but trading AJ, who was the best receiver in our franchise ever, was just wrong. I didn't like the trade from your guys' standpoint either with that CFB. I wondered if it was that it was being driven by the fact that he had those knee problems. And I wonder if the Titans looked at AJ Brown's knee and said, that's a ticking time bomb, ticking time bomb. And we don't want to be on the countdown on that clock. But I wasn't a big fan of it either because there was such a nice synergy between you had, you had Henry running right? Which was going to bring the eighth guy up into the box. And then you have a guy in AJ Brown that can beat you over the top. A lot of like what he did in Philadelphia last year was what you guys were doing. And it was a perfect, you know, it was the perfect little double one, two kind of, you know, application there and approach and, and going to a guy like Burks who is talented, but just that's, he's not the same level of place that a guy like AJ Brown was. Um, 
I, I wasn't a big fan of that either. It was a little bit though weird too because you guys got to that scenario where you have, and I know you moved on from Taylor Lewan, but at the time you had to also consider it from the fact of I got Taylor Lewan, I got AJ Brown, I got Jeffrey Simmons, all due for a contract extension at the same time. Essentially, you know, I can't maybe pay all three of them at once. I don't know. It was just it was an oddity one there. The whole thing was a little bit weird with that one. <laughs> Yeah, because Richardson, the Seattle or Detroit makes so much sense to me. It would benefit him the most? It would. I'd love it. That'd be great situations for him. Absolutely fantastic. In both of those places, I would say. And Udo Henley is the linebacker from WSU. Yep, from Wazoo. Kirk, if three quarterbacks go in the top four, I would expect John Schneider will have his phone ringing. You better believe he will. And you know, that's been one of my long predictions here, Kirk. Going very far back into this draft process, really in this draft process, I said three quarterbacks are going in the top four picks. 100%. Dreamforge contractors, B, if they draft like you suggest, then I would be happy. I think a few statements JS has made recently point uh, to uh, JS equals draft best player available in character first. This makes me think AR-15 or Will Anderson. What do you think? I think those guys are absolutely in play, Dreamforge. I tried to run two different mocks on this Dreamforge between what I would do, which is over my right shoulder, and then what I would do, what I think John Schneider might do, which is over my left shoulder. So I tried to run two different separate mocks here. One fits to what I would, one fits to John. Um, And I think you're right. John does go a little more character guy, maybe driven. And that's why you can see there's a little bit of a difference between my draft to what he did in certain respects. But yeah, I think character matters more than it mattered to them four or five years ago. And that I think that they hold that in a little bit higher esteem than they ever have before. Specifically as much as anything because of the Malik McDowell situation. In utero, what, are, what about signing the Bills' Tyrell Dodson at linebacker? He's good. I don't know much about Tyrell Dodson. I know Tremaine Edmonds, but I don't know much about Tyrell Dodson. Man, I'm sorry. It's the first time I've heard him being brought up. I'll try to take a look at him. CFB says, yeah, we missed out on a ton of first-round picks. I mean, look at Caleb Farley. Yeah, there, there wasn't, it wasn't the greatest of road in there. But, I mean, yeah, there's some Harold Landy. There's some Jeffrey Simmons in there, too. Mm-hmm. There's some okay picks in there as well. Farley might end up coming around, right? He's not totally cooked, is he? He had the back thing. I mean, he was going to take a while to get over his back thing. <laughs> Daniel says, to be honest, I'm not so concerned about Carter's character. He's a young kid and the best of us make mistakes in those crazy situations. I'm just concerned about the legal ramifications. I don't think the legal stuff's going to be that big. It's, he's got their, their misdemeanors at this point, Daniel, you know, it, it'll get a, it'll be plea bargained down. He won't have to serve any time, you know, um, not going to come with any real major punishment. I wouldn't think. Daniel says, is there a possibility we spend a fifth round pick on him and he goes to jail and is suspended for the NFL after with the remainder of his rookie deal with us? Is that a possibility? No. 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 Not unless the police are looking at trying to draw out way major, more major charges than they have so far. It's two misdemeanor charges at this point, Daniel. It's not felonies. And if they were going to charge him with something more, I think they would have at this point. Most lawyers would tell you the situation would get plea bargained down to something pretty low. Brandon Davis, dude, how are you still streaming? Ah, well, we're, we're wrapping it up. I go late on these, Brandon. I go long and late. Long and late. 
Nick Guzman, my wild prediction is that Carter and AR-15 are there at five. I don't think that's a wild prediction. I think that's pretty feasible at this point. Pretty feasible. Oh, I forgot about the Isaiah Wilson one, Jack. That's right. CFB, I will say on that one, that was a hard one to see. That character, he didn't have any bad character stuff before that. And that thing just went off the rails. Whew, I liked Wilson a lot too. He's a big bear out in college. Nick says Frank Clark had some character issues to say the least, and they took him way higher than he should have went at the time, but he actually turned out pretty well, all things considered. He did. That work, uh, that uh, risk worked out. Big time. Dreamforge says, how far off do you think Kalijah Kansi and Ade Adeware are? Not far. Uh, I would probably say Adeware is... Uh, Adewari is my fourth defensive tackle on my board. So I got Jalen Carter, Kalijah Kansa, Brian Breezy, and then I got Adewari at number four. So pretty close at that point. I can't see to me as a mid to late first round pick. I think Adewari is a late first round to early second round pick. Very closely aligned. The guys are very, very built, very similar, very similar explosive scores. Adewari is certainly way longer. So you don't have the worries with him about um, length issues that you do with Cansey, but then Cansey to me is a little bit more explosive on tape. A little bit more certain production coming from Cansey. CFB says, I mean, we knew Willis was a pro project, but IMO, we don't have to put all our eggs in the Malik basket. He was a third round pick. Yeah, they don't. It's, it, it doesn't affect. I think the one thing you can't do, CFB, is you can't become married to Malik. It's a third round pick at that point. Part of the good value of taking him there for a guy that's a project that could eventually, you know, um, turn out into a really good player. So then, at that point, if there's a chance and opportunity that you're after that to go up there and and jump and 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 go, then you, you do it for another quarterback. If you need to really improve the position, if you don't trust them, Malik's going to develop. If you don't, you got some worries about that. You can't be impacted by that to stop in that way. Um, so I'm glad that they're considering it. CFB, it's smart on their process. Space. Space coming in with a big $20 donation. Space, thank you for the big dono, brother. Very kind of you for doing so, man. I really do appreciate it. He says, thanks for being you. No, thank you for you being you, man. Thanks for watching. Thanks for all the support. I really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the $20 donation, man. That's tremendous. Tremendous. Uh, Nolan says, just watch the franchise guys mock. Gave us Carter and Nolan Smith. Lions got AR and Bijan at 6 and 18. If that happens, congrats, Lions Mania. Yeah, Lions Mania better be doing some handstands at that point if that's going to be the case on that. You know what I mean? Look out. Look out. Uh, Nick Guzman Richardson is superior to Willis in every category in my, is my thing. He is. That's why I say they can't be held back from doing this. They can't say, well, Wilson, no. Does this guy tremendously improve our position and we're not sold to Tannehill long-term? Yes. Well, then you got to... You make the jump if the if the draft capital required to move up isn't that insane. And we'll see about that part of it. Nick says, watch one game of Willis and Richardson and you see it immediately. Richardson has such better footwork in the pocket and how athletic he is. He still looks to pass first. Agreed. Different, different prospects, different place, different everything. Yeah. 
Holy goodness, Space is going crazy out here with the donos. We got a $10 donation from Space, and then Space is coming in with a $50 donation? It's like that, Space? It's like that? Woo! Let's go! Let's go, Space. You are awesome, brother. Appreciate all of the donations, the freaking huge donations. My goodness, look out. Space just dropping the big bag on the table. Like, what? What? <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. You were awesome. Awesome for the donation. I really do appreciate all of that. Thank you so much, man. Holy Lord. Holy Lord, man. Yeah, space, space the goat tonight. Space the goat tonight. See, I'll be able to appreciate you, space man. Yeah, thank you, brother. I dab on that. I dab on that space. Thank you so much, brother. I really do appreciate it. Really do appreciate it. The support this channel is just insane and insane for you guys. Insane in a great way, of course. Um, insane, like when you say bad, but I mean it would like B A A D, you know, B A A A D. So appreciate you guys on that. Uh, and CFP's right for mentioning about AR-15. You know, the place that he goes to is going to matter. I think it does with all quarterbacks, but especially for those quarterbacks that need that developmental time that aren't coming in as um, finished products. And certainly, whatever you think about AR-15, I love him to death, but he's not a finished product. So going to the right place, going to a place that's not going to develop bad habits in him or that he's going to get broken at because he doesn't have the right supporting cast around him or he's being asked to play too quickly and being asked to do too much. Certainly is a part of the process that could cause him to fail throughout this that has nothing to do with his ability or where he ends up going as a quarterback. Jack says space is feeling it. Space is awesome, man. I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling space. And space is one AR-15 for sure, man. I agree. I'm feeling AR-15 in those donos. Thank you so much, space, man. Thank you so, so much. Uh, CFP says, when you watch AR-15's film, you can tell that he actually wants to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. He's not a run-first guy at all, which is rare to see when you see a guy that athletic. It is. I, I think some of that run-first stuff that comes from guys like that that are that athletic is that they don't develop the throwing part of the, the nature of things. The key difference that I've taken when I've looked at AR-15, because the, the real lazy comp here CFP is to say Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson. And certainly from an athletic and movement standpoint, he's with those guys. But to me, the difference and the key difference between AR-15 and those guys is that everything kinetically works together in the delivery of AR-15. His feet, to his thighs, to his hips, to his core, to his upper half, is all kind of moving through as one kinetically when he's throwing the ball. Whereas with guys like Lamar and Cam, it's they're more upper half throwers. It's not all working together smoothly. You know, you hear that term free and easy and the way the guy throws the football. And when you watch uh, when you watch Richardson, you can see a free and easy thrower. When you see those guys, you see them really kind of fighting their, they're fighting their delivery at time to get the ball out, you know? Um, so I, I, I feel the same way with it on that. Um, I, I think that he's got that development upside to him because of that CFP, so that when you see him having throws, it'll go a little poor. Like at the combine CFP, some people have knocked him for the out route throws. Well, you watch, look at his feet on the out route throws and he's up on his toes. He's kind of falling back a little bit correctable stuff, correctable things. 
You never could fully correct Cam Newton's delivery. You're never going to fully correct Lamar Jackson's delivery. You know, you never could correct T. Tim Tebow's delivery, right? It is what it is by the time you get to the pro level. But you can clean up lower half stuff. You can clean up some little laziness stuff that sets in at times with him where he's just not completely on point with that. that. But I, I think he absolutely has room for development there. Thank you, Space. Man, thank you, brother. You're awesome. Uh, the Humble King says, we need to draft well and create some space between us and the rest of our division. Am I right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And honestly, Humble King, the time to strike is right now a little bit. The, the Rams look like they're going into a mode here, especially if we get a Jalen Ramsey trade within the next week to where they're going to look to be a little bit more in a turn this over, rebuild kind of mode now. Arizona is certainly in that mode at this point. And with the 49ers, they're in their window. I don't know how long this window is going to last. So starting to build this team up and, and being ready to strike while the time is right, when the rest of the division is weaker, when the rest of the conference is a little bit weaker, pretty smart approach to go that realm with it. And you're absolutely right. Nick says, error to DK is something I've been imagining the last couple of days. It'd be a beautiful combination. He's got the arm to hit DK on those deep routes. Big Country, Kellenick has uh, been raking in spring training so far. Hope it carries over into the regular season. Me too, Big Country. Me too. He's got the talent, man. As I've said, my, he's got the talent, got the work ethic, got the want. You know, sometimes that's not enough with just those, those out on their own, you know. Sometimes you just can't hit a curveball. But the kid's ready, I think, to pop. He is ready to pop. Space says, AR, let's go. <laughs> let's go, man. I'm with it, man. I'm with it. Jack says, the issues with AR is his lower half. It is. But unlike with, you know, with like Cam Newton, you'd watch him and he'd have active feet. But the second that the feet set down, he just becomes rooted. And then his lower half kind of stops. And then it all becomes about his core and upper half, basically arm throwing the football a little bit. Um, with, to me, and this is just my assessment with the Jack, to me, when I look at AR-15, I see more of like lazy feet. Uh, he's not stepping into that throw. He's kind of falling back a little bit on this one, but he doesn't do it on every throw. It's just when he has these times where he's not tight with his technique, which if you're talking about a young guy, a green guy, a guy that needs time to develop, that's something that you would expect to see. It's not a, it's not a shocker on that, is it? CFB says, despite Bryce Young's size, he's by far QB1. I do think his weight at the combine is not his playing weight though. Yeah, I, I, with my my assessment on that CFB with Bryce Young has nothing to do with him as a really as a player. I think he has really great talent. I do. I think he's up there with the upper crust of these quarterbacks from an arm talent standpoint. But I do think that he is undersized, and I don't think that he's going to hold up at the NFL level. I think he's going to get broken. Um, I just do. And you're right. He's nowhere near 205 game day. Game day is he like 185. He's like 20 pounds off that game day. Looking at that guy in the jersey. And I just don't think I got 185 pounds having 300 pound linemen falling on him all the time is going to be able to stay healthy at the next level. Funky, do you think the DTR in the fifth round would be a good pick so he can learn behind Gino? I do. I don't think you're going to get him to last to the fifth round pick, Funky. I think he probably goes fourth round at the latest, but I would be willing to do it in the fourth round. I think, as I've said with him, I, he's the closest comp if you're looking for the Seahawks to fit to the 2012 blueprint and look for a Russell Wilson type quarterback in this draft. A guy that you're looking to pick third, fourth round. Not one of the best of the best in this draft, right? A guy you're looking to get later. 
then that guy would indeed be, a, to me, one of two guys, either Dorian Thompson-Robinson or Max Dugan. But those would be the two guys that would fit into that mold. Yeah, thank you, Space Man. Props to you, brother. CB, uh, now Panthers could move up to AR. That's something to watch for. They could. They could, CFB. And you got to think that a guy in Frank Clark who's been with the Colts recently, who's been trying to turn over the veteran options to find their answers there rather than finding it in the draft, is probably very much in ownership's ear saying, no, we've got to get our quarterback in the draft. Don't look for the also-rans. Don't look for the second-hand parts. They'll try for Derek Carr, certainly, I'm sure. But absent that, they certainly will look to trade up and move up. Nick uh, says, Dugan looked awful throwing the ball at the combine, but he's a good athlete. He did. It, it's the... I won't say it's a good Russell Wilson comp on either of these two guys. They don't comp to Russell as far as who he was coming out or uh, playing in a pro-style offense or all the start. But they've got little bits, you know, with Dugan's case, he's got all the starting experience, some of the mobility. You know, he does have an arm. He's got the deep ball arm where he can hit it deep. But you're right with him on accuracy and the short stuff. It's a little bit of a different, a different territory, you know. Jack says lazy feet. Yep, agreed. Yeah. And I think that can be corrected. Footwork, you can lock in better on it. I think delivery, you can't change. You can't change anything to me when you get NFL level really upper half. Absent like Aaron Rodgers, the only guy that's like changed his delivery significantly coming from college and then going to the pros. Everybody else basically keeps what they've got coming out. You know, But the lower half, you can change. You can get your face better. You can get your footwork better. I thought Drew Brees, for instance, really improved with that over the time of his career of really becoming almost one of the best with his footwork and base. Um, and that's the place that Anthony's got to clean up. John Paul Bacon, how you doing, man? Good to see you. CFB says, if I'm the Titans, don't get a quarterback this year. I say, let Malik take over next year. And if he's good, great. If he's bad, we're in the Williams and Mafe, uh, or Drake May, sorry. We're in the Caleb Williams or Drake May discussion. I'd be okay with that if I'm I'm not CFB. I've uh, long had a theory that I've established on this, and you may find me crazy on this one, but maybe you can kind of relate to where your Titans are and understanding this a little bit. I find that teams are in one of four different places. They either find themselves, one, in rebuild, two, in ascent. That's you're on your climb, right? You're not in your Super Bowl window. You're on your climb. You're just leaving rebuild. Three is in between, kind of a weird state to be in. And then fourth is elite. And that it's very important for a team to know which of the states that they, that they find themselves aligned in because it informs your personnel decision-making. It informs whether or not you go for it in a given year. If your chips all into the center of the table, or if no, let's, let's hold some of our chips back over onto the side a little bit. I think that with some of the advanced age of Henry, with the fact that you've not necessarily been able to rebuild that offensive line, losing Jack Conklin, losing now Taylor Luan, losing Roger Saffold, that the item, the, the guys to rejuvenate that have not exactly been clear for you, um, that that would draw me to be a little bit more in that range of understanding, no, we don't want to be an in-between place. You know, we don't want to think we're an elite team but get ourselves stuck in between because my whole theory on this CFB is if you're an in-between team, you can be stuck there per- perpetually. You can't get out of there. It's like going down the river, getting stuck in the whirlpool because every year you talk yourself into thinking you're elite when in actuality, you're really an in-between team. So if the Titans could get themselves back into more of a mindset of we got to get more to the rebuild stage of things here, we're not quite ready. Um, and let, let's see what happens with Malik at that point to make that go or not go. That'd be fine. But just don't let yourself get caught in, in the in-between place because you never get to rebuild and you never get to elite. And you always stay right out in the middle of that river. 
Nothing love right back at you, space man. Nothing love right back at you, brother. Uh, always competes says the draw the draw my play segment with Mariucci sold me on Richardson. He picked up with what Mariucci was saying, easily roid out with impeccable handwriting, super chill guy, no cam head case. Oh, he seems really he seems really cool. He does. You don't you don't you're not giving diva you're not getting diva vibes off of Anthony Richardson. That's for sure. And Utero says, Brandon, I don't understand why some people hate Stroud. Can you explain that? I, I think people have a very negative view of Ohio State quarterbacks. And that view is built out of uh, kind of a, you know, like there's some like great curse on Ohio State quarterbacks to a degree. And then also on the fact that they're all, they're all being perpetually pushed upwards and made to look like they're the, the greatest things in sliced bread when in actuality they have so much to work with in a conference that's not particularly strong at this point anymore, especially from the defensive side of the ball. And so that everything is funny, num- funny numbers, you know, funny money numbers. It's, it's none of it's real with it. Um, I don't agree with that in utero, but that seems to be the most common reason within him. It doesn't really seem to be something from a standpoint of it's that, or he's not mobile or he can't play off script. Those are the three main things that I've, I've heard pointed to him. Um, I don't agree with it, but those are the three main issues I hear presented. Donald Glover's secret talent. Thoughts on Trenton Simpson. Would you love to get him at 20 or 37? Uh, I'd love to get him at 37, Donald, but I don't think that he lasts to 37. He'll be taken inside the first round. So you either take him at 20 or you miss out completely. And I would take him at 20 if he was there. I think his testing numbers showed me that this is a guy that I'm, I'm not only going to be able to have rock the middle linebacker position, but if I need him to have take some snaps from the edge and rush the passer, he can do that too. So a little bit of uh, flexibility with him. CFB says, that's our issue. If we keep Tannehill, he will win us too many games to get to our franchise guy. See what, see what I'm saying on that? That's my, it's my growing theory on this. It's that in-between place. And it's the worst place to get CFB because when you're in a rebuild, as you know this with football, you can flip a rebuild around fast. Hell, my Seahawks just went through a rebuild this past year and we got to the playoffs. You can move through rebuilds quickly, but it does take the embracing of the owner organization to say, we want to, we got to do it. We're going to have to take all these steps now to rebuild and it isn't going to get pretty with that CFB. And what I mean by this is that means that we move Tannehill for a bag of peanuts. That means that we probably are going to move Jeffrey Simmons rather than pay him 17, 18, $19 million per year. You know, it's, it's a little more in that realm. Maybe you try to get what you can get for Henry at this point, but if you're going to go this way, go hog wild with it, right? Don't go partial in, right? Don't straddle the fence because when you straddle the fence, that's how you end up in that miserable place for NFL franchises, which in my opinion is that in-between face, that place where you're always just good enough to get to here, but never quite good enough to get to there. That's, that's, the, that's where you don't want to be. Nick says, if, Stroud, if somehow Stroud is there at five, it should be the easiest pick ever. Everything I say under the impression he's already gone because he should be gone by five. Yes, I would agree with that. That would be an easy pick. Dreamforge contractors, what's, what about the no franchise tag for Gino? Does that mean multi-year at a reasonable rate? No, it probably means he goes to free agency. Um, the closer we get to free agency, the more likely that is to be the happening. But Seattle mentioning they're not intending to use a franchise tag on for Gino means I would read into that saying they haven't gotten to a place of a common ground on a contract. They don't want to hold him over the barrel on a franchise tag without him going out there and getting his market rate. 
And so they're going to do right by Gino and do right by what's right for the team. Always could be uh, Richardson sits behind Gino for a year and takes over. The future is bright. Yes. Greg Kemp, how did the quarterback Adrian Martinez not get invited to the combine when DTR did? DTR is uh, a way better thrower of the football than Adrian Martinez is. Martinez can do some throwing, but he has got a lot of work to do. A DTR on tape had way more flashier throws, way more NFL-like throws that you got to see from him. Martinez is really more just, I'm going to just run around as a, as a guy back there more than anything else. He's also missing, I think, what, remember what you saw with DTR at the combine here, Greg, is when they did the, the RPMs, right? The miles per hour on their fastball and they were doing the gun with them. Who had the fastest you know, miles per hour at the combine? And that was Dorian Thompson Robinson. I guarantee you, if you had Martinez thrown on that gun, he'd probably have one of the weaker RPMs out there or MPM, MPHs, RPMs, whatever you want to call it. He'd have one of the slower, slower balls coming out of his hand. So it just comes down to being able to actually throw the rock. No doubt Martinez can, he's a good mover and he can scramble, but limited, limited as a thrower. CFB, I loved watching Russ in Seattle. His deep ball to Baldwin and Lockett was unstoppable. It was. Nothing more beautiful than that moon ball when he was in his prime. CFB says Stroud also isn't the most flashy quarterback like some of these other guys. It is. Yeah, I guess so. You're right about that. You know, his top end talents, throwing with anticipation, accuracy, not always as easy to quantify as the guy running 4-4 or the guy that could throw it 70 yards. Donald says, I'm taking Richardson over Stroud if we keep Geno. Okay. I feel you there. I think most would, most would prefer Stroud, but I get it with Richardson. The physical upside is there with him. Yeah, space. Russ and his prime can't be beat. At least as far as entertaining quarterbacks go. Nick says, I don't really see how we draft a quarterback at five if Geno stays. I don't, it may not be a, it's a more of a likelihood you take a quarterback at five if Geno goes, to your point on that, Nick. I think that you do it under the thought process that Geno's 33 years old. You know, you're signing him to essentially what's going to be a two-year deal. If you take a guy like Richardson, you're probably thinking he's going to take two years to develop into the quarterback he will eventually become. That kind of marries together very well then if they want to go that route with it. So I, I agree it's not as likely, but it doesn't remove it from the possibility either. Jimmy Cruz says, what do you think of what Tyree Wilson said? He says he wants to play with ex-teammate Brooks. Ooh, how about that? How about that, Jamie? Okay. Well, it's good to hear. It's cool to hear. He's an option for us at number five. He certainly knows that. Um, and he's one of the more talented defenders in this class. But it's cool to hear. I don't have much of a great takeaway from it. But it's just nice to hear that he's he misses playing with his buddy and would love to go out there and play with him again. CFP says, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I thought the Seahawks were going to be terrible last year, but Gino was great and y'all draft was amazing. We bought into the whole process of it, CFP. You know, that's what it is. They bought into doing the, the rebuild, you know. You moved on from Russ. You moved on from Bobby. Bobby still had some good play left ahead of him. You moved on from Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap went on and played pretty well for the Kansas City Chiefs this past year. You know, you got to, when you go into the rebuild, you're going to give up guys that are good players at that point. But it's the understanding of the time is not right now. We're not in the mode right now. And if I'm the Titans and I'm looking at the rest of that AFC, I'm looking at how stacked up the Chiefs and the Bengals are. And I got to deal with, you know, you still have um, 
you know, you got the Miami Dolphins, the Baltimore Ravens if Lamar stays there, and you got the Chargers coming up, and you got Sean Payton now there with the Broncos. What is he going to get them doing? And it's a lot of competition right now. You know, is the, is now the right time to be you know going whole hog up against everybody? I wouldn't think so if I was the Titans. I would move more into that rebuild mode, and just take take your medicine, right? CFP. It's it's going to be a year of painful medicine, but you'll get out on the other end of it fast. And the fact that they make that choice to do so at that point will hasten the rebuild up. It will speed it up that much faster. It's those teams that just can't buy into that whole process, you know. Joka, rest in peace to Mama Blue. Rest in peace. John Paul Bacon of the Seahawks had gotten Bobby back. Any thoughts? It sounds like he's coming back, John. That seems to be the word on the streets. I'm happy to hear it. I'm very pro Bobby coming back to the team. It would help us out in a variety of different levels. CFB, if Daniel Jones gets the money he wants, the quarterback market's going to get worse somehow, laughing out loud. It is, CFB. My theory on this has been from a standpoint of the quarterback funny money has gone out of control. It's continuing to go out of control this offseason with what we're hearing with Daniel Jones' contract what we're hearing about what Derek Carr is asking for, what we're hearing about what Geno Smith is asking for. My problem with this CFB has been that everybody either gets paid top of the market or you get paid nothing. And if that's going to be the rule of the road for when it comes to quarterbacks, I'm not paying top of the market unless I'm getting top of the market performance from a quarterback. And absent that, somebody else can go make that mistake. Somebody else can make that stupid signing. It's a little bit like with the Ryan Tannehill deal that you get signed. <clears throat> you didn't pay Ryan Tannehill all the money. You didn't pay him a top five contract, but you gave him a big chunk of change. And it hurts and it makes building the rest of the roster harder. And he's got to carry the load at that point if he's going to sustain that kind of hit. And Tannehill was not able to do that. And most quarterbacks aren't able to do that in this day and age, I'd argue. And, and it's why I think it's just stupid to pay quarterbacks this kind of money unless they're the true blue top end guys. <clears throat> Nolan Arvan says, I would take Locke <clears throat> at whatever, four to five million for two years. AR, Stroud, or Levis, you know, can kick rocks at 40 million a year. Saw that. Yeah, I'm with that. Next is, does Daniel Jones and Gino have the same agent? It makes sense if they do it for DJ to ask so much money. No, it's just where the quarterback market is, Nick. It's just the quarterback market's in a silly place. And, and teams, as I say, teams do these decisions for one or two reasons, either one laziness or two desperation. It's one of those two that cause you to do that. If the Giants don't sign Daniel Jones, who's their next quarterback then, right? They were too good this year to go draft one in this draft. You know, there's nobody else out there to sign. Oh, you got to spend the money then, don't you? That's desperation. That's not the intelligence approach driving them in what they do. That's them going, oh, hell, what happens if we don't? You know, and that does tend to be the driver of this, but that driver then makes you make a bad decision. And the Giants are going to make a bad decision if they're going to pay Daniel Jones $45 million a year. And we make a bad decision, quite frankly, if we're looking to pay Geno Smith $35 million a year. The returns aren't, you're not getting the returns. Nolan Arvance says the Giants are close to tagging Danny Dimes. I mean, why wouldn't they at that point? He's going to ask for $48 million, $45 million. Here's $32.5 on a one-year deal. Why don't you prove me that you can do that? I think the problem with the Giants trying to pull that off a little bit is probably their cap situation isn't the greatest. Nudor says, despite what I hope the Hawks do, I'll trust whatever Schneider does. Me too, man. He's earned, he's earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterbacks at this point, in my opinion. 
Dreamforge contractors make sense about letting him test the free agent market. That means John talked to other general managers at the combine and determined market for him is lukewarm. Maybe Dreamforge. I mean, maybe it's just a matter of like, they just don't really want to spend big money on a quarterback. And this gives them the out of saying, we didn't want to pay that much money for him, but we want to give him an opportunity to test the market and see what he could find. I think he's going to have a pretty good market for him when he goes out there, especially if nobody has to trade for him, Dreamforge. All they got to do is sign him to a new deal. I think you'll find a team out there willing to do it and willing to pay a minimum $35 million a year. Greg Kemp says, I think DTR is better, but I'm just talking about to show off his athleticism and like Taysom Hill. Oh, yeah, they didn't, they didn't invite a lot of quarterbacks this year, it seems like, uh, to your point on that, Greg. Um, and Martinez can do that stuff. He could do a Taysom Hill kind of maybe transition. I could see that. Nick says, I can't, be, I can't imagine being a quarterback who threw for 15 touchdowns in the 17-game season asking for $45 million a year. It's, it's clown world with this stuff, man. It really is. It, it's just clown world. Like, come on. You're right. Like, this is stupid. David Gabriel, uh, David uh, Gabriel says, I wish the professor was around to give us a, his opinion on this draft. Me too, man. Me too. John Clayton's uh, is sorely missed. You know, gone far too soon. Far too soon. I miss my Saturday shows, man. CFB says, yeah, we ain't beating none of them with Tannehill <laughs> and quarterbacks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I get it when Daniel was like uber cheap, but second you start giving him money, it's a different ball game. I feel the same way with Geno Smith on this, by the way, CFB, just so you can see I'm consistent with this. feel the same way, you know? I got Geno on a one-year $7 million deal. I look at him a lot differently than I'm going to look at Geno on a three-year $35 million on average deal that I'm, I'm married to for at least two seasons. Joka says, what does that mean for Cody Barton if Bobby comes back? It's not likely to happen, Joka. You know, he's going to cost you $45 million a season to bring in Barton as a free agent. I don't think Seattle wants to spend that money on him. I think you bring back Bobby, you're already going to be spending some money as it is. They look to then draft a young guy in addition to Bobby coming back at that point. But very unlikely Bobby comes back. Nick says, getting Bobby back to mentor a linebacker we draft in the third or fourth round is a perfect scenario. That's how I'm thinking about this, Nick. That's part of one of the reasons I was pro Bobby. It was the leadership he provides. It's his instincts pre-play to know where a play is going to help out some of those younger guys. It's Hell, it's him calling plays in the huddle, right? We heard this big problem with Jordan Brooks getting confused with having to call plays in the huddle for the first time in his career. Two, your last point, even the final one being his hopeful ability to maybe speed up the development of a young linebacker you might be bringing in. Jamie Cruz says, who do you think is going to be coaching our defensive backs with Sean gone? Uh, you mean uh, Sean Desai? Uh, probably Carl Scott will do that, take on more of those duties. Nick Guzman Brooks can go somewhere else is right. Uh, James McElroy, can't even imagine the noise in Lumen Field the moment Bobby walks out onto that tunnel in the home opener. Oh, that'd be awesome. Awesome. It was great to see he got the support coming back to the stadium like he did. Clifford says, yes, sir. Let Bobby help and build the rooks. Bobby the builder. <laughs> John Paul Bacon says, one thing that Mr. 12 did was to keep a team-friendly deal for a long time. I was hoping Russ was going to do that. Me too, man. I was always looking for us to say, okay, I've gotten a couple contracts. Now I'll take a little bit less money. Never, never was willing to do it. CFB says, very true. I would be, I would be doing the same thing as some of these quarterbacks like Lamar or Carr. Take advantage of it. Yeah, CFB, I can't, if I'm Tannehill, Carr, anything, I don't 
besmirch them for taking advantage of the system and getting everything they can, you know, but it's, it's another one of those I've related to, you know, if your friend jumps off a bridge, does that mean you should do it? You know, just because you have 27 NFL teams willing to jump off a bridge, is that the, does it make it a smart reason to go? No, it doesn't. You know, it is either a smart reason or not. It either, it either is you're getting your returns from spending this money on these guys or you're not. And, you know, the thing, the stat that always stands out to me with the CFP is if you always look every year, you go into the playoffs, you've seen the same stat posted where it flashes on the screen early part of the game where they go top paid quarterbacks this past season in the NFL and you have the top seven guys and like six of them didn't even make the playoffs. And it's like that every single year. And I think that that's a telling stat. And the fact that stat's pretty universal and every year you can see it being that case. Telling. Uh, always compete. Any thoughts on Lucas Van Ness? Comparable to Nick Bosa? No way, no how, no form. Not even close. Not in the in the vicinity. Not in the spectrum. Not in the sport. Not in the same position. I know they played the same position, but no, 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 nowhere near. Um, Lucas Van Ness is a high motor, try hard guy with good good strength and power. Bosa's got good strength and power, but he has great pass rush moves, excellent dip bend, first step quickness. Van Ness has no first step quickness. Uh, Lucas Van Ness's comparison for me is Ryan Kerrigan. That's my comp for Lucas Van Ness, but he's kind of one of those guys I'm most always compete a little bit lukewarm on in this draft, quite honestly. I'm, I'm very lukewarm on him. I wish I was higher, but I'm just not. Glovick says, if a quarterback gets $45 million after one good season, then that quarterback is defining the Joker from Batman. <laughs> Um, Wu-Tang, you have to be smoking crack rock to pay Daniel Jones $45 million per annual. On his best day, he's like Walmart Josh Allen. The other 14 games a season, he's super mid. 100%, man. 100%. I think in, in a lot of ways, this is a strike point here with, with uh, Daniel Jones if he does get paid like this of like, okay, when are we going to get to a point where these general managers start to figure this out? When are we going to get to the point where one of these guys grows some stones and actually has the has it has the willingness to stand up for what they believe in that that it's not money well spent. I might sell more tickets. It might make my team sound a little more exciting because I got a name at the quarterback position. But does it make my team better? Versus using those assets in other places. Clifford says, "Did you see the report of Russ burning a house down from his cooking?" <laughs> Nick says, I'm rooting for Russ now. He helped us so much as a franchise. The Broncos sucking has no effect on us now. I have only love for Russ now. I only have love for Russ, Russ for now too. I get the people that do say F Russ as well on the other side of it, but no, I got nothing but love for him as well. Um, I think he did kind of burn some bridges on the way out of town a little bit for some people, Nick, and that's going to affect a little bit of how some few him in retrospect. I think that's an understandable standpoint as well. Um, Living says, I'm kidding. Yeah, Russ was the best quarterback freshman, but he did leave the Seahawks. Nick says, so I'm going to show him love. Russ and Hasbeck are my are the two quarterbacks who I have seen for extended time in my lifetime, and I will always respect them. Me too, man. I got no no love or wish for Russ to do bad moving forward at all. Jamie Cruz says, did you talk about the defensive tackles yet? Think veteran or rookie? I think you're going to go younger here, Jamie. I think you'll try to assign somebody as far as a, a defensive tackle out there on the free agent market. I don't know if there'll be a splash signing like you're, you would get with the Deron Payne or Hargrave, 
but maybe a little bit of a lesser guy. I think they also attack it in the draft in a variety of different places from first round all the way to fourth round. You could get a good defensive tackle in that spot. So, um, yeah, I would, go, I would go that route with it, I think. Uh, we talked a little bit about the defensive tackles um, in this draft. Obviously, Carter's my number one. Cansey, two. Breeze, Breeze is my three. Uh, Adatwami Adawari would be my four. Keanu Benton is my number five. And Maze Smith would be my sixth. As far as my my defensive tackle pecking order, you got to get while the getting's good if you're going to go rookies with it, though, Jamie, because I don't know there's going to be good quality guys beyond the third round. It could be very much a cliff drop-off situation with the defensive tackle position at that point. Stephen Mattel, you have a good night. Appreciate you. John Paul Bacon, I still have respect for what Russ helped us to achieve. Go Russ, maybe this year with Sean Payton as head coach. If Russ doesn't do better, is he done? Yes. Russ better have a sense of urgency because Payton is not married to him. And if he doesn't bounce back this next year, if he puts on another performance like he did this past season, he very well may be looking at the end of his career coming very, very, very fast. I don't think that's likely to happen. I think Payton's going to help him get back to, uh, you know, moderately good position from what he was, but he's got a lot to prove now kind of going forward this season. Mark's, uh, Megan says that JS and his reaction and never having to deal with Mark Rogers and Russ tells me all I need to know. Yeah, for true. Clifford says if he truly wanted to win, he would have taken a $50 million contract with us. He also wanted to bring in Odell. He did. Nick says, I just... Uh, Richardson could stay day one for us and top 15 touchdowns in the season. And that's all I'm saying to Danny Dimes. I, I just, Richardson could start day one for us and top 15 touchdowns in the season. And that's all I'm saying to Danny Dimes. Era 15 could probably top his rushing numbers as well. That's my, that's the funny part. Yeah. Agreed. Daniel Jones has not sent, set a benchmark here for the position for the giants. They got to feel like, how are we going to, how are we going to find a return for this? Yeah. But they must just be talking themselves in the fact that they've like, well, our wide receiver position sucked for years now. So we've got to do, you know, we've got to do right by Danny and get him some real pass catchers to be able to make our proper assessment of him. Like, but do you? But do you? Clifford says quarterbacks would get most of the money and complaining about the front office or general managers not bringing enough weaponry. I'm, I swear quarterbacks would get the most of the money and not and, and complain. Oh, they love to do that, Clifford. They go and they ask for all the money. They want to be paid twice that anybody else on the roster and then more so than that. And then they complain when the, when the front offices can't put a supporting roster around them. Like, why aren't you guys doing more here? Yeah. All right, well, we're six hours and 20 minutes in. I'm going to go ahead and start to put a button here on this. So if there's any last questions, comments, concerns, trials, tribulations, please feel free to post those on here in the chat. But other than that, we will go ahead and kind of put a button here on this show, if that's all good with you guys. Hey, Space, I want to thank you again for that huge, massive, massive, like $80 in donations from you, brother. I really do appreciate that. Very kind of you for doing that. Um, Appreciate everybody as well on the stream here tonight. Been awesome with the chat as it ever is. Love the discussion. I know there's a lot of real uh, passionate thoughts in regards to this draft, this offseason, our Seahawks. And we do always, as ever more, keep things very calm, collected, just well thought out here in the in the stream and in, in the chat. And uh, I really do appreciate it as that always with you guys. Megan, get yourself some dinner. Get yourself some food. 
I think we will go ahead and wrap it up on that note. Go space. I'm giving you a little dab there for your dono. So I appreciate you on that, brother. Uh, D Money says, I I don't think we need a quarterback for a year or two. We don't need to rush the process. We don't need to rush a D Money. I I do think that if you do let Geno go, you got to find somebody at that point. Maybe Drew Locke. Um, But there's not necessarily an an, an entire rush to have to take a guy in this draft. If they take a quarterback, it should be because it's the one that they've fallen in love with. It's because this is the one that they say can carry the day for us going forward. Absent that, certainly can still afford to wait if that's what they want to do. ADL Williams says, people hate on Russ, shaking my head. He's a genius. He was good enough to get us picks to hook up the Hawks and then bad enough to put poor Mr. Hackett out of his misery. And now he will win Denver a chip. Everyone wins. I love it, ADL. I love it. Win, win, nothing better than win, 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 right? Everybody looks at for trades for like who won, who lost, who got beaten. Like, well, how about both sides won? Nothing more beautiful than that. And I, uh, I do wish uh, Russ the best. I have no ill will for him. It's been brutal watching the year that he's had to kind of uh, sustain a little bit as far as the blowback goes in a way that he's never really been subjected to in his career. But uh, no ill will towards him at all. Nick says, uh, Trent Dilfer threw 12 touchdowns and he won a Super Bowl. Russ threw 26 the season we won. Stop that. Oh, that we need a certain number of touchdowns. You're probably speaking to someone else. Sorry. Uh, Megan says, I loved all the 12s and B. You may not agree with me about Carter, but I love hearing the debate. I love the debate as well, Megan. And as I always say with this, I don't need you to agree with me either. I love your perspective on it as well. Um, and very well, your perspective could end up proving to be the right one with this, right? You're proven right with having the character concerns before the racing came out. You could be proven right on this once we get to be, once Carter gets to be an approved and once Carter becomes a pro and maybe shows himself to have more of this going on uh, down the line with it. So very well could be proven. Uh, Byron D says, why is nobody talking about that we need a long snapper? We get the Alabama long snapper with our fifth pick. Well, I thought it goes without saying, Byron D. I thought that was like, that's obviously option A, right? That's obviously the number one. Uh, Flag 7 says, glad to catch a little bit of the stream. Oh, I'm sorry, we're catching, I know you always get on late. We get you in um, a replay on that flag, but uh, I'll be bouncing back here on Wednesday. So we'll be back at this quick. Aiden O'Connell, anyone? I haven't seen anything on Aiden as of yet myself. Ravens are smart. In tech old, why are people getting mad at the Ravens for not paying Lamar 200 plus million guaranteed? Do they think AZ, do they think Arizona liked paying Kyler Dallas with Dak Denver with Russ? I respect them for standing their ground. I do too, Ethan. And the key point on this to get mad at the Ravens, which is ridiculous is the respect of the bonus money, the guaranteed money. Lamar wanted every bit of the guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got handed. The Browns made a dumb deal last year with Deshaun Watson. Does that mean the Ravens now have to be forced to make that same dumb deal with, with Lamar? No. They've offered him $130 million guaranteed. They've offered him a commiserate contract with what he would be worth on this market. Um, he wants the whole bag. Neither side do I really hold down for them wanting what they're wanting in this situation. Nick Guzman says, Carter Hat. Carter has to be Aaron Donald level to warrant his draft placement, and that's high standards to live up to. I don't know if he's got to get to that spot. As I said, I think his comp is Cortez Kennedy. I mean, when you're talking about Aaron Donald, Nick, you're talking about maybe the best three-tech defensive tackle of all time. I don't think you have to be that to be picked at number five. Um, and he's a good player. Uh, Byron D has been celebrating 11 months and he's going to go ahead and finish us off right here with, uh, with his last message here on the chat. But thank you for 11 months of support of the Hawks Nest as a member of the channel. If you're not a member of the channel, I am just about to release out my 30,000 words on this draft and these players and little blurbs and getting all that stuff in there. So if uh, you're looking to have a reason to become a member here soon, do look for that reason as I will be dropping that probably within the next week and a half, two weeks at the most 
on that draft guide. Byron says, yo, if we can get Will Anderson, our edge rush would be so good, especially with that new pass rush coach. Pet the effing cat. Oh, you know she's getting some love, man. You know she's getting some love. She's like, is the stream over, Dad? Is it? Am I going to get the full, full on loves now? Some salmon treats? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Sean Renault, do I have any concerns over Stroud's ceiling? Not really, Sean. Um, no. Certainly, he's got a little. He's got a long ways to go to get to where his ceiling, I think, will be eventually. But I think he's already shown you enough in, in stable ground to begin with that you feel good with. He's not. He's not the rough project that Richardson is a little bit. He's a little more, I think, raring to go. Um, so, no, I, I, I think that he's, he, you know, I don't know if he's got superstar ceiling ahead of him. If anything, Sean, maybe it's just a little bit of that his ceiling isn't quite as high as some other quarterbacks that you, you look to have coming out of a draft in these, in these recent drafts. But no, no, I don't have any concerns with him on that. Megan says, I'm going to send you my Jim Zorn, Jim Zorn jersey to wear for the draft when we don't take Carter at 5B. Sounds good. Send it my way. <laughs> Nick says the Browns never think that's their issue. 100% facts. And again, like I said, quarterback, these quarterback contracts that get handed out to these guys tend to be handed out from one of two places, desperation or laziness. And in, in the Browns case, what was it? Desperation. Well, we want this, but we want Watson. Well, we want Watson. Well, Watson wants to be paid again. We don't want to pay him. Do you want Watson or not? We want him. Okay, now you're paying him. Desperation, not intelligent thinking, but desperation. Glevick says, B, ending, that, ending the script that was given to us. <laughs> uh, Byron D says, you ever thought about football coaching at a school or some? I'd be open to doing it, Byron D. Problem for me right now is just time in the day. I intend to just see 24 hours goes like this every single day for me. So it's just like, geez, I can't, I can't ever seem to get caught up on things, but uh, I'd be, I'd love to do it at some point. If time ever kind of slows down, maybe a little bit. Space is AR over Lamar. Let's go. Let's go space all day, every day, all day, every day. John Paul Bacon. Uh, I don't normally ask to talk about sad things, but anyone else hear about Seahawk fan named mama blue passing? Very sad to see, man. We did talk a little bit about it early on. Sad to see. Uh, it's been a fixture there in that stadium. Every every time you got a Seahawks game, you're getting a shot of Mama Blue over there uh, uh, rooting the team on. Um, so a little sad. Sad Seahawks Seahawks Nation's a little little lighter today in spirit and uh, and awesomeness with her gone. Stuff. I'd be an analyst, Cliffic. I'd be all right. Uh, B would smash that football podcast or sports show as an analyst. I'd love it, Cliffic. Anybody ever comes calling, man, I will jump, jump, jump aboard. You better believe it. You better believe it. Uh, Space, yeah, Mama Blue was the woman, you know, older woman they would show on the telecast and she'd be all draped up, had face painted and had a whole, whole hat on and all a bunch of stuff going on, right? Little multicolored Seahawk like wig going on. They usually would show her on TV just about every telecast though. And yeah, she did pass. I knew her son, funny enough. Her son's a chef. Uh, I'm friends with him still, I think over on Facebook. So good guy. Good guy. And uh, he's got to be, hopefully he's doing okay tonight. Uh, Ethan says, would air rushing the, what would air rushing be compared to Lamar and Cam? I don't think he's quite as sudden as Lamar, but he is also probably outweighs Lamar by a good 15, 20 pounds coming out of the draft than what Lamar weighed. Um, Cam was going to be, it would be a bigger guy, you know, a little bit more heavier guy. Uh, I think AR is going to be faster than him though. 
You know, Cam was like a running back, like a, a huge running back Henry guy with you know, running the ball. You know, AR is going to be a little bit more like Lamar and their quarterbacks running with the ball, you know, that are very fleet of foot. You know. Byron says favorite scenario for our four first fave scenario for first two. Oh my goodness, Byron. Uh, favorite scenario for four first, two first, first round. Byron, I'm six and a half hours in, man. I if you if you've cobbled together, a t- <laughs> I, I like my eyes are already going like this. You know what I mean? Um, what well, favorite scenario for our first two first round picks with the scenario that we re-sign Gino? I I would lean back in and just re repost up to you right here, man. Look, just check out my mock, man. This is the mock that I ran here over my right shoulder. This is my ideal mock draft coming into this for my Seahawks. It's kind of regardless of what you do with Gino or not. You could do Drew Locke, and I would still probably go this route, kind of honestly. This is just the draft that I would like to run, how I'd like to go it. So Carter Cansey, one, two. Carter Cansey. Um, that would be my preference on a first two, Byron. You just, you end up, you take care of your defensive line right from the jump and you free yourself up through the rest of the draft at that point. There's a couple other spots you could go. You go Carter Simpson, you go Tyree Wilson, you know, uh, Simpson, right? You could, you go Tyree Wilson Schmitz. Um, but this is just for purely what I would like and what I'd lean to, I'd go with this. Klivik is uh five to high for Kansi. Yes, he's got 30 and a half inch arms. I can't take that guy in the top 10. Can't do it. Yeah, Nick. Air shorter is an inch shorter than Cam. He's probably two inches shorter. Cam was legit like six six, but uh, but definitely faster, and a better arm and better mechanics. Big Country says athletically, no quarterback has ever had the upside of Air fifteen. He's a ninety ninth percentile athlete, man. Um, I think there's many quarterbacks that have upside that you know definitely have been equivalent. If not the scramblers, he is, they had a better arm talent than he did. You know, Elway, Luck, Lawrence, their arm talent was significantly better. But, you know, as, as a scrambler, as a mover with the ball, he is unique. John Paul also need, always need a backup for your back, for your quarterback. Maybe we get our next Greeno to back up Gino. Maybe, maybe, man, maybe, man. Uh, Byron D, what's the cat's name? It's Pumpkin. Pumpkin's the name on that one. Uh, Cliff says AR15 is probably the underdog of the quarterback draft of being the number one quarterbacks. Yeah, probably. Probably. Gross kid, I agree with fully with the one and two. I said the same thing. Nice. Well, I'm on the right path with this one then maybe, huh? On the right path with this one. Well, thank you guys. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up on that one. Uh, Flags have a too bad Ottawa. Ade Ottawari didn't have better tape production. He didn't. Um, he's been coming on strong through this post-draft process, Flag. He had a tremendous week out at the Senior Bowl. He's kind of, you know, had an awesome combine now. So it's going to definitely elevate him. But you're right. The, 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 the tape and the production didn't exactly get me quite as excited as I would have liked to have been. And I think you're in the same place on that one. So... 
Well, folks, we will wrap it up here on that note. Thank you, as always, to the chat. You guys are awesome as ever. I will be back on Wednesday. We'll be going, um, and I'm gonna, I believe I'm going to do a show around kind of my dream off season. I think I'll have a firmer hand. I've been waiting to do this show until I could figure out what's going on with Geno Smith's situation to kind of make this uh, realistic um, as opposed to, you know, having a dream off season and Geno signs and it completely makes my dream off season look stupid. So I will be looking to kind of present that here in this next uh, stream on Wednesday. We'll be right back at it at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time over here on my side of it. I look forward to doing that with you guys as ever. Thank you for all of the support in the channel, from the members of the channel to the folks donating on these streams. You guys are always tremendous in that respect. I really do appreciate it as ever in that respect too. Well, we got free agency not but a week away here, folks. We are just a a short little jump forward to find out what our Hawks are going to do. If you don't, you ain't going with Gino. Guess what? Free agency is about to be a whole lot more active than we thought. If we were going to sign Gino, it's a lot more freed up money to go out there and spend and bring in some people that could help out this team. So there's a kind of two different pathways that are opening up now for this free agent period, but we've gone through the combine. We got free agency. We got the draft. Things are going to start to set up for us to kind of figure this out and see what way our Seahawks are going to go. What's the pathway? What's their approach? What's their philosophy we're trying to get this team back to becoming an elite team. Is it to marry with Gino? Is it to go back to the young quarterback? Is it stick to fully and fruitfully and with passion and exuberance that 2012 blueprint and just stick to the plan? We'll see. We'll see. No matter what, I will be here with you guys covering it every step of the way. We'll be talking over every different angle and every different process that we could go through on this. I love it. You love it. And I hope I don't have to remind you now as we get to go through this exciting period of even just an off season. I hope I don't have to remind you this, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm still going to let you know. I know you're excited. I know you're dreaming large of that fifth overall pick and all of the different iterations this draft might take to see your Seahawks become elite. I know you're thinking about it already, but I'm going to remind you anyway. Don't you ever forget. Go Hawks.